Hello! Welcome to Hawk's Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and I do appreciate you for tuning on in. Thank you to everybody that jumped on over into the Bleach Report post-game discussion over on that app. Appreciate you guys who downloaded that app just to check out the show. There's many of you doing that. Thank you for that support. We had a great show today on the play-by-play. We had our Seahawks come away with a win. Yet I'm anticipating tonight we're still, I think, going to have a lot of discussion about folks being torn in what uh, maybe they're seeing fully on the field um, and that there being different camps and how their outlook is of this team and where they stand with this team. And uh, I'm going to understand it. Uh, I'm not not going to drive hard for people to have to think in one direction or the other on this one. I'm going to probably, in a lot of ways, you're going to hear me say a lot tonight um, that I understand and hear where you're coming from. Um, because uh, whether it comes to Geno, whether it comes to this team and, and being contending and ready to contend and ready to go, I think that there are valid questions to be asked uh, uh, and and remain. And for those folks that are landing more in the camp and thinking maybe this can, can come together, this is an ever-forming, you know, final product, so to speak. Abraham Lucas is going to come back here soon. There's a better, this team is going to be better as we go on to the horizon. Uh, understandable. But then there's those people that will say, well, yeah, but it's the commanders. Commanders, you know, coming into this game with Sam Howell, quarterback, and, you know, to, down there, two of their top five defensive players, they traded the deadline, and then Emmanuel Forbes and the uh, outside uh, defensive end out in this game fairly halfway through. Uh, Forbes ejected earlier on, so you should have beat him by more, you know, and this stuff will go over to Geno, too. So I know that this is going to spin around a little bit tonight. I can anticipate and understand that that's the way it's going to go, and I think that this is just unfortunately a little bit, or fortunately, but depending on your outlook of it, just where we are with the team as it is right now. Um, that there is no certain answers. There is no um, conclusion that should just be the one that's logically everybody should just arrive here at finalized point. I think there's going to be some different threads on this one in the way that people look on this, both team, both quarterback, both, you know, situation. But Ox were able to come out with the win. You are six and three. The record is what it is at this point in time of the year. That four game stretch is going to determine a lot. But in many ways, you know, for, for getting the playoffs, at least you got to pick up these wins against these opponents. And I would say next week as well against that Rams team, a team that embarrassed you. And hopefully our Hawks team is standing ready this upcoming week to answer that, uh, answer that embarrassment from the opening week of the season as they go on the road in L.A. But uh, a lot to unpack in this game tonight. Let's see where your guys' mind is at with it. I won't uh, get to blabbing for too long on it because I know we're going to have a ton to discuss and talk over uh, I think the final point on this is just I'll say is I think whatever you were thinking about the Hawks coming into this game is probably very much still the place that you find yourself uh, a landing on on the end of it. Um, but I include myself within that. Uh, a win is a win. I, I do think that we have a young team, a team that, that showed us last year on the measure last week on the measuring stick against the Ravens that maybe we're not quite ready this year, but that there was still a half a season of ball games to be played. And so let's see how it plays out and we can make our final determinations at the end of the season, conclusions at the end of the season. And how that pushes forward, both quarterback, coach, scheme, all the way down the line. I thank you guys for watching tonight. Do me a favor, please hit that like button. If you could for me, please, I would appreciate it. Thank you to everybody, too, who donated on the opening stream today. Just absolutely amazing support. See Lord of Bravos out there dropping $200 and all that. Appreciate all of you for uh, all of that on the earlier stream. And uh, I do hope everyone's having a pretty good night overall. At least it's a W. At least it's a win. Vimy says, tough game, B. Tough one. 
Cheese Taco says, sigh, I want to feel excited. I really do, but why can't it ever be easy? Yeah, this game does not have, this team does not have an easy mode. No red button in the locker room that they can go and hit. Everything's got to be a bit of a grind. And uh, this game included with one that you'd like to see them have a couple moments into it where you can just distance yourself, you know, show who's the more talented team out here, who's the better team, who's the team playing for something. And uh, that moment didn't quite kick in until maybe that final drive. And uh, it does make it, I think, hard for that excitement to kick in to your point on that cheese taco. That's why I say I'll understand anybody's outlook coming out of this game with, if you were feeling a certain way about them coming out last last week's, like for instance, where some Hawk fans are, where, okay, you might get to nine wins, but are you really better than last year? You know, you might get into the playoffs, but are you really a contender? I think these folks have a, a solid argument to be made, but at the end of the day too, there's there is time for this to still form a little bit more better together. He just says, I've been saying it since the draft, precise long snapping. Our guy's been on point with the snaps. No doubt about that. Brandon Moody. I love your game reaction. Pete Morseyox says, I hate the Bleacher Report app. I'm so glad I only have to use it once a week. Well, I thank you for using it as you do, man. And people definitely showed up over there. So it's, it's very good. It's good for your boy on that. Uh, Kelly, hey, B. You may have already seen your Twitter message, but I got to see Kenny McIntosh again today and got an autograph from Big Cat and Jarek Reed. Overall, a good game. Funny and crazy and cold. Yeah, that wind starts to whip up down there by the water and it does start to chill things out right quick. Um, I did see the message came through. I didn't have a chance to check it out. Just getting everything kind of lived up after got a quick meal eaten and then got to get everything prepped to live this one up here. But um, I will check out as soon as the show's over and check take a look at those shots. Thanks for sending me. And uh, how, about, how about the big guy getting his first sack today? Jarek Reed got himself a hit. And uh, hopefully Kelly McIntosh back maybe by next week. I don't know. I'm sure on the plan with McIntosh. But uh, thank you for sending. I'll check him out. Thank you, Joe, for hitting that like button. You are the man, man. For truth, I'm listening. Holy hand grenade, bro. Every time I try to use the Bleacher Report app, I always have to sign up and back in because it always says your settings have changed. I think it's a new app. So they're probably working out the, you know, the kinks, relatively speaking, with this thing. And uh, I'm sure they're getting back the feedback on that. Money Rich still need to draft the quarterback of the future. Smith is only so good. Indeed, I think that that still remains uh, a necessity on the table here, kind of however this year plays out. And I think that they're going to have a very interesting slate of guys to pick from. Nate, I hope the Hawks can cover the middle of the field against the Rams. Great point, Nate. Great point. That's going to be a big, a big key here this upcoming week. And that's how they slaughtered you. It was the Valentine's Day slaughter in the middle of the field for us in that first week of the season. And now they do have Cooper Cup back. I don't know what the status is of the quarterback position. That will play a bit of a part, whether it's Stafford or, or the backup. But that will be important. He just says, and now we enter the gauntlet. Gauntlet. Sarah, small. Oh, it's Mara's, Sarah. <laughs> Megan's got her by five points. <laughs> Swedish Shinobi, go Hawks. DJ, a win is a win, and they will get better and better. Eventually, we'll learn from the mistakes. That's the place I, I try to get to with the um, hopefulness that I try to draw. If I try to, try to take a little bit of sunshine, I'm trying to, I'm pretty even keeled on this. So that's why I get to the under, everybody's kind of standing on this. 
but in trying to give a little bit of sunshine to the people for maybe hope that they're not looking for me to dish out to them is that this team week by week can build on these performances, can build further and further up, can can try to get some momentum. Football at the end of the season is a game about momentum, a game about playing your best ball at the end of the year. And uh, they they have not yet, despite the fact as we look at them as a 6-3 and three record, they have yet to really play a consistent football game on both sides of the football. And I'm not saying like you're ever going to get enough one side of the football playing four quarters. But what I'm saying is, is that there's been a high amount. It's more about the high amount of inconsistency on one side of the ball while the other side of the ball is doing its part and really excelling and locking it in. And if you could just get both of those two things synced up, that's an easier said than done proposition. I'll give you that. But if you could just get both of those two things synced up, that, uh, that, that, that could be where we see the, ups, the final upside of this team, the final hopeful upside of turning itself into potentially a contender at that point. But I know I'll probably not win many over with that. <laughs> Vimi says, are you losing your voice, B? A little bit, yeah. It's not been uh, as strong as I would like it to be right now. So <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm pulling it along. It may not be a, a four hour, a five hour uh, cruise here tonight, you know. A five hour cruise. Hawks now, Sarah Small is a friend of mine, a Coles fan, but she's dropped in for visit. Hell yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate you dropping on in. I'd say good luck against Megan, but she's my mod. I got to wish her luck. So I, she's going to have to take you down. Sorry. Radu, after watching, at what, after, after what point B do you turn on Gino? We can't not afford Gino to play like that for a half against the Niners and not have the opportunity to come back like we did today. Um, I guess where we start logically is there's a there's there's a little bit of a built-in conclusion in your question that that Drew Locke is the better answer waiting in the wings. That's been the part as much as anything to me, Radu, that I I I bristle about saying that that's the better option in my opinion. And I've tried to make my argument pretty plain with that that it's it comes down to the quarterback battle. It comes down to a trust in the coaches playing the best player out there who should be playing. It comes down to the difficulties in flipping out quarterbacks, what that does to the locker room and all of that. Um, you know, you might have stuff happen. You know, what I bet would happen with Drew Locke is this, is if you put in Drew Locke, he might give you a game. He comes in there as a change, a pace, and goes up against all the scouting reports and lights it up for an initial game. But then comes back down to earth in the preceding couple of games when teams are actually scheming to play against him. Now, uh, I could be wrong on that, but that's just the logic and reason I apply to it. You have a quarterback, it's, as I say, and I'll be talking about this in the post-game video breakdown I do when I drop that later on tonight. You know, you have a quarterback in this game throw for 370 yards, 103 rating, bring a, have a fourth quarter comeback drive, his third one of the season, not of his career, the third one of the season, of your six wins, three have been comeback victories. And yet there is going to be that strong opinion within the chat of, see, shouldn't this here be an indicator that Geno needs to get benched? And uh, I, I understand he played as bad as he did through those quarters. I'm not saying that. But a game is built upon how you play it all the way through, not on how you play in the quarter or a really horrible decision at the end of the half. Uh, those get factored into the performance. And I will say this, it's not as clean and easy, Radu, as on this performance he has now shown you. On this performance he has now, you know, quieted all the doubters and all the haters. As I said on this coming in, I believe that if you came into this not liking Gino, the performance didn't sway you in any way. And if you came in this as a benefactor, and I include myself in on the benefactor since I've been a supporter of him, 
If you came into that as that person, you still probably find yourself in that spot. It doesn't mean I'm more confidently so in that spot. Indeed, I've got a lot of big time questions about this, how he's playing this, this game right now. And I've got a lot of worries about how he's playing the game right now. But I don't believe Drew Locke goes out there and throws for 400 and three tutties where Gino threw for just 369. I, I don't, I, I don't have that built in because that's kind of what you have to say then by saying, well, Drew's the better choice is he comes in and he's going to be more, he's going to outpace that. He's going to outdo that. I could be wrong on this. And I acknowledge fully Radu that the camp that's the anti-Geno folks, I'm not trying to paint you with ad hominem attacks or straw man you or say that you don't have a leg to stand on. Uh, quite the opposite on it. I just don't find myself in that in that lane myself at this point, not after that performance. Uh, I want to see things get better. It's not, in many ways, I'd say it's not still not good enough, but not in the not good enough to bench you, just not good enough you can do better. Come on, you know. Things, again, that you can control in this game, like the end of that first half where you've got to know and just know what you're doing coming into it on your decision-making and what you're going to plan to do prior to that play, not in the midst of the play. DJ says it was a Colton Rainey at uh, the game today, but a W is a W. That's right. I'll take it. JG says, I'm ready for this four-game stretch to see what this team is really about. Well, we're not quite there. We still got the uh, the Rams one for me. I mean, I guess we can include this Rams game in this four-game stretch here. Um, but, you know, for me, it is going to be that that Niners versus Niners-Eagles run there that's going to tell the story of this season, basically, at that point. What are you or what are you not? And uh, we'll be able to, that's why I want to have the whole year to make this kind of determination. But we will come to a full final conclusive answer on this and uh we'll just have to see how it goes we'll have to see how it goes thank you uh ben case is i'll take it wsw i'm in that stance too man sarah big win for the hawks today thanks sarah we feel pretty good about it uh Megla Lucario, everyone's acting like we gave up 400 yards to a third-string quarterback. Sam Howell is the current passing uh, yards leader. He's a good quarterback. No, he's not Mahomes, but he's very solid. Yeah, I mean, he he played a good game um, today. I thought he was solid. Uh, I don't think he lit us up like he just destroyed. He had 44 attempts to get to 30, 300 yards. Um, but he he played pretty well. He, he played really, really good football. and. Um, you know, the last, those last two drives are really what darkens the defensive day uh, for the, for Seahawks, everything coming into that fourth quarter, you seemingly have everything kind of locked up and you just kind of, you know, lost your path. It's a little bit like the offense sometimes where you can see the potential within it, but you just can't seem to find the consistency in with it. And that's the really frustrating part. Cause you can't always, it's not as easy to pinpoint why the inconsistency, why it's, you know, not there. But uh, yeah, Sam Howell's a good quarterback and he very much looks like maybe the answer there for that Washington team into the future, especially if they build up a line and get him some, you know, a little bit more top-notch playmakers maybe on the outside a bit. Robert says uh, the defense looks worse than they are and gave up big plays specifically because they had to be on the field so much. Then when they make great plays or cause turnovers, the offense isn't capitalizing. Disjointed is, uh, the, is the term I would uh, put out there. That's the way I kind of see too with a bit, Robert. Um, you do you did feel like, and especially as you get to the fourth quarter, is some of that them wearing down? Maybe do you like your point on this? Some of that in the fourth quarter with the two touchdown drives now 
your offensive ineptitude through most of this game, again, gets the defense into the depths of the third quarter with you having a lot of three and outs and um, kind of wore out and tired a little bit. Maybe so. Maybe so. But it, that's that thing of it. It hasn't quite come together even though we're getting these wins. It's not really like all work together. We're like, here's here's how the plan's all in action here. It's like part somebody ends up holding up their end of the bargain a little bit more than you'd like ideally for them to have to do so. Uh, but they're finding a way. Eric Barrera says, how do you feel about the Thanksgiving game against the Niners? I think the Niners are down even a couple of their offensive playmakers. You know, be it, you take one of Williams, McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, you know, one or two of those guys, take two of those guys out of that offense, it's completely different. But all of those guys in that offense makes them a juggernaut. And we're not in a position right now where we approach looking anything like a juggernaut. So as, you know, we're going to have to improve um, beyond today where we were at today. And, you know, it's going to take a lot, lot better effort than what you saw today. So, I mean, right now I give the Niners the edge. Those guys are back and healthy. They showed you today. Once you, to my point, have the full health of that offense, look what the Niners did to the Jacksonville Jaguars at 10 a.m. on the road. That's pretty impressive. And they show you when they got it. It's, it, it's maybe a little bit of a like, our, our whole world is trying to balance you know, on the edge of a cliff with all those guys needing to stay healthy through a whole season for them to make it happen. But it's possible. But I'd give them the edge, Eric. Ryan, mistakes were made on offense and defense today, but we still got the win against a decent team. I am overall happy with what happened. Me too, man. We got the win. Just got to come away with the win at the end of the day. That's the most important part. And we'd love to see a better performance, but we'll take that. Mark says, I say this again. Pocket passers are the problem. Defenses are getting too fast for them to stay in the pocket. Mobility is becoming an ever-growing key, Mark. And, um, you know, in Gino's case, sometimes it becomes frustrating where he needs to use the mobility that's there and he's got. He's just so, he's so um, at times dedicated to staying in the pocket and throwing when he needs to take just the six, seven-yard scramble. He did at one point in this game, but uh, there's a lot more moments opened up there for him to do so to steal a couple first downs. Uh, rather than have to be some of these tough completions thrown into a tight window. But uh, yeah, the defenses are getting better and better on their fronts. They're getting more athletic and they're getting the, the quarterback faster than ever. Mobility is statue quarterbacks. It's no longer going to be the way as we go into the future, in my opinion. Robert, Robert Craig says, um, I think the defense is good for the record too. No, I think they both got the potential to be good in that stage like you talk about, Robert. It's just that the, the thing doesn't all go together. You got the whole system is all put together and then it just gets to this one part and then and, and kind of falls, not fully falls apart, but doesn't go as smoothly. Like some of the oil's getting through to the engine and some of it's like spittering throughout. Um, I, I get what you're saying on that. That's the part that gives me hope of we haven't seen it to that point yet. What happens if it does get to that point? What does that team look like? What if it, the team can get to that point hold that state for a couple game run at the end of the season as they're going into the playoffs. You know, what can occur then? And it has me, has me thinking, has me hoping, has me wishing. What's up, Jerry Snap out of it. Will Lucas be back next week? I don't know. They might have him back for some snaps next week. I think they're really looking and eyeing for that four game stretch to make sure they have him back for that. So uh, we'll see. Um, it, it, Carol's been a little bit, you know, quiet about it. 
Afimi, if we get screwed on the defensive rookie of the year with Spoon because of Jalen uh, Flopper, because the excuse for Sauce last year was, oh, well, he has better statistic stats. Oh, well, Spoon will have better stats, but it's fan voting. It's an East Coast thing, Phoebe. You know, it's going to be hard for Witherspoon to get it, but, you know, his stats are going to be pretty crazy at the end of the year, even if we're just leaning to that. But nonetheless, you know, Carter probably is a front runner because of that East Coast thing that does, for better or worse, kind of exist. Save the geese. Thank you for the $5 donation. Wasn't able to watch today's game until 8 o'clock into a fourth quarter, but listen to your stream at work. Nice win, but we still need to draft a quarterback. I think that's a camp. That's a that's the that's been a bit of I think the bridge between the two camps. You know, the anti-Geno camp and the the, the somewhat pro-Geno camp, um, and that is that we go to both kind of shaking hands, going we both understand we do need to go get a quarterback in this next draft. I don't think any camp would have a problem. I really don't think even the pro-Geno camp would have a problem if you took a quarterback, even let's say the first round. If you trade up for a quarterback in this draft and they fell in love, I don't think that camp, myself included would have any issue with that. I know the anti-Geno camp wouldn't have an issue with it. And so I think that that does remain something that's pretty pretty much at the forefront of most fans thinking into the future of this draft is we got, we got to go look at a quarterback here. You've got the lock on the one-year deal. Everything logically just kind of shuffles you a bit into that direction of that being the, the smart call to make. Now it's just about who to target, who's the right choice, who's the best choice. Brian says, please, no Gino hate tonight. Yeah, good luck on that one, Brian. As, uh, <laughs> Be more Seahawks, Pete is the quarterback whisperer. We can't doubt him now. Really cool moment there at the end of the game to see uh, um, peace, love on earth in the chat, please. Peace, love on earth in the chat. Peace, love and earth. Let's go. Uh, yes, he absolutely had a cool moment at the end of this game where he had Gino on the sideline, centering him up, talking to him over there, telling him what was on, what was going down, getting, getting Gino right. Just a good little moment. That's what you want to see your uh, head coach do. Trevor Rotan, the biggest problem with our the biggest problem with us is our inconsistency in every phase of the game. Agreed, Trevor. Agreed. I mean, maybe our our special teams might have a little bit of an okay point on that. At least they're they're pretty good about staying pretty much in that right pocket all the time. But offensive defense, it's it's part of I think the biggest frustration with this team is you can see a you can see the best state of this team within this smoke, and it's there. We just can't get all of the smoke out of the get. <laughs> Out of the, it's right. Look, it's right there. Look, you know, can't quite get it just to the point where it's uh, perfectly clear. But uh, hopefully, at some point this year, Trevor. <coughs> uh, Brian, uh, do, 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 do. Uh, Chris Cam, thank you for the five dollar donation, Chris. I am hopeful that the offense found themselves in the second half. I see them coming alive against the Rams. And wouldn't it be poetic if they did? I hope they did. I hope you're right, Chris. Uh, certainly you saw today parts of this offense come together. We don't, we can all kind of, we don't know necessarily where we'll be out with Gino going forward, but you got offensive line 
Absent that Ravens game to the last three weeks has, has put out really good pass protection grades, I would say, and has started to open up some holes in the running game um, overall over that three-week period, I think. You found a way to get a good mix between Charbonnet and Walker. Uh, you found Waldron today with way more creativity applied in this game than he has prior. More of the utilization of the two and the three tight end sets for that matter. Things that you can build upon, Chris, to your, to your point on that for this upcoming game. And uh, so hopefully they can utilize those going into this next game against the Rams, build off the tape in week one, take a little bit of that spirit in this game of they got us in that week one. That ain't right. We got to make this right. Get this win, get to seven and three and set the stage for this four game stretch to go out there and do some real damage. And yeah, it would be poetic if we could go, you know, give it to the Rams like give, give it to us. Turnabout's fair play, as they say. And I'm all for it, all about it. Thank you, though, Chris, for that $5 don't know. I appreciate you for that. Fritz says, tired of the lock conversation. Unless Gino gets injured, Carroll's not going to bench him midseason. Yeah, not after that performance, not after what he did. You know, and um, I, I get the frustration from the Gino camp. I don't want to, to, to shade people on it, but it, it's just lock's not happening. We're going to be riding or dying with Gino this year. And uh, it, the coaching staff's made a determination on this one, and they made it long ago. And I think if they really did feel like Locke was that much more of a tremendous answer than Gino. They would have gone to it. And um, I've tried to make my case for the, why that would have been the case. And their willingness to make do that is that does, we talk about what a coaching staff is and aren't willing to do because the people will say, well, they paid Gino's. So they're not going to be willing to bench him will be what people would say. But yet that doesn't fit to the type of the history of this organization, does it? That's then applying something that would be a modern change to their philosophy for how they've done it in the past at the position. And I don't think that I necessarily see that way. Gino's not under a contract that's akin to the Russell Wilson contract. Gino's under a contract that's akin to the Matt Flynn contract. And so if Drew Locke was the better guy, if he's blowing it up in practice and outperforming what Gino's doing on the field, then there's no marrying of yourself, you know, there to Gino in the long term at that point. I, I can't see how the coaching staff would be making that choice. We're we're ten percent less with Gino on the field, but you know, he's been the starter for a year. So there's like some kind of weird, insane built value into doing that running with that with them at that point. Or we're saying that the coaching staff doesn't have a way, if we're calling for lock, we're saying the coaching staff doesn't have a way of determining who the best quarterback is for the position either, which again, doesn't quite add up to recent fit type. When we look at the organization, it is the organization that drafted Russell Wilson. It is the organization that was on the right side of the Russell Wilson trade. It is the organization that put Geno Smith in as a starting quarterback for a season who then got comeback player of the year award. They may have a blind spot when it comes to the quarterback position and their evaluation of the quarterback position, but the recent history and the way that they've dealt with the position has not been that. There's not a lot of evidence for that. It may be that, but it's not in that you know, place. Uh, Robert, I'm hopeful that Abe Lucas coming back will allow Gino to calm down, calm the F down, and go through his progressions more confidently. I hope so too, Robert. I've got to feel like Abe's going to pass to steady the ship a little bit. I'm not expecting him to like save things, but at least make him feel a little bit more warm and fuzzy about what he's got going on at the edges. His cross looks like he's starting to maybe you know round a bit better into the closer mold of what he was last year. But going through his progressions remains a part of Gino's game that's a, a well-worn um, criticism of his game that we've seen this year so far. And I, I think it's it's apropos fit. It was there at times in this game. There were some other times where he got locked in on the first read and even on third and shorts where 
If he comes down to a drag route underneath or Noah Fant coming underneath clearing on a route, he's got an easy wide open completion. Nobody near in coverage. But, you know, he gets kind of locked in on the thought process of what he's going to do prior to the snap. And he gets, you know, into that where he's just going to kind of wrap both arms around it. And he's got to be a little bit more able and willing at that point to kind of read things on the fly a bit, especially when uh, he doesn't have that plan B when the blitz comes sometimes of getting it to that hot route. He gets just the blitz ends up sending him into a little bit of a, uh, of a tailspin. Young Bidos is Brandon the Goat. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Brian says, we need Bradford back full time. Yes. I, I think there's a very much an argument to be made. They'll make making a flick out at right guard there. And it will, with the thought process that it will definitely help the running game out quite a bit, bringing them in there with especially Lucas in there. Standard champion says, thought Gino was fine. Not great. The D giving up two late game back-to-back -to -back touchdowns is more concerning than anything Gino did or did not do today. That's a valid, a valid outlook on it. Yeah, defense kind of just rolled over there on those last couple of drives and didn't provide a whole lot of fight. Sivigi, Seattle could have drafted Howell. They, why are they so afraid to take a shot at a quarterback in the draft? The Howell one is a little bit perplexing, save the geese. I wasn't big on those guys at the top of the draft with Ritter and Willis and Matt Corral. But when you're talking about how getting into the fourth round, that was one that was interesting that they weren't, they weren't in on it at all at that point. You would think that that would have had them jumping. Who did they take that year in the fourth? We got Kobe Bryant. So you, you took Kobe Bryant instead of taking a Sam Howell. They must have just been really out on his evaluation, which is kind of hard to understand. Uh, 177S Georgius, can't blame the O-line when the quarterback holds the ball, taking long and insufficient reads. There were some of those moments in this game. I think the pass protection was fine in this game. Gino had 47 dropback attempts and he got hit five times. You gave up one sack. I think you kept your quarterback clean and you provided him with a pocket to do damage consistently i don't think the pressure numbers are going to be any much more increased on that either so i yeah i'm with that dog i think the line did a good job today brian would it would be nice if abe got a uh, home under his belt before the niners game yeah get a little bit of get a little action not having to go out there first thing against chase young or or bright or uh, bosa on the side that would be i i think they maybe give him a little bit of a cup of coffee next week start getting him acclimated in Tiana, I stand exactly where I stood last week. If the Lions can get killed by the Ravens and still be contenders, so can we. If Philly can get pushed to the brink by Washington and be contenders, so can we. I love it, Tiana. Beautifully put on your part. I love it. Let's go. Tiana dropping bars out here. Free truth. I think Bradford's a great addition from what I've seen him play. Oh, he's, I think he's, Definitely guy I wasn't sure if it could be a future right guard for us at the position. I I will be very much honing in on left guard in my draft evaluations because I do feel like Bradford gives you a guy in the future you can feel good about in that right guard role. And uh, he's just going to keep getting better and better and better considering how little he got to play in college. What, 17 only total starts. 
Chris Cam, did I miss my reaction to the super chat? You might have. I got you though. Uh, it was uh, so. I'm hopeful that the offense found themselves in the second half. I see them coming alive against the Rams. And wouldn't it be poetic if they did? And it would indeed, Chris, be very poetic. Sorry, a little late on was I, I read it, hit it before, but I'm a little bit sometimes behind on these. Um, and it would be poetic. It would be the the right thing for this offense to start to find itself now a little bit. Um, and it may be a bit of a different state than they were at the start of the season. The Rams quarterback situation is going to dictate some of this, of course, too. But um, I they've they've got a flow at least from Waldron's play calling. What can we build off of this game? I get it. People are still unsure on on Geno plus or minor, whatever they are with that. But no doubt you can build upon the pass protection from from the recent note of things. No doubt you can build upon utilization of Charbonnet and Walker and the utilization of the ground game and maybe trying to incorporate as they did in this game at times the outside zone runs and the pitch plays and getting the ball out there in space, especially guys like Walker who is so so very fast. Uh, the bubble screen game part of the offense working its way into this. There are elements and parts of this offense that are starting to work and come together. Now we just got to bring the whole picture, whole picture into focus. And that's what's that's the final part of it that's got to kind of come together for the, the offense to really find its footing and go and be, you know, what we thought this offense could be at the uh, start of the year, Chris. But thank you for the donation. Appreciate you. And it would be poetic if we get back on the Rams after what they did to us last week. Andrew Rezazenko, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, I say we let Haynes and Lewis walk in the offseason. Roll with Bradford and draft two more guards. Unless we can get them back dirt cheap. Yeah, and um, when I've thought through this on this, Andrew, unfortunately, there's not a really dirt cheap scenario when it comes to Haynes and Lewis. There's a cheap scenario but you're paying Haynes on a one-year, $4 million deal right now. Uh, Lewis is going to, even if it's on a short-term deal, going to be up around that mark as far as an average per year. And, and neither of these guys do I like really pen, spending more than about $3 million per year on either of the two of them for the performance that they provide. Uh, both had, I think, an okay day-to-day. -day. They were actually well-graded last week, which was odd for me considering it didn't seem like they played a really good game, particularly what uh, they played a bad game, it seemed like, last week. But... When I look at the cap situation and uh, what we're getting from the performance and from them, I, I would say that there's money that you can spend in other ways, and potentially, especially to help out those two positions to make them better. Um, and I'm okay with going that route as well, Andrew, at this point. Neither has shown me enough level of consistency to make me feel like they are part of our future here. And if that's the case, why give them that short one-year, $4 million deal when it eats up so much of the cap and then prevents you from doing other things so you can have this kind of you know functional backup type that you really don't want to start kind of a, a low-end high cost kind of thing that you end up in at that point so i'm okay with it too andrew and uh, who knows maybe somebody pays lewis some four-year 20 million dollar deal and then you can get a compensatory pick on the other side of it <laughs> it's possible but bradford's definitely starting to elevates that spot to me that he, I'm, I'll feel fine about him as the future right guard. He's a monster and a beast in the running game. I think he's going to come along in the pass protection element of it as he gets more seasoning, 17 starts in his college career, only a couple starts now in the pros, and yet he is still flashed at times. He's been so especially dominant as a run blocker, and he brings a kind of attitude to the position as a run blocker that you really do need. You need those guys that aren't just merely dancing bears, but they're like mean grizzly bears with rabies. And that's what you get with him <clears throat> on the football field. He plays angry. He plays mean. 
and that's what you need from your uh, offensive lineman. But I, I don't know if I could say Lewis has got some meanness to him at times, but I don't know about Haynes. I don't know if there's a lot of bite in that dog. I don't know. Thank you, though, Andrew, for that fiver. I appreciate you. Stale with a $2 donation says, no more lock. We ripping for ripping. Ripping for ripping. I might have a shirt made up for that. Snail. <laughs> ripping for ripping. If you had told my young self, 30 years from now, Mark Rippon's son will be on our practice squad. You would have blown my young mind. I would have went, what the hell are you talking about? What did you say? But uh, it's uh, no more luck, huh? Ripping for ripping. Okay. Well, he's got the lineage. He's a legacy. I get it. That does make a difference. That does factor in. Ripping for ripping. <laughs> And you know what's crazy about that now that I think about that snail? Is there some, there is some WSU love coming in here now. Is that, is, oh, that's what you did. You found a backwards turnabout fashion to instill. Yes, you did. Oh, you sneaky, sneaky snake. Ripping for ripping. Because Brett Rippon's dad played at WSU. Oh, my God. Okay, Snail. <laughs> it all just comes down to that at the end of the day, doesn't it? Brett didn't even go to WSU. Did he? Did he go to, like, Idaho or something? He's not even a coog, man. Uh, Rundaz, thank you for the $5 donation, Rundaz. I appreciate you for that. Says, uh, thanks for all the hard work. Go Hawks. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate your support. Go Hawks, man. I love what I do. I got a great, great job, man. And uh, I enjoyed doing it. That's for sure. So uh, thanks for watching. And it's my pleasure. Das is the sign Kaepernick. <laughs> I haven't very much of that. Mick, it's crazy consistently... It's crazy how consistently Boy Mafe is on defense for it only being his second year. Yeah, he has stepped forward in a big way this offseason. It's sort of like taking two years of progression and truncating it down into just one offseason. And that's what you're kind of getting from Mafe. And uh, the big opening here this year, and it was one of the big keys for me with him, was can he find an answer inside? You know, can he find that inside turn of the screw to, to not only then be dangerous when he decides to go inside, be it on the stunt or when he wants to counter off a jab step outside to the in, however he wants to do it, how can he make getting inside, you know, more efficient in his process? And it's shown up all over the board this year, including in this play where he ran a, uh, he ran a little bit of a stunt and it's not even a stunt, you know, normal defensive ends will come off that stunt and they'll start backtracking and, and, and getting around the defensive lineman will the edge right off of the snap. And what that then allows the interior lineman guard to do is make that read really fast and be able to pick up the stunter super quick at that point, slide off the slide off the inside defensive lineman, then to the tackle. And what Mafe does is he actually gets up field. He really commits to showing two, three steps up the field off the tackle, like he's pressing the edge and he gets that guard to fully sink in then to Leonard Williams. And then he's able to then come inside on the twist and it's expertly ran there by Mafe with his technique on that, but he is finding a little bit of that juice to getting inside to my earlier point on this 
finding that inside road. And once he does that, now tackles have to play him more legitimately on the outside. They can't just lean to the edge and, and prepare for the hand, the double hand swipe move that he wants to go to. Now they got to kind of lean back to the inside a little bit as well in their pass protection sets. Stale says, uh, no, let's be honest. Gino got bailed out uh, by our by the Washington meltdown at the end of the fourth quarter. I don't know if there was a Washington meltdown when I look at, um, they got two fourth quarter touchdowns, so their offense, I don't think, melted down. Um, I mean, offensively, you scored 13 points in the final fourth quarter, so you didn't offensively melt down. Um, or, I mean, I guess you were saying they're defensively melting down there. I don't know if I'd attribute as much to that. I'd attribute it to saying that's you finally got on the top of their talent and where it was on the field at that point. You know, you probably should have been slicing and dicing up that team defensively throughout the course of the day and made it a lot harder on yourself than you should have. But there was always that potential for you to kick in the day against this defense with where they're at, where, they're, where they've been at this year from a productivity standpoint and where they're at right now from a personnel standpoint and how weakened they are with that. But I don't know if anybody got bailed out in this game. Um, you know, it's hard for me to get the road of like Gino's bailed through for throws for three seventy. It's like, well, he got bailed out. Like, I don't know if you just throw for three seventy by being bailed out. They're bad. They're not bad defense. That's really what they are. But they're bailing. You know, by they're you know they bailed J- Jalen Hurts out then too. He put up thirty seven on them. You know, it's like. Yeah, they're going to, that's, you, you did what you got to do against bad defenses, which is take advantage of that. Albeit, they didn't take advantage of it until late in the fourth quarter, really, but they did take advantage. Alexander Brandon, I don't think next week is going to be easy. The Rams always give us issues every year. I'm done taking the Rams lightly. I did that in the opening week and uh, that, that burned my ass. So uh, I'm going to be captain, captain on guard this week. I'm just going to be hyping the Rams up. I was calling them a rebuilding tank team before, and I think now I'm going to call them still Super Bowl contenders this season in the hopes that I can somehow switch the ambiance of Juju back in the other direction. If I can uncork this curse that I seem to have set upon us with my bold proclamations and confidence at the start of the year. Paid the price for that one. Got a little, felt myself a little bit too much. I was feeling good though. I'm feeling confident. You can't blame me for that. Chris Richards, Gino. Oh, sorry, Chris. My message bounced. The message bounced, Chris. Hold on. We'll find you. I will find you, Chris. End your message. Chris says, Gino Smith is a crap quarterback. There's a crap quarterback. There's, I love better quarterbacks sitting on Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad named Nathan Rourke. He's 10 times better and they could get him, get, get him for nothing. Oh, I'm sorry you're out on Gino there, man, Chris, but uh, and I don't know too much about Nathan Rourke. Uh, big background with the Rourke, the Rourke man. Um, snap out, I saw Green in front of Gino several times this game. Yeah, he has some easy road to just go take if he would just take it. He, he sometimes gets way too hesitant to utilize his legs. <laughs> The uh, 77 East Georgia says, imagine if the commanders had sweat and young still. Well, they would have probably been way more problematic than they were. That's for sure. We got to get the benefit of that. Benelli says, let's go Seahawks. I'm ready for lock season. Just want to see what he can do. You're not alone. Not alone. 
Boy, Hand Grenade says, B and Megan, get ready to put those luck jerseys through the ringer. We got the gauntlet coming. Yeah, we're going to definitely do Thanksgiving. The luck jerseys are going to be brought on that one. I think from there, we're going to have to be very, very careful about how we proceed going forward. We do not want to overuse the luck jersey. So it may be only that we got like the, the Cowboys game or something like that, that we can bring them back. Not probably the Cowboys game because that is a throwback game. So th those will be the two. I mean, we'll do what we can with our jersey luck. The rest is going to be on the team. We can only guide them so far with our light of our jersey luck. That flame can only burn so boldly until they have to take the torch from our hands like they hand off the, the torch Olympic baton as it's going through the country of origin for the games that are going to be played. And then take that baton on forward. Okay? But we're going to light it. You know? I'm going to do that move where I take the arrow and light the torch with the arrow like they did back in the Atlanta games back in the day. Super cool style. And then... It's on them from there. Nicholas Cox, if uh, we got if we got robbed of a defensive rookie of the year for second year in a row from a green team because of East Coast bias, I swear to God, I will be filled with indescribable rage. <laughs> I laugh, Nicholas, not because I mock you, but because I I know the feeling. And, you know, I, I go back on this for years. It's why a little bit more of the peace I have with it is that this has been decades for me of seeing this kind of play out like this, where it's to get those kind of awards, you just have to be so amazingly great that it's just undeniable to everyone that it would be like a, a crime against humanity for you not to get the award. Uh, and if it's close, it's going to go to the other guy, especially if there's an East Coast guy. But uh, this will be an interesting case study year, to my point on this. We'll just have to see. Snails is not ripping the future. Brett ripping the future. Vanelli, oh yeah, life is good. Uh, same to you. Hope all is well. Eights as well. Yeah, man. I hope you're doing well. Appreciate you, bro. Radu says, Brandon, if we go and get a quarterback this draft, would you start him or sit him behind Geno for another year or lock? What I would go. What I would do at that point, and and Radu, this would be, of course, under the X. Let's say this. Let's let's build in a little bit of um, projection here. So Geno Smith is projected right now to throw for 4,100 yards, 65% completion percentage, 21 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. So if he puts that performance together for an entire year, am I going to be in the stage at that point of feeling like the best approach is to cut him? Some of this comes down to Radu, again, the coaching staff's outlook and understanding of the quarterback battle between the two. And if they're really close or if they're really far apart, it's a part of the battle that I'm unsure of Radu because I don't, haven't seen enough of Drew Locke's performance to make the determination about him. But I would estimate based off of logic that Gino is better. And so Gino does remain then for another year on the contract on the books. And then... That would then mean I would drop the quarterback to then go into the next year's camp, Radu, and I would have him fight it out with Geno. I would not. I would give Geno the job, but I would say this is a quarterback competition. And if that rookie comes in there and he lights it out and he outperforms you in camp, he will be the starter. And that that would be my. I, I would give it to Geno, but I'd say Geno, look, you're not this. You're we're not just handing this to you like this. The rush years, and it's just your job. You're going to have to make sure you earn this in camp too. And we're going to get a hell of a rookie quarterback. We're going to get who's played a lot of college ball under his belt, a lot of starts under his belt. He ain't going to be some green, green, you know, wet behind the ears kind of guy. Like he's, he's going to come out here and be ready to roll. So you better be ready to stand up against him. 
I'd provide that kind of challenge and then let the best man truly win. Snap out of us is watching Gino in the first half was brutal. It was. And I, I, I was having a hard time. It was getting tougher and tough to defend him as the game was going on there for a while there. You know, and he, he can be very frustrating. He had three completions at one point where he's, he gets down and he, bam, gets it out to, to Tyler Lockett. And then, you know, bam, right back to, to DK Metcalf sitting down in the zone. Then, bam, right back to Charbonnet. And you're like, oh, here we go. This is the Geno that's locked in. This is the Geno that's on his decision-making. You know, he's on the P's and Q's of it. Then he comes back in the rest of that drive and he's just kind of disoriented out of it again. Or he just kind of slides back into the other direction. You go, no, no, stay in that. Stay over here. Stay over here. It was rough. Steele says, we've seen amazing play at every position on our team at some point on the team. We can definitely have a run. We aren't for sure contenders, but we can definitely be a Joe Flacco Super Bowl run team. I love it, man. Like you say, Steele, you know, people get affixed in their minds of there being a one way to go get to a Super Bowl with a quarterback or only these kind of teams go out there and win Super Bowls. But some of that's skewed by the Tom Brady Mahomes factor a little bit and how that's kind of colored things. But I like your point on that and that there are ways and, and other spots and means to get there. Um, 2005 Steelers team was nine and seven and got to a Super Bowl and won it. Wasn't really a valid win, but they won it. And it counts as a Super Bowl win for them. So that's what matters most. I, I'm, I love the way you put that, Steele. May not be contenders, but you're absolutely capable. You have the armament to have a, a run, to put together a run. Lucky Roo says, congratulations on the W today. Losing sucks. Can't wait until the new management in DC gets started tearing it down. Lucky LaRue, thanks for coming on in the chat, man. Um, your team played a really strong game today. And uh, Sam Howell is going to make it a real tough decision, which you want them to, him to do for your organization um, as we go into this offseason. When I, you look at the commanders, I think that they're, they're making some smart moves. Lucky, I think it was very shrewd to make the moves with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. But I'd argue that that's what a smart organization needs to do when it recognizes we got to go into a rebuild mode. We're not in go for it. We're in rebuild mode. You've got to figure out who you are. I said about our team and had been saying the last couple of years, you've got to, you've got to make the appropriate determination of who you are or else you'll end up thinking you're this when you're actually that. And I, I know that that's a tough pill to swallow from a commander's fan standpoint in, in having to see a season go out like that at that point. But nonetheless, the team's going to have assets to utilize going forward. They're going to have removed the impediment around their neck. That anchor that was sinking you to the bottom of the ocean and Dan Schneider is gone. You're now lifting up the buoyant waters or sending you back to the surface. And it's only going to be a matter of time before you break that surface. It's a great fan base, um, a team that's got a history of winning there. I, I think you guys will get back on the other side of this and sooner than later, and especially because you've made these type of moves. And uh, you do have some things to work with within the course of this rebuild. Now you just got to figure out coach, quarterback, and direction moving in the future. And I'd love it too, Lucky, if, if it's true that there's a potential of Belichick being the rumors out there a little bit on that. I would, if I was a Washington Commanders fan, I'd be in all over that one. Gino says, uh, St Gino Steele says, Gino played a terrible first half and a good second half. Yeah, he's capable, not consistent. Most these people don't understand that they're only like two truly good quarterbacks a year. It's true. A lot of inconsistency throughout the sport right now at the position. And especially, I think this year has been tough steel because we've seen the recent bucking trend of defenses carrying the day when they haven't for basically the past decade. It's like they've come forward in a major way this year that has 
silenced a lot of offenses around the league. And uh, that's a bit of an on-the-spot adjustment. I don't know if a lot of fans have kind of readjusted their minds versus looking at the sport like it was in 2021 or 2020. Kelly Hand Grenade says, do you think there's film on Gino now and teams are able to figure out what he's good at? Yeah. I, I see a little bit more of taking away the play action at times in this game with his, with his uh, boots. I saw um, the stacked front approach by Washington. In the game film I watched of Washington leading up to this game, they were a team that mostly leaned on their front four to get the job done up front. And uh, I need some water. One second. And what you saw in this game was instead a lot of stack fronts, a lot of blitzing. Right now, there's a real question, I think, um, around the league about whether or not Gino can handle the blitz. He did a really good job last year through the first 12 games of recognizing it, calling to an audible, getting to the proper play, and then having a play established to where he could beat that blitz. For instance, you have the uh, Detroit Lion game last year where the Lions come up and show you a casino blitz, whole house blitz, no safety on the back end. Some quarterbacks, maybe they're going to go to a nine route to the receiver, try to drop back and hope the receiver can get off press coverage. And you can drop the ball in like a teardrop in over the top. Gino instead goes to the run, attacks with Rashad Penny to the gap that was going to naturally be there based off the way that they were blitzing. And you were able to hammer it for a touchdown run at that play. Likewise, in this game, Gino went to a, went to a change of a call in this game where he recognized the blitz at one point in this game in the second half. Changed to a run call, uh, Charbonnet, I believe, and it went for 10 yards. And he recognized that blitz coming up. There are times where he sees it, times where he doesn't. And the times where he doesn't is very confusing because he gets the stacked front and you can feel the blitzers on that front leg. They're coming. You, there's, a, there's times where you can feel the blitzers kind of on the back leg and they're not fully in on that, seeming like they're going to come downhill at the snap. And you can feel a little bit as a quarterback first knowing who might drop into their, their zone drop and who is coming. And there would be moments in the game where you could feel commanders coming all the way up and they're going to have a free rusher and Gino doesn't recognize it. Free rusher comes and then he's surprised by it post-snap. Why are you so surprised by it? You could see it was right up there in the gap. Even if you didn't think it was truly coming, you had to think there was a possibility of it coming. Uh, that's the inconsistency and the controllable inconsistency that exists in Gino's game. Pass protection, lack of ground game, um, unimaginative offensive play calling, which was not the case. None of those things were the case today. Those are times where that you, you go away from Gino, but this one's on Gino with it. You got to, that's, this is the, he's going to have to fix that part of it. So that thing specifically over the past few weeks has been something that stood out to me and they're going to need to find an answer to that because teams are going to continue to dial this up on Gino as a way to stop him. I don't think they're doing anything to take away, you know, deep routes, intermediate routes or anything like that. I think it's just that it's really, let's stack a whole bunch of stuff at the line of scrimmage and we'll just confuse the hell out of him. Alexander just can't sub twice. Well, I appreciate you subbing up on the first round. Nicholas says, the potential of this team is a top 10, but with their inability to be consistent, they are what they are now. Yes, sir. DJ, yes, we need to clear the smoke to where we can fire on all cylinders. Hopefully they are going, going to figure it out during this five-game gauntlet we are going into. Hopefully they can find the answers here. It's going to be a gauntlet. It's going to be tough. But if they can find the answers, holy hell, look out. Michael uh, Kubris, 
Definitely saw some good gaps being created by our O-line today. Good sign. And I'm ready for Abe. I saw the same, Mike. A lot more open holes there uh, in this game and, and some stuff opened up where the running backs had actually some room to work with at times, which was very encouraging because that's been so absent. But looked better today. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Jarrah says they need to emphasize the run, take pressure off Gino. Getting a little closer to the balance could be good. Could be, I, to, I, which is, I think, not trying to steal what you're saying and return it and direct it a different way, but let's. Um, well, let me get back to the box score here. Where was that? So we had, uh, you basically had 25 carries between Walker and Charbonnet in this game versus 47 runs. So. That can't be right. So, yeah, so six, what, 60, 57%, 53%. You get a little bit closer in your balance is kind of my point on this. 26 to 46, there still is a little bit of a discrep dis discrepancy there, again, on a game where you weren't necessarily down by two touchdowns where you're needing to throw. Um, <clears throat> they definitely got a little bit pass happy in the middle portions of this game. Some of that's also skewed by having the two-minute drive at the end of the half and then also having the game drive at the end of the game. That does push those numbers a little bit because those are moments you can't run the ball. you got to throw it. But <clears throat> nonetheless, the ground game would seem to have a little bit, to your point on that, some more meat on the bone there, potentially to go out there and get. Robert, I think uh, one of the plays that hurt me the worst was Diggs missing that interception in the fourth that could have been end of the game. I just kept thinking, what if it was Earl? Oh, we've seen Earl make that kind of play before where he's running one way and coming back and able to get his hands back and catch the ball. Um, I think a Cowboys game, he made a pick like that at one point uh, early in his uh, career against the Chargers. He had a pick that was just like that. But yeah, I definitely was a couple moments in this game where you had some picks right in your hands or near at hand and you just missed it. You go, boy, oh, it's right there. But uh, that was one of them for me too, Robert. Eric, Jamal Adams needs some serious reps with tackling drills. Yeah, I, it's a commitment thing for me, Eric. I mean, he's, it's not even like wrapping up. When you don't see him wrapping up and you're just doing the shoulder, I don't know if there's still he's trying to protect his shoulders or, or protect himself and he's worried about injury or what it is, but that was such a weak even tackling effort on a couple of those moments in this game. And there's not wrapping up. There's just kind of trying to shoulder or one arm, which is what he tried to do on that particular play, which was just strange. Nicholas says, partially, yes, hand grenade. Oh, oh um, sorry to respond to him. Digest says, uh, I cried when Adams ran past the quarterback and missed the sack. I was left speechless. Like, he just ran past him. Like, Hal didn't even do a move. Hal just kind of looked at him. He's like, what's up? He's like, what's up? Bye. Bye. And then he walked out the front door of the pocket. He went, Jamal, what are you doing? Benelli says the Schneider years were a mess. It can only get better from here. I hope so. I hope you're right. Snap out of it. They need to play Benny Hill music for the defense when they watch all the missed tackles on game tape. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty on Tell the Truth Monday. Empower don't really know how to feel about this team. I think we have a much lower ceiling than I thought a few weeks ago. 
too inconsistent, too hot and cold, too polarizing. We need stability and balance. Beautifully put in Power Code. I don't have much more to offer than that. I think that that's where a lot of us Seahawks fans to a degree find ourselves through a little variance one way or the other. Like LaRue, I did see Jaden Daniels' performance the other night. Single-handedly kind of putting the team on his back at points. And uh, he's a player. A guy that uh, has a chance, I think, to definitely raise his stock in this draft as he has this year. And a Heisman guy. guy that could look like a very good option for our Hawks into the future. Chris Cam, did Schneider draft Aaron Rodgers as well? He didn't technically draft Aaron Rodgers. He would have been a really young cat there at uh, Green Bay at the time. But he was in the house in Green Bay when they made that decision. He was in the room for whatever that worth. He may have made the argument. We'll have to ask John at some point on that or get somebody to ask John at some point on that. Ryan says, I actually think Locke could be good with his coaching staff. I just don't think they should bench Gino. It's a fair way to put it. Nicholas says, Locke doesn't deserve a chance. Obviously, if he deserved a chance, he would have gotten it. And that's where my thinking is. That's where my thinking is as well. Yeah, Benelli, Jaden Daniels is a stud. Richard says if Quandre Diggs could catch, he would have been a receiver. Uh, and Power Code, how many Geno passes have been batted down the past few games? Is that on the offensive line or Geno's throwing angle? Really frustrating to see all these tip passes, near interceptions, when it could be easily fixed. Uh, I don't think there are a lot on Geno. I, these are pre-prescribed plays that are supposed to be short, quick hitting plays that require the quarterback to just get his hand, the ball out of his hand. Um, there's a term that they say, you know, punish the leapers is what the uh, offensive line coaches tell the offensive linemen. And what that means is that when you have a lineman engaged with the defensive lineman and the guy's going to try to knock down the pass and give up on his pass rush, he's going to leap up into the air with two hands and try and knock the ball down. And so what that lineman's supposed to do at that point is hit him right in the chest and try to chop him down from the top up. And uh, that then knocks him down before he can get those hands up in those moments. But it's a very hard timing thing, so only certain linemen are really good at it. And uh, it just uh, comes down to those linemen, I think, making smart plays as much as any power. Uh, Gino's got an over-the-top throwing arm angle. It's not a sidearm thing. And uh, again, he's got to hit that back foot, throw to a preordained place on the field. The ball's going to come out on the, the, the lower trajectory on those type of throws. Sometimes there's not a lot you can do if a guy makes a good play at batting the ball down in those spots. You know, that's just good awareness by the defensive lineman. I don't think it'll be a trend that holds true throughout the course of the season. There'll be some regression, I think, to the mean. DJ Jimenez, I want Bradford over him. Ains to at this point, long-term especially. Ryan says, Brett Rippon's uncle is Mark Rippon. Mark graduated from high school. Yeah, I was just figuring snails are snails the coog that we got in the chat. And it took me a second to put together... A little slow on the a little slow on the turn tonight, but it uh, took me a second to put together that he he was calling for Rat Rippin's son because of the Mark Rippin connection to the Cougs. <laughs> Spokane native Brett Rippin. Oh, I love it. Uh, Joey, uh, all this talk about Gino, but if you watch the tape, you can see when some receivers shuffle their feet or stop on the routes, it's easy to blame the quarterback because he's the easiest to blame. Well said, Joey. Well said. It's a complicated day to unpack this one from Gino. It's, uh, the, the, I, I think there is a little bit more he can bear in the criticism this week than I would have put in weeks past um, where there's just no opportunity for any kind of success. But 
Did enough to get you the win. 370. Fourth quarter comeback win. It's pretty good. Robert, who said the Seahawks were afraid to take a quarterback in the draft? I don't think they are afraid. I think it wasn't the optimal decision to take a quarterback until now. I just think, I don't, yeah, I don't think they were afraid either on that, Robert. And I think you're right. There hasn't been necessarily an optimal, optimal guy. The Howell one's a little bit of a scratcher because you could have got him fourth round and onwards. And Schneider has said in the past that he'd love to have the intent to be able to go get a quarterback like every year in the draft would be what he'd love to ideally be able to do. But um, you're right. It hasn't, the drafts in recent years uh, just haven't exactly set out to where there's a clear guy that makes a lot of sense for you to go take. I mean, I think they would have definitely jumped on C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson if they had drifted down to him, but they obviously weren't super sold on Levis as the answer. Don Don Power Ranger, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Snap out of it. Brandon, can you make a compilation video this offseason of all the missed tackles and use the Benny Hill theme, please? I'll try, yeah, if uh, YouTube doesn't copyright me on it. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to put something together like that. I've got a good lot of content to go through, I'll tell you that. Roberts is every year, it probably isn't optimal to take a quarterback. They need to wait until Pete retires, in my opinion. Yeah. The old Packer model, they used to do it, and they used to have a great little business model there with Green Bay in the, the 90s and early 2000s where they would draft them every year, and then they'd build them up, make them better, and then trade them for some assets. And, and then, you know, kind of it's like an investment a bit, more than it is you're getting your QB of the future. And you're also ensuring that you're getting the best play at the quarterback position at that point. Lazy Beach Bomb, how are we going to stop Puka, Nuka, and Cooper Cup? I'd say make the Rams beat you on the outside, outside the hash marks. Defensively setting up your coverages, that would be at the forefront of what I would try to do. Mixing in more of the blitz game. Um, but make the outside receivers beat you. Don't let them just eat you up underneath like you did in that first matchup. That'd be the main thing at the forefront. Space says, hey, Brandon, great stream. Do you know who's in first place on the Hawks Nest Fantasy League? Uh, let me take a look. I can tell you. It's like I'm getting my I'm I'm getting back to 500. Our commissioner showed mercy on me. He gave me a mercy trade of Kyler Murray. It was my my uh quarterback was position was in such a disarray. Oh yeah, I'm hammering it this week. Let's go. So uh I'm gonna go to five and five this week, but right now we got space. Looks like you're in first place. Are you? No, that's right. Yeah, space seven and two. Look at the big seven and two on space. Little crowing. I can't blame you for that. I'm coming though, man. Five and five. I'm only a couple games out of first here. Now that I got my quarterback situation figured out, it's on like Donkey Kong. Thank you, though, space. Uh, Chris Cam, I now understand your method. I can just daydream and zone out, laughing out loud. I didn't miss it. I see you try to get to everyone, which is cool. Yeah, it's probably something I'm not going to be able to do forever, Chris. You know, the days will wind down on this into the future. Where we'll just get too big, you know, to where I can pull it off. Uh, but I always say that and then I always just end up doing it. And it's always been kind of my style with it where I just kind of go through the chat. Just like to usually just top it up to the, the comments I can see. And I still skip some through where you guys are having internal talks and stuff. But it's just kind of my way, you know, with it. But uh, thank you for being patient with me on that. I'm, I'm sometimes a little bit behind, but I always get to it. I always get to it. I don't miss any. Not usually. Uh, Jeffrey Thistle, thank you for the $5 donation. It says, looking forward to next week's protocol exam, tooth extraction, 
more than watching Aaron Donald give Gino more PTSD. Hashtag never easy. Yeah, we got to uh, we got to not have any moments this next week in uh, with Rams of Gino going, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> that horrible moment where the the uh, my, hot mic on the field caught. They're running a, a stunt with Aaron Donald that he came free right up the middle, and Gino, oh my god. <laughs> Don't do that again, Gino, this week. Just bite down on your lip or something if you see Aaron Donald running. I get you. We'd all be that scared too, okay? You're just saying out loud what we'd all be thinking in that moment, but. Ixnay on the Ogade. <laughs> he just says, I honestly thought Sharp was going to get his tutty today. He was, he was looking hungry for it. He was looking hungry for it. Robert says, I forgot Locke was probably gone after this year, so I take it back. This may be the year to take a sneaky shot at a quarterback then. I agree, Robert. I think the stage is set. And, uh, you know, you could bring back Drew Locke this year on the deal you did. Five, one, one year, $4 million, $5 million contract with incentives up to like seven or eight, I believe. I don't think you're going to be able to afford that contract next year once Geno's numbers start to go up a little bit. And Power Code says, the Peters foresight rotation needs to end. <laughs> It sounds like a, uh, uh, it sounds like two dictators that have come together. The, the Peters dictatorship and the Forsyth dictatorship have come together in this unholy matrimony of evil. Uh, I'm sorry. It's like musical chairs at the right tackle. Forsyth isn't even in position, and somehow he looks better than Peters. Abe, come back, please. Baby, come back. Do, do, do. You can blame it all on me. I can't see. Your knee is much better. Lucas, come back. Our offense says line is in need. <laughs> oh, Brian. Uh, do, 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 do. Robert says, I think Bo Nix makes a lot of sense to the Seahawks personally, but I doubt we can get him. Ah, it's possible you can get him, Robert. I think that, uh, I don't know if I can quite see Bo going into the first round. He may get enough of that hype to get in that spot, but I do think he's probably a lot similar to where we saw Levis go top of the second round last year. Uh, if they want to package their picks and jump up and go get him, they can get him. If they want to just make the pick in the first round of him at that point, because they do value him. If you look at Bo and you say, Bo's a guy we take in the top 10 picks in the second round and you're sitting at 25, 26 in the first, why not just take him at that point if you love him that much? And uh, he's an he's an interesting prospect. I think if we were to really... Somebody asked me about this earlier on the stream. If we distilled it down to the three quarterbacks that are Russell Wilson-like and getting a guy similar to that kind of guy you got at that time who had played all those snaps, who had come off a really good year, who had top-level production, who had a, a pretty full skill set they were bringing to bear on the field. Knicks, Jaden Daniels, uh, Riley Leonard, if he does come out, would be three guys that would be very interesting in that mold that would be right in our range to be able to pick them as well. Alexander says it might be wrong, but it seems like Jamal has lost a step or two. I'm wondering that myself too, Alexander, if he's quite quite the same kind of acceleration. There was one throw on a out route to the running back where he's just got to get downhill on the running back and cut him off before he can make the play. And he's not able to cut him off to even make a play on the ball. And then he has a real meager tackling attempt at that point. It, it could be, and the team's going to have a decision to make with Jamal at the end of this year. 
And, you know, the flat bottom line on this is Jamal's given you some times and some plays at times this year. It's not that he's been just a waste of space or hasn't had some factor out there, but team's got to make a decision on this guy. You're paying 18 million a year for, if you're getting the real returns on it. Um, as we get into this off season, because that is a place that you can potentially save a lot of money and move in a different direction and try to put those assets in other places. No, I, I kind of see the same thing a little bit. He still is rounding into shape. He is still coming off that major injury, but doesn't mean you're wrong. Carl B says Gino ran for a first down that helped a lot as he's been avoiding running this year. It did. I'd love to see him do more of it, Carl. I think there's some opportunities three, four times a game there. They're right there in front of him to take advantage. Mark, thank you for reminding me of that. Please do, folks, hit that like button and sub on up if you're not already. I would really appreciate it. And Jeffrey, thank you for that uh, $5 donation. Hopefully your uh, proctal exam and tooth extraction aren't too horrible. If those are really going down this week. Uh, Robert, I'm going to be kind of annoyed if they don't re-sign Leonard Williams, not going to lie. I think he's the high prior for, for agent for the Hawks coming into this offseason. He's the guy that you sit there and go, we got to bring him back. I think they're going to try to get, make a hard run at Bobby too, but those are your one, two, um, beyond even Brooks. And I think they'll find a way. Wolverine says, well, Malfay's using his hands better and he's playing lights out. He has great active hands, um, use of leverage, not just the swipe move. He's got a, a little rip move he can go to now, swim move to the inside. Uh, he showed some great technique off on the stunt in this game. He's really expanded himself and uh, he seems to be kind of the poster child for BT Jordan's um, benefit here to the team as a, as a pass rushing coach extraordinaire because he's taken Malfay so much further from where he was last year, seemingly. He just is not going to lie. It was kind of cool seeing Eskridge hyping up the crowd at the game today. It is cool. Sucks that he's out with another, I guess, I don't know if it's an injury or they're just, just wanted to keep him inactive so they keep another position active, I guess. Tyler Jackson says, what grade would you go, Bowen Penix? I believe that Michael Penix is a top 20 first round grade for me. Uh, Bo is a, uh, uh, I think, top of the second round grade for me. So top 20 versus... Top. Call it like a top 45 player in in Knicks and Penix being a top 20 player. But I would also have them on my board where Knicks would be the next guy behind Penix for me on my draft board as it is. He'd be my number four guy. But I can't see... It, there's some question marks with Knicks. You know, there, there's a little bit of that like Levis-like projection you have to do with him. Not in that he had a bad line to work with, but that just going through progression, reading, playing off script, decision-making when it's not easy. These are the things you worry about there with, uh, with, with, with um, Bo Nix. But, and Penix's arm talent's just too good not to get him up in the first round. Nails his three penalties in the final drive. Gotta take them where you can get them, man. We've not been on the good side of the penalties this year so far over the course of the season. So, I mean, and even in this game with those you know, three penalties at the end of the game, 
you still end up with eight for 50 and they are at six for 50, 39. So you still got bid much harder as we have in pretty much every game this year in the penalty side of things. Maybe it's well-earned, but. Lazy Beach Bomb, I hope the Ma I hope Mafia breaks the Seahawks consecutive sacks record. Me too. He's got to be starting to approach it. Tyler says, I got a second round grade on Penix. He'd been rather inconsistent from what I saw from the few games I've watched. Bo, a later first round. Some are going to have it that way for sure. For sure. I like them both. I got that flipped a little bit myself. Andrew says, love you, B. Thanks for the combo after every game for us. Diehard fans. Hey, my pleasure. And thank you for the donation as well, Andrew. I love doing what I do, man. So appreciate you checking it out and uh, hopping on in here with us. Runs says, Washington was no walk in the park. It was a good win today. Washington brought a great effort today. They were coming out here giving you a, a solid fight. They didn't just like lay down and roll over and give you the easy win here. They they were going to try to make a, make a go of it. And uh, Howell's a, a gutsy quarterback back there. You know, he's going to hang tough, and he made some great decisions, and they made it tough. Snap out of it, says Bucky over so little. I call him little Gary Coleman. <laughs> I'm going to steal that one, snap out of it. Uh, what's up, Herbicide? How you do, man? What to do, what to do, man? What to do, what to do? Nicholas says, I really don't understand why Gino was struggling this year, and I've been very loud and proud supporting Gino. That being said, he needs to get his head out of his ass, but I will absolutely not advocate for Locke over Gino. That's ridiculous. Uh, well said. Amen, Nicholas. Uh, I don't have a lot of explanation for it either now when things start to be put together that are in good position to allow him to succeed. And that was the whole point about Gino and having success this year was not that Gino had the cape flapping in the wind. It was that you were going to put the points up in front of him to be successful. The line was going to block well. You were going to run the ball well. You had dynamic backs, dynamic playmakers, and you had an offensive coordinator that could allow him to ascend and take flight. Not all of those have been parameters that have been at play throughout the course of the season. They are starting to come into play now. And as they come into play, he needs to come and play better with those. And that's the part that we'll, uh, we'll see as we go forward, Nicholas. That's the question that's going to need to be answered. Rondaz Witherspoon was awesome today. Emerald Hayes, practice tackling. I agree, Emerald Hayes, tackling sucked. It's hard to practice that tackling because you can't pad up at practice and you can't run live tackling drills. The, the NFL Player Association will be all over your butt if you do. How do you, how do you, you know? I don't know. How do you address it? How do you fix it? How do you get it right? Dak Smith says, how do you feel about the signing of Brett Rippon to be the practice squad? I mean, he's okay. He's, he's an improvement over a Holton Allers. You know, he's got more throwing ability than a guy like Allers, but he's not the answer at the position in the long term or anything. Ever says, I don't even know if Jamal is able to wrap up anymore with his shoulder. It might. It might be him being like, look, I don't have anything cartilage left in there. They've had to saw out some of my bone. I got scar tissue in there. It's just horrific, man. All I can do is this. This is how I tackle now. Okay. I can still move all right, but this is it. All right. I can't extend my arm anymore. Go 
goes like this. That's it. That's all I got. I got you. I got you. <laughs> That's actually more of an attempt than he actually makes. It's more like, you know. That's kind of the technique. Uh, Rundaz, did you see Earl Saxon's new boyfriend ripped him off for 1.8 million? Yeah, I did. I feel bad for my guy on that one. That's brutal. Brutal. Dig Docs, has uh, B-Wax been practicing playing injured this past week? Seemed like he struggled in the coverage and pursued a little bit. I don't know. He was uh, okay to my mind. I thought he I thought he played a good game to me. He had one completion he gave up against Antonio Gibson and another one maybe a little bit earlier in the game. But he also had a couple of pass breakups. I thought he was pretty good overall to me. I think he has had uh, something he's dealing with as far as a little bit of an injury goes though too. Can't say for sure on that. Herside says Jamal was in on almost every play. If he could tackle her or, or, or not was another issue. <laughs> Sajin says Jamal's knee is acting up. He stated that in the post-conference. Okay, so maybe playing through a little bit of injury. Lazy Beach Bomb, Adams gets there so fast he can't put the brakes on. He needs to learn to angle it better. Time it up. Yes, sir. Emerald Hayes, is Jamal Adams the weak link in the defense? Mm, no. No. I think the weak link in the defense has been the soft zone coverages and the lack of aggression. When the team defensively slips into the lack of aggression phase of things and isn't taking it to an offense, and they're just going to run their front four looks, and they're dropping their guys into, into depth, that's where they start to get cut apart. And when they're willing to risk a little bit, no risk it, no biscuit, you know, that whole thing, then they're able to find some sustained success defensively. But I don't think that there's any individual one player defensively that's holding the, the crew back at this point. It's more just that. That, that draw to simplicity... That draw to simplicity. And, and let me back this up by what I say. Because there's things I say and I often go, okay, I'm saying this and it's my opinion for you guys. And it's one thing is I'm a layman and a, you know, I'm a talking head on YouTube here, right? Content creator, all that stuff. So you know, what is it that is in my opinion that should carry more sway than any other guy's opinion? You know, what, do I, what is it that I'm going to bring to bear? So this is where I get a quote like I got at the start of this game that again confirms things I'm seeing on tape and then for anybody out there who would take the stance to say, and you know what, let me, let me email it to myself here so you guys can see this, the message. Who will say that what I'm saying on this is not the case. This is, a, this is coming from an actual opponent. You know, this is coming straight from the heart, straight from the, straight from the, um, straight from the guy's mouth. I can say it right. Later. Let me get this up. I want to show you guys this. Because this is what speaks to when we go issues and not issues or where the problem area is. It, it comes down to simplicity and a willingness to be complicated. A willingness not always to look for the simple. Not always to make it just easy on your guys in order so they can read it so simply. And sometimes there's a need to draw a little bit more complication to your approach. And I can't seem to find this stinking thing now. I always hate when I just try to do this live because it never works. Here. 
There we go. Copy, good. We have changed that. Okay, there we go. Do, 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 do. Here we go. All right. So this is going to be a quote from Eric Bieniemy. This is the offensive coordinator that we faced in this game. And he had some thoughts on the Seahawks defense coming up. So here we have not a quote from a coordinator talking about the Hawks defense of the LOB years. Not a one from four years ago, but from an, a, a coach coming up this up, upcoming week playing us and what he's telling the media about what he's seeing. We got to go out and execute our offense better than they execute their defense, Bienemy said. Not giving you a lot there, right? That's just coach talk. But then he says, they're not a defense that's going to cause any confusion because they're going to play straight up and try and beat you with their best. Our job is to make sure that we can go out and do what we do best. So the key part on that is that I want to lock in is that second sentence. They're not a defense that's going to go to cause any confusion. Is this not what I've been saying for weeks about this defense and the problems and playing this defense and the big issue at the forefront of it is that the simplistic nature of it makes it easier to prepare for. Makes it easier to find easy completions within it. And that these coaches are aware of its predictable nature and in their awareness, they're able to attack its susceptibilities that much more fervently. And if we're looking for a fix here, I'm not a smart man, but I would just say if somebody's telling me you're being simple and we're baiting you from it, I might want to go try to be a little more complicated. That's just me from, from a theological standpoint. And that's what he was telling you coming into this game. It was the enemy. And I think a lot of opponents would tell that about you. So we've gone and we made this transition supposedly to this new defense the past couple of years. Yet those old words doesn't cause a lot of confusion. Simplicity. All comes back into stage like the defenses were from 10 years ago. I've said the key here on this team, the key on Coach Carroll in finding success with this rebuild, especially defensively and finding his new footing defensively from the old cover three scheme, is the willing to adapt and to change. To go from a place where you once were simplistic and so very easy to understand and read what you were doing pre-snap to finding a way to derive to a condition and state where now you can find some complication, where you can get a quarterback thinking what is it that I've said is a big problem with, with Geno Smith on the other side of the ball, with what defenses have done? Stacked fronts. Stacked fronts that are sometimes blitzes. Sometimes you're dropping everybody out and it's just a front four look that you're dealing with. Sometimes it's different guys dropping out. Sometimes it's the defensive end dropping out and the linebacker coming as the defensive end. They make it unpredictable. That's what you don't have in our scheme. And that's, it is still, it still remains the thing that's holding it back. You've dialed up the blitzes a little bit more this year, but then it's just five-man blitzes. You're still 32nd in the league of running anything more than six, five men and more blitzes. 32nd in the league. You're still not blitzing. You're still trying to go to safety zone. Protect against the big play. Protect against the big play. Don't give up the big play. That's what it's all about. And uh, I can. Uh, they didn't give up the big play today. But you still gave up a good amount of points. And it didn't allow you to stifle the opposition's offense either. Kasra. Solari, thank you for the $2 donation. Says Jason Myers and Gino earned those contracts today. FS. Yeah, both of them play good, good overall ball. 
you know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm fighting battles still in the chat here, Cosworth, folks on the, on the anti-Geno train. So there's still not people, you know, sold on that. I think he did play a good game and he got you that fourth quarter comeback. And I tell you, if you find yourself a hater on Geno, one thing that's been a part of the haters on the Geno side of this has been the folks who said he can't bring you back. That when it comes down to the fourth quarter and a final drive, I was being told about this for the last year and a half, going back to last offseason when I was having his back saying, hey, this guy might be able to give you more than you think he's going to be able to give you. You all are going, he is what he is, he is what he is, he is what he is. And in that sentiment was, he is what he is and that he can't bring you from behind. And now you have three times this year alone, three of your six wins this year alone, he's brought you back from behind. And two of those wins were touchdown drives, not just field goal like it was today. Um, he has brought in that part. So no matter whether there is still some valid criticism to be applied on Gino through the consistency of his four quarters of play, the criticism of you can't rely upon him and when you need a drive to make the big time throws, to make the right decisions when the chips are down, I think that that's got to be thrown a little bit more out the window now. At least there's one thing that's that's cleared up. And Jason Myers, five field goals made today, Kostra, seven kicks made in total, seven of seven on his kicks today when you include the extra points. Uh, and he is absolutely earning that $5 million a year payday that we gave him. Money, money, well spent, Kazra. Thank you for that $2 donation. Nicholas Newton, thank you for the $2 donation. Will Hall be the next Mafe? He very well may. Um, I, I think Mafe last year didn't show you a lot as a pass rusher. He was really good as a run defender. I don't know even if um, Hall's got the ability to be quite the run defender that Mafe is. But can he be the pass rusher that Mafe is? Yeah, I think he's got the potential of getting there. It's hard for those rookie edge rushers to find their way in their first season. They kind of need that first year to get under their belt, get a year in the weight room and the weight program, get you know used to everything and acclimated. But uh, he's got the potential to take that same next huge, long, big leap that Mafe's taken this offseason. I don't know if it's going to come or not. It's hard to predict. You know, Mafe last year had like two sacks, didn't show you much, two or three sacks. He didn't have a lot to go off of. Uh, from the pass rush side, as good as he was a run defender. You didn't know this year was coming on deck, Nicholas, you know? So it's hard on that to predict that that leap forward. But he should be a good player in the future. I've seen enough from Hall, as I did on my video with him as a breakdown with the comp to Terrell Suggs. Not thinking he was going to get to Terrell Suggs' status, but that he could be a similar kind of player in this league. And I, I do still maintain that I believe he can be. I do. Thank you, though, Nicholas. Appreciate that donation. Lazy Beach Bum, Spoon's name was called on every, almost every play. He's all over the place. Respect. Witherspoon's been a baller. Absolute baller. And yeah, he was all over the field jumping routes, almost getting picks, pulling out fumbles. That was awesome. Robert says, if Caleb Williams ends up on the Bears, I'm going to laugh. It's looking very possible at this point. Wolverines, I see, I see everyone liking Caleb, but every time I watch him, he doesn't look the best out there. It's just, is it just me? Well, I, I think for me, it's, and you know, I'm consistent with this. We talk about this a lot with Gino this year and some of his struggles and why they've been there so readily at times. And uh, I think that this is a very much the same thing you can apply to Caleb. You have, a, a, he's lost a couple of uh, players to the pros, Jordan Addison, right? Lost a guard, I think, to the, to the draft. Um, he doesn't quite have the same playmakers. Like I think his best player is a freshman uh, as, a, as a skill position player. He's got no pass protection on that offensive line that's anywhere near or approaching consistent. And then you have a defense that's giving up a score every time they're on their side of the ball. So that puts him in a position of feeling like he's got to go be Superman and score every play rather than operating within the confines of an offense. 
I do believe that some of this is also the latent effect of it having now for a year and a half, Caleb operating within this structure. So it's caused maybe some of the worst, um, not traits, but you know, way he started to lean to try to offset this and made him look worse than I think he really is, I guess is my bottom line point. I still think he's a top-notch quarterback talent out there. Um, and some of it is in how you play. You know, it's based upon your supporting cast. And the supporting cast there at USC has just not been particularly very good, in my opinion. He's doing too much, but it's just that accumulated effect of being asked to have to do too much for a year and a half. And he just, it looks at its worst because you just feel like you got to carry the mountain and the stars and the moon all on your back. Every side says, Spoon's a beast. Mafe's a beast. The future looks bright. Sir. Joshua says, Sharpen is a tank. I would not want to try and tackle that beast. I wish we would run the ball more. K9 is a badass too. Yeah, I love them both. And Charbonnet, boy, can he finish a run or what? When he puts his head down and does the hit stick on the run, but boof. It's like he gets an extra 30 pounds in the upper part of his jersey. He hit that at the end. He hit that one guy and put him on his back. It was a dumb decision. You're like, get out of bounds. But you also were kind of like, yeah, that's, that's kind of a nice hit though on that run. It's kind of a nice way to finish the run too though. Emerald Hayes says, which is a better third round pick, Russell Wilson or Tyler Lockett? Russell Wilson. You get a starting quarterback in the third round that plays in your sport 10 years, multiple Pro Bowls over. That's better. Vivian Hawks asked, fun fact, we were six and three last year. We then went on to lose five of the next six games. We got back in a groove with a two game winning streak at week 17. Hopefully it doesn't happen again this year like that, Vivian. <laughs> good, good stuff though. Hopefully they can hold it together a little bit stronger, this one. And yeah, Sajin Charbonnet should be used in the red zone more. David Adams, Hawks defense should just hit the weights this week instead of practicing just to be able to tackle 75% of the time. Nah, that might help, David. I'll tell you what, they got to wrap up at times too better though. That, that old shoulder tackle stuff. DZilla Hawk in the house. What's up, DZilla? And uh, thank you, man. I haven't had a chance to thank you personally. I know you can't see it. Well, I got to move my mic or get my mic set up right. But uh, thank you for that metal piece up behind me on the uh on the hawk there we go there you kind of see it when i do it like that <laughs> thank you for that piece as you uh set up for me man appreciate you says do you think it's possible that we have some sort of tell that is allowing opposing defenses to know the play we're running it's not out of the scope and range of uh possibility because there are a lot of these defenses that seem to be on some of these plays in a way that would make you think that that's the case i don't have anything to back that up though as far as to illustrate that that is what is going on. So I have no proof of it happening, but it could be happening. Uh, the Ravens last week in particular were on everything. Like there was no plays catching them off guard or surprising them. There were some plays in this game where you, you would think you would catch the defense off, off guard with a redirect or, you know, going this way to come back that way. And instead they seem to be on the bit of the details with it. So there, there's a possibility here and I'll try to see if there's something I'm seeing on the on the tape Dzilla from the 22 that stands out when I review the tape this week and with kind of a thought process of looking for that. But there's nothing that stood out so far to me. A lot of times it can be an offensive lineman's alignment. He'll change his stance based on whether it's a run block or a pass block. But I've not seen anything yet that um, indicates that we're giving up that kind of tell.
Nicholas Newton says, I'm choking on the, I'm choking crow on the Stroud thing. That being said, I was about, I was right about Bryce Young. Definitely, uh, definitely not with Bryce Young. I was definitely, I'm feeling good about my assessment of him too. And yeah, my Stroud, my Stroud outlook's looking well too. People were laughing at me when I made the Joe Montana comparisons. You laughing now? <laughs> Sensitive, if Gino manages to beat some of the top teams, what does that say about Gino as a quarterback? Uh, it manages to be some of the teams. Does it say about Gino as a quarterback? Kind of depends on how he plays within the game sensitive. I mean, how, how he's rolling along. I, I, I think that's a big question mark about not just Gino, but the team in general. Is the past couple of years, where are the really true quality wins? Where are the wins against really quality opponents? You've beaten the Lions twice. And the Browns this year? B.J. Walker at quarterback, right? Um, so... You know, there is a bit of a question of, I think more than just Gino, the team as a whole, when, you know, when you're going to beat a quality team to kind of show you are there. It's not just you beating on the worst of the worst, that you're not just a good team, that you can be a great team. And that's the next thing that's going to have to occur for us to get them to a place of thinking they can be a great team. You got to start beating actual um, upper level teams out there from for occasionally. Not all the time, but put a couple on the board, right? Stack a few of those up. So we'll have to see with that. I don't have a good answer for you on that. It's Gino playing well and just continuing to put up consistent performances more than anything else. If he does that, then he legitimizes himself as the quarterback here. But when there is inconsistency and he's fluctuating and fluctuating when there's things working in his favor that shouldn't have that fluctuation, then there's going to be more of a call than being uncertain on him. He just says, anyone see that failed wildcat play to Walker in the red zone? I kind of missed that when I was caught up in the Something was going on in the chat at that moment. Jacob, I love the suspense of this game. But on the other hand, if we're struggling to beat the fully rebuilding commanders, how are we supposed to keep up with the Eagles and Niners? That, Jacob, is the million-dollar question to which I only can give you a five-cent answer. I don't know. Uh, if we are going to play like this against an Eagles and a Niners team, they're going to beat you. If you're going to play like this against a Cowboys team, they're going to beat you. You, you can get away with this against this kind of opponent. You're not going to be able to get away with it against those opponents that are the best, the best of the best. And um, how we play them is going to determine where we're going to land this season and who we are. And we'll know soundly after that, you know. You can't beat those teams. You go through that four-game run, you'll know pretty succinctly at that point who we are and what we are. But we are going to learn the tale. This is not going to be a question mark thing, Jacob, where we get through the end of the year going, yeah, we just never had to play anybody and okay, we got to 11 or 12 wins, but then we got through one game in the playoffs, then we're out. What did we really learn about that team? You're going to get to learn in those four games of what your team is. You're going to come into those games absent having an epidemic of injuries this upcoming week, pretty healthy, pretty much as close to full strength as you could hope to ask for. I think at that point you'll have, uh, what, Uchenna Nuosu out. And it's kind of right now, as I understand it, all that'll be set up to be anybody that's missing at that point. Rondaz, more Charbonnet, more Bobo, and where's Disley? He was there a little bit. I got him a couple catches today. Proper, no matter how our team are going, whenever we play, it's a dogfight. Looking forward to the matchup. Well, make no mistake about it, Proper. It's going to be a hell of a fight. Congrats to your team today on a big win, getting back on the right side of things. I know the fan bases were, was getting a little bit dodgy after those three losses, but 
goes to show you guys, as I say, I keep coming in my mind of the, the word juggernaut, when you've got the full um, set of your team out there and, and, and healthy and rolling, it is just about damn near impossible to deal with from a defensive standpoint. Doug not, Doug not feeling it, huh? <laughs> Zijin, uh, oh, Space, hey, Brandon, I have 25 new possible nicknames for 21 Savage. <laughs> we got to get that done at some point here. I always keep forgetting to post that up. Lord Boom, Brandon, for a rebuild in its second year, our young DBs are excellent. Mafe's becoming a true beast also. We're looking good. We're looking good, Lord Boom. It's a place I think when I mention it, not a lot of people want to hear me say it. I, you know, I think it causes some eye rolling and folks to, you know, go, oh, there's the excuses, you know, but it is your, it is, for me, perspective is so important and we all are competitive and want to see the team at its best. And I want to see the team turn to a contender status this year. I want to see them make noise right now. But I can understand why things can take a little bit of time on this too. And I was definitely on, this is not something that I've been a Johnny come lately on. I talked about this in the training camp and saying, look, I, I do foresee a team that can win 12 games. But if we find a team inconsistent that is this young, that is only in year or two of the rebuild, we can't let that just inconsistency in itself dissuade us from where they're potentially successfully going within this rebuild, because that's what you do get with young teams. It's, it's whether we're seeing at least the forward steps overall, the progression overall, that determines whether or not this team is in the right direction or moving in the right direction or the rebuild's in the right direction. Um, and I think it very much is in the case, Lord Boom. DBs are looking good. Tariq Woolen looks like he's starting to get back to maybe kind of full, full go, and Witherspoon's been a dog from day one. How about Trey Brown, too? Rundaz, how do we make Max Crosby a lock? Uh, I think it would cost too much money. I think, I think he's got, he just signed a contract extension. So I think if they made a move, he would, he would run too high a price at that point. Yeah, so he's at $24.5 million. You'd have a dead money cap next year of $34 million, $10 million to the Raiders. No, not happening. No chance. No chance. Nicholas says, I know a lot of you love K9, but he drives me bonkers like I rate. I do like him. He's, he's a dancer. It's going to drive people crazy at times. Proper says, do you trust your O-line against San Francisco's pass rush? Not even trolling, generally asking. Um, I think that there's certainly an argument to be made that your defensive line is going to give us troubles. Um, we do get Lucas back proper. So once you have Abraham Lucas back first, what we've had is a revolving door at the right tackle position. That stabilizes things. Cross being back will stabilize things. And these second-year guys, you're hoping, can be a bit better in their second year when they're on the field. So I think they'll hold up to a degree. It's one of those things proper where I think you, when it comes to Bosa or, or Young, you know, on the edges at least, you're, you're containing them. You're not stopping them. So they're, you know, they're going to provide their level of problems throughout the course of the game, and that's just going to pop up. Hardgrave remains one of the big worries for me on the inside and our ability to hold up in pass protection against him because he's a monster as a pass rusher inside. I, I do come back to, again, the, the, for me, when it comes down to getting to the Niners and getting after them and, and finding holes in that defense, the wide nine alignment does naturally allow for you to take 
advantage of certain natural openings openings and gaps in the defense. It's like I say, every defense proper makes a choice on what it wants to do. And every choice in which it makes, there's a plus and there's a minus. There's no choice a defense makes from a stylistic standpoint to where there isn't some negative then on the field that you're risking somewhere. And when you go to a wide nine, you're widening out those that defensive line. You're setting those pass rushers up to be able to operate with a lot of space on their left and right, to utilize a lot of lateral ability to get around the man in front of them. But then with that, you're opening up some natural gaps and natural rush lanes if your guys can get it blocked up up front. And more than passing the ball, it really comes down to running the ball a little bit more effectively um, in order to, I think, get after this defensive line for this Niner team. But I think that they are very good. This is an easier said than done proposition, no doubt about that. And uh, you guys are going to give us a hell of a, a hell of a tough match. It's 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 going to be a hard one this Thanksgiving. Swedish Shinobi, I feel Hawks are doing the wise thing and trying to get an O-line established before bringing in a rookie quarterback instead of going the Panthers-Bears route, destroying Justin Fields and Bryce Young. I'm a, I'm very much one that is a fundamentalist on this one, Swedish, where I will say that I, I, I don't like doing that either. I think it's a lot of teams that set their quarterbacks up for failure taking that a road and taking that approach. And I, I, I you can see it coming when teams do this, and there's not a need to do it that way. And I agree. They're starting to set the stage a little bit better for whoever they may be bringing in after this point uh, for them to find success. Nicholas says, Charbonnet should be our starting court running back. Well, he got more yards today. I don't know. I don't know, man. Mike, I gave hate to Gino in the first half. It was well-earned. In the second half, he pulled it together enough to give me hope. Good game to build upon nonetheless. I think we're torn in a similar situation on that one throughout this game. Jonas says Mafe needs his respect. He does. Wolverine says today was a good win, though, towards a wild card. We need all the cushion we can get. That's true. Proper says the Rams suck. You'll be fine. I don't know, Proper. They embarrassed the hell out of us in week one, man. Embarrassed us, I tell you. Rundon says Robert Sala looks dead inside. Jets are killing that dude. <laughs> Staking his spirit. The quarterback, nothing worse for a defensive coach whose defense, defensive head coach whose defense is balling out, who has the quarterback position holding him back, his whole team back. That'll age a defensive-minded head coach like nothing else. Luke, I will always be a Hawks fan no matter what. Just really want consistency at the quarterback position. I think it's a fair, fair request and want, Luke. And you haven't gotten that so far this year. Tyson said, I was frustrated with Gino against the Bengals game, but if he pulls out a win against the Rams, all is forgiven. <laughs> uh, Mike says, Sharp has the mentality that Rawls, Carson, and Beast mode, and he will develop. Hey, he's looking good. He made some great cuts, some great vision in this game. Proper says, Niners, Seahawks is the only good Thanksgiving matchup. Other ones are lopsided. I'm kind of glad, glad to proper they put us at the end of the day. Like we get to be the final game. Everybody in the nation will be watching us. Those early games, some people watch half the game, catch a little over here, a little there. But the final one of the game, final one of the night, everybody that's still awake, they'll be watching that game. I look forward to it.
Robert Craig says the only thing with Nick's is that he's only 23. So if you have to sit him behind Gino for two years, you're giving him the time to beef up and learn. There you go. Yeah. I also think there's a decent chance, Robert, with Nick's having 54 starts under his belt at the college level, that he's a guy with enough maturation and seasoning that he comes in there and is able to, you know, especially if Gino's not consistent at that point, to push Gino and to give a good challenge of it in training camp at that point. One-Eyed Willie says, what about J.J. McCarthy? Thoughts on him with a late first-round pick? Played in multiple set offenses. They rely on the run. Seems like a good fit. I'm not a big J.J. McCarthy guy myself. Um, you know, they can talk all day about like trying to, the plan was to keep Penn State off the field in this past game. And, um, you know, we, we're just trying to get by in this game and we're going to lean on the running attack and we're going to control the time. Like, that's all well and good, but... The man had like seven attempts for the whole game. That's that's an offense at that point that's trying to reduce the amount of throws the quarterback has to make. And I I I'm hearing first round talk for JJ McCarthy. I I don't get it myself. If somebody wants to go draft him in the first round, they can. If we take JJ McCarthy in the first round or the second round or even the third round, I'll be disappointed. And I I don't believe that he's a guy that's going to be a quarterback at the next level and and excel. That's my outlook on it. I, I got a lot more tape to still look at with McCarthy. I got to do my full-on deep dive at the end of the year. But on the tape I've watched so far, I, I haven't been particularly impressed with what I've seen from him. Riverside, how many quarterbacks go in the first round? I think three. Now, I'll, I'll say four because somebody's going to take like a Bo Nix or a Rattler type who fall in love with one of these quarterbacks and they'll want the fifth-year club control option on him. Robert says, feels like there's not even bad blood anymore in our rivalry. The Sherman Crabtree era was goaded. No, it's, I mean, it's, I do think it's kind of a, a rivalry as, as hot as you're going to find in the NFL currently right now proper. I'll say that. Um, but it, I think there's a mutual respect as much as there could be like a, you know, quasi typical kind of hatred you'd get between, you know, organizations that are this tightly going to fight it out and have for 10 years. Um, but there's also, I think, a mutual respect, if I was to say. It's the general feeling I get from Niner fans like yourself who come in the chat, and I, I would hope ours do the same when they go into Niners chats, is that, you know, two organizations that overall make smarter decisions than they make stupid decisions, and uh, they have a smart approach, uh, and they've got an identity and a way they go about their business. And um, we've had some hell of, hell, of a, hell of a great fights the last 10 years. Um, going back to those Harbaugh teams all the way up, you know, into the last couple of years. And uh, it remains, I think, a real, real vibe and rivalry. It just adds to me to the spectacle of the show. It just, it, it, to me, it, it's, you want a rival, you know, proper, you know, just three guys in the division, you just play every, you're like, I don't like playing with them, but whatever. You want the ones though, they're like, man, they're, how do we take this team out? How do we overcome this? You know, and um, it makes it to me more interesting this season. That's for sure. Um. Stimpy has been a Hawks Nest member for three months. Thank you for doing that, Stimpy. I appreciate you uh, in your membership. This is not 100% sure where this team in Gino is going, but I don't see Locke doing better. Hawks win. Go Hawks. Also, I don't know why people are so surprised Stroud is so good. Yeah, the Stroud just had those people that just couldn't get quite signed up on him. I think they weren't quite buying in. The mobility would be enough to get it done at the next level. Um, but he he definitely had a share of folks that just couldn't see it. I think there was also that stimpy thing where 
Ohio State quarterbacks and the d- darkness of, of uh, the shadow that they lie under with so many have not done well. That also probably affected a little bit of the outlook on it. But his accuracy, his throwing off platform, what he did in that final game against Georgia where he was under so much so much duress over the course of that game. He lost Marvin Harrison at one point in that game for the game, and yet he still went out there and balled out of his mind. And that was the one that should have, for the people that are in the camp of going, I'm not sure about Stroud at that point, that should have converted the people over to going, oh, okay. He just answered a lot of questions I would have had about him and his ability to, to not only survive in that kind of environment under that kind of duress, but to thrive in that kind of environment under that kind of duress. But um, yeah, there's definitely a little few shock, few people shocked and surprised. He is having, I'm, he is surprising me by having this good a year out the gate. I did think he could eventually develop into it to be good, this good right from the jump has kind of caught me a little bit off guard. I'll say that. And uh, well said on the front part of this, Stimpy, I, I don't see Locke as being the better option. I don't think the coaching staff sees it as that either. And uh, like you say as well, still unsure about what exactly the team or Gino is at this point. Kind of have some ideas about what they could be, but we do find herself past the midway point of this year and still kind of going, I don't know what we are exactly yet. It's still, still a little bit of a question mark out there and a valid one. Uh, thank you though, Stimpy, for all that. Three months as a member, long live the king. Thank you for the $5 donation. People can say what they want about our Seahawks quarterback. The one thing they can't say, he ain't clutch this year. Yeah, it was a it was a thought process that was born out of this. He started the first two years of his career in New York, doesn't start ever more. Then he comes back for Seattle in that four-game stretch where I believe the first, he comes in the Rams game, Russell hurts his finger. He drives Seahawks like 99 yards for a touchdown, shows proficiency within that game, but he doesn't bring us back because at the end of the game, Lockett gets drugged down by the defender on an uncalled defensive play, defensive <clears throat> pass interference. And then they go, well, that just determined he can't ever bring you back in football games. And it, it was said throughout all of last offseason. It was said throughout all of the season last year as he didn't have a lot of comeback type wins last year, like one, I think, on the year or two on the year. But this year, three in your six wins, two of them for touchdown drives. Uh, yeah, you, you can't say he's not been clutch. And, you know, he he brought you back, got you those two, the, the, got you the two drives here at the end here, like he did. Um, great fourth quarter, capped it off right, finished his day off, turned turned his day around in a lot of respects on those final couple of drives. Whereas Coach Carroll said he played near nearly perfect football on those final two drives, but uh, he's been clutch, man. He's been absolutely clutch. And you can knock him in other ways if you want. Those are valid criticisms to make, but this is one that you can't quite stand as much on that hill and pound that table in this way for this part. Just my opinion. Kasra, thank you for the $5 donation. Going to the Rams game this week, must win game in my opinion. With the stretch that comes after and with us being tied with the Niners. Beautifully put, Kasra. Thank you for all your, I know that's a double, triple donation for you today, what you dropped down on the channel. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I would look at this, these two games, both commanders in this games as must win games. I, I think that when you come to that four game stretch to look at any of that four game stretch and to say those are must win games or games that you, you know, you feel like you should come in with the, the advantage playing the Cowboys on the road, Eagles at home, Niners twice. You're probably going to be um, by Vegas's numbers, at least you're probably not going to be the favorite in any one of those four games. So this is where you got to make your hay. And we want to push for the division title. We want to push for first-round buys. We want to push to be the best team in the NFC. If that's not possible, the next thing you want to do is get in the playoffs. 
And to get the playoffs, to your point on that, like you're saying, Kasra, get the win here this next week, right? Set yourself up into a seven and three status then. Nine wins probably gets you into the playoffs. Ten wins definitely gets you into the playoffs. And with the back end of the schedule playing the Cardinals one more time, Titans still on the books. Steelers are a tough team. They're out there, but they got to play you in your house. You would think you'd be able to get those wins at that point to get yourself into the playoffs. But yeah, that doesn't doesn't take away any less from this game coming up this week. This is the championship opportunity. This is the one where you need to take care of business. Take advantage of an opponent that's you know maybe even going to be weakened without their starting quarterback who really cut you up in the opening week. Go time is now this week, Kasra, to your point on that. So yeah, must win is I think a... Uh, a wonderful and uh, perfect way of putting it. At Armitage, Jalen Daniels or Quinn Ewers? I'd go Jalen, Dan- Jaden Daniels. That's big. I'm not a big Quinn Ewers guy. I, I'm not on, I'm, I'm off the Ewers, Ewers train. Big Docs, yeah, the Williams, uh, like Williams as a player, but if we don't sign him, I will consider the trade a failure. Losing that number two pick would be a sting for sure. I think that's fair. AI in the house, what's up, AI? Imagine when we start playing well. Imagine when we get both sides of the ball showing some kind of relative consistency. What a day that will be. DJ says Mafe must have found his favorite fish at Pike Place. It's the red snapper. Lazy Beast Bum, depending on how far we get in the playoffs, I think one of these good college quarterbacks might drop in our lap. Yeah. I think you're going to miss out on the top three guys, Lazy Beast Bum, but uh, you could have your pick of the litter of the last guys in the first round. And okay, maybe you're overdrafting on one of them at that point, but you can get your pick of the litter of the second tier guys, which would be maybe a pretty doggone good quarterback at that point. Yeah, Herbert said, I agree. Got to draft a quarterback next year. I think we're all pretty much in unison on that one. Robert says, I think we're both in the hunt for a quarterback in the draft. I think it's good news for both of us because we're both going to be able to target the right kind of quarterback we're going to look for. And not necessarily one like the last one you made with with Lance where it's a bunch of assets given up, but yet to find one that can come in there and and be a guy to you know push in there with Brock and you know be a, a, val- a valid guy that you can call upon to go to. So if you end up drafting a Jordan Travis or a uh, you know, Spencer Rattler or these kind of guys, you, you feel good about that pick, especially you get them in like the third round proper, which is where these guys are going to be. It's a really nice draft, second to the fourth round range. There's about 12 guys in there and they're, they're all pretty legitimate. They all have some interesting traits, traits that you can work with. But I think we'll both be looking, man. That's right. Rondaz is cool to see Antonio Pierce win two weeks in a row with the Raiders. F Josh McDaniels. Yeah, F Josh McDaniels, man. How about Antonio Pierce? Let's go. Let's go, Antonio. Randall McDaniel in the house. Randall going to the game today with his son. Rite of passage game, Randall. Taking your son to the first game, you know? It's like it's like taking a young man on his first hunt, on his first boar hunt, you know? You might die today, son. That's how real this is, okay? Your life is in your hands today when you walk in the stadium. <laughs> What, Dad? Uh, thank you for the $20 don't know, though, Randall. And uh, I hope it was a great game. That was a hell of a first game for your kid to go and see uh, in person. Says, just got home. Hell of a first game for Randy Jr. Although Gino frustrated me at times. He moved the ball pretty much all game. The delay of game on the fourth down early and right before half really stands out. Six to three. Dude wins games. Dude wins games, man. 
He's been a winner for the Hawks team since he's come out there and asked to play these past couple of years. He's maybe not won a lot more games than he's lost, but he has won more games than he's lost. And um, he frustrates you. And he frustrates you not because he's a bad player. He frustrates you because you can see the consistency there. You can see the potential there to find that consistency. As he shows it to you in stretches. And you know it's there, just lying, just just beneath the, the tip of the surface there, Randall. Um, but it did the same thing for us here in the chat, you know, where you're looking at the first couple couple quarters of the game going, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. But uh, the important part is you got to round it out at the right time when you need it most. And when you need to drive, you could call upon him and he answered the bell, which there are a lot of quarterbacks that aren't, you know, people used to say this about Geno, we can't bring him back in the fourth quarter. Well, he will wilt in the fourth quarter when you need to drive. There are a lot of quarterbacks you can say that about. There are a lot of QBs that that is, the, that is very much the case with. And uh, he's not showing himself to be that at all. Six and three is six and three, Randall. And it feels good to be at that record. Everything is in front of us this year, man. All the potential in the world. Everything within our reach. Yeah, we haven't shown ourselves to be a contender. Yet. Yet. That's the key. And these years are long marathon years. You start out hot, you go down, you go up, go up. You want to be hot at the end. You want to be playing your best ball at the end. Get yourself into as healthy a state as you can get the team to get into. And let the cards fall where they may, Randall. But uh, props on you for uh, getting your son out there for a game. You got the right, about the right time for that first game for him. I hope he had a hell of a time. I hope his voice was all blown out at the end of the game where he's not like this, Dad. It was a great game. I had a great time. That was awesome. It was, son. It was awesome. Did you have fun? I had fun. It was really good. Me too. <laughs> appreciate you for that though randall thank you for the 20 dollar donation man uh randall also coming in with a five dollar donation a little bit of a double dip there from randall mcdaniel it says had russ played that exact game that gino just played same fans knocking gino would be saying russell wilson was clutch not sure who they want gino to be wow i i hadn't thought of it that way randall up until this point but i think you do bring it up in a really a really interesting way because there are a lot of people that have come into my chat over the past few weeks when, let's say it's the Bengals game and you're needing Gino to, to have a drive, go down the field and get the win. And they go, okay, well, Russ might not have played well for you those quarters, but at least he would have given you the fourth quarter touchdown drive. You know, and like you say, that there was a lot of fans that I think were willing to let Russ off the hook for his early game struggles, for his lack of consistency in the early part of the game, as long as he could take you over the top in the fourth quarter. And that that sort of all washed and wiped it away. And, you know, what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. If you're going to do that for Russ, why wouldn't it be applied to Gino? And I think what you're intimating here about, and what I do fully agree with Randall, and what I've, one of the reasons that I've been such a strong proponent for Gino Smith, is I don't think that he gets as much a fair shake here from some of the Seahawks faithful at times. I think that there's always been, from some of the contingent, a want to get him off the field as quick as humanly possible. And anything that he does that builds into that bias, they will jump on to clutch onto and say, see, see what this is. And then when he shows you something on the other side of it, that just gets completely ignored and blinders get put up. And it, it just seems like there's, there is that contingent out there that, you know, he's not going to win over, save taking this team to a Super Bowl. Even if he got him to a conference championship, they'd be like, well, he didn't get you a Super Bowl. And it was really the rest of the team that got you there. He just sort of like, you know, he was riding behind the guy that was on the horse and he was riding, you know, in the back of the, he was riding, riding bitch on the horse, basically. 
And that's what they maybe would say with that. And um, it's been the part, one of the reasons I push so hard and argue so stridently for Geno Smith and who he is as a quarterback and what he can do as a player is because I, I know his potential and what he can bring to the play here. But um, and it's not to say the consistency isn't valid. The part that's not valid to me is the want to bail off of him within the, the, the criticism is, I don't like this, get him out. I don't like that, get him out. The I don't like parts, I'm with him on. I, I don't like that either. I don't like the inconsistency. I don't like the decision-making. I don't like the, the spazzing out modes that he has at times on the field, but that doesn't tell the whole tale of Geno Smith. And those bad moments do not maketh the whole day. The whole day is made off of the totality of the whole day. All of the throws, all of the game, all of what you did, it all comes into play. But uh, that's kind of just my outlook on it, Randall, too. I, I, I think that it's, it is what it is going to be on this. This kind of game isn't going to push either of the two camps that find themselves uh, in opposition on this one um, into any course of a directional point that's going to find a compromise or common ground, I would say. Outside of maybe we can only say that he's a little bit clutch now, maybe a little bit at least from the anti-Geno folks that he's got like maybe a little bit, he's got like, he's got like a little 20% at least of clutch gene in him. You know, something like that, Randall. Thank you though, man, for the uh, double donations. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, I hope you guys are riding high on a cloud today during the week. What a game for your first kid to go out there and see. I mean, what, what a great, great game. Looked like the weather was kind of dodgy a little bit, but hey, it's a win. Feels like sunshine after, after a, a win like that, doesn't it? Feels like nothing but 75 degree days. Appreciate you, Randall. And I hope you're having a great night, man. Tell your boy I said, what's up? Uh, Megla Lucario with a $2 donation. Says Cardinals went from the number one pick to the number four pick. I like it. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mega. Yes, 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 sir. Thank goodness for that. That is for sure. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, don't they as well, I believe, have the Texans first round pick. So, you know, with the Texans winning and doing a little bit better, that pick doesn't look as bad. And uh, maybe they're not going to be in line to go get their quarterback of the future, which is kind of a low key and interesting part of tracking this with Caleb Williams kind of out there on deck right now. It looks like the, the Bears with the Panthers pick, maybe the team right now, with some of these other teams getting a couple of extra wins, they may be the team right now in alignment to go get Caleb Williams at this point. And the Bears could be a monster really fast because they may end up just landing Caleb and Marvin. Maserati Marv. And I am going to call him that the next level. It's good name. But good note there, Mega. Interesting little drop there from the Cardinals, one to four like that. It's tough. Kasra, thank you for the $2 donation. Uh, says, are you planning on going to any games this year? Kasra, uh, unfortunately not this year. Um, this was going to be a year for me that I really wanted to hammer up on, um, on doing the, uh, on doing the streams. And when it comes to doing game day right now, like the channel's growth and the maximization of growth for the channel, Sundays are it. I, I get, uh, we're, we're doing right now, basically, uh, two live streams here on the channel. I've got the post game video I do. That's all a worth to me about a hundred subscribers of new, new subscribers to the channel that I got to get, I got to give kind of that up to go in the stadium and, and do a game in the stadium. Um, I'm also doing this Bleacher Report thing for Bleacher Report. And that's, I don't know if that'll go on throughout the whole year, but it's going to go on through pretty much all of the rest of November. And so that's another thing where it's kind of another thing of a big, big bonus to being able to run on Sundays to do that in addition. So it's just too much 
there's too much upside on game days for me here to be able to kind of cut all that away to go in the stadium and watch the game in stadium. You know, I'm not going to say I wouldn't at some point in the future, but this year was especially a year where I wanted to accomplish what we've accomplished here, which is, you know, take this channel from 10 and, and really bang it forward in a way where we're going to end up at like 16,000 subscribers from 10,000 subscribers from the year induction date, which means we're getting to like a third of our channel growth in a year, which if I can do that on an every year basis, then you guys can kind of run the mouth on that about what that, what that extrapolates out to in the future. But to do that, I got to hit these days, Cosra, that are hot like this, you know, when it's strike while the iron's hot. And it's just, with football, it's hot at just a certain time of year. And it's really just really exp exponentially hot at a uh, you know, certain time of the week. So you just got to be on top of that and jump. But I will probably next year. I'll try to maybe line something the year after that. And we'll, uh, we'll maybe look at something for next season if I can kind of make it work. Thank you, though, the donation. I'd love to be able to do both. If they'd let me set up a stream set up in the stadium, that's the, that's the end game, Kasra. Is, you know, just find me a little corner. Let me set up in there. I'll get the camera all going. And then we can do both, you know. You guys could hear a little bit of the murmur of the crowd behind me. How cool would that be? When it like erupts and all that. We got to make this happen with Seattle HQ. Uh, Randall, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you, Randall. So it's had the convo with Mrs. McDaniel on the drive home. The Russell Wilson versus Geno talk. Why Russell Wilson? Uh, why Russell Wilson got a pass for why why Russell Wilson got a pass for bad three quarters? She basically said Russell Wilson made it look better. Yeah, I think there's you know when they're when a quarterback's executing Randall. And uh, hitting the back foot, letting it rip, just everything on time, pump, 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 you know, pumping it out. There, there's a brilliance to that. There's a wonder to that. But it's also, there's a certain level of like, it's not as exciting as the guy that drops back, pirouettes around, spins out of a tackle, sprints to the sideline, throws off balance 50 yards down the field with a moon ball that's just completed like on a high wire act. And that's what you got from Russell Wilson is the bright moments. I mean, this is the part of the reason that he went for the draft picks he still went for. And people like to say, well, there was no evidence of Russell Wilson's drop-off that we had seen at Denver in Seattle. It was like night and day he went from here to down here. And many of us that were in the know, many any of you that were watching my channel knew that up until the two years prior to him leaving, I was pointing out some of the inequities that were there within Russell Wilson's game. They got overlooked. I got hammered for bringing it up at the time. I had people that called me uh, unappreciative Russell of forcing him out of town of, you know, being problematic for bringing it up. Um, but there indeed, to your point that Randall, there was a lot of a backing to Russell on this stuff where it was the benefit of the doubt. It wasn't always easy to place the blame solely on Russ within this too at the time. I think Randall, because you also weren't op modernizing your offense. You know, you also weren't investing a lot into the offensive line for Russ. And there were reasons you couldn't do that, mainly because how much you're specifically spending on Russell Wilson. But those things weren't occurring at the same time. And that's where we come back to that. It always gets tough to make an evaluation of a player or a situation when there's outside factors involved that are failing, that you're not taking care of at a root level. And then it makes it tougher for the evaluations downstream. And I think when it came to Russ, that stuff made it tougher to make those evaluations downstream. We worked it in our favor, Randall, because this all ended up working in the favor of making it harder for Denver to make that evaluation of, 
is this guy we're trading for just a smidge below where a guy like Aaron Rodgers is at? Or maybe the Hawks aren't getting the most out of this guy because they're having him operate in this rudimentary offense and we're going to update this offense and he can look better to this. But it was there, to your point. It was it was a, a part of the Russell Wilson era and it was there at the end. And um, there are folks that just certainly, I've in having the discussions about Russ, overlook that inconsistency you would get through the first two and three quarters oftentimes to get to that fourth quarter. And, and that's one of the big reasons you moved on from us, especially within operating to this new offensive West Coast offense styling, is it's more about moving the chains and finding more consistency. But then that is also where, again, we come back to Randall, this deep discussion of why there's some validity then on Geno Smith not finding more consistency. We're getting you into those third and fourth, third and five situations. We're getting you into those convertible third downs, as opposed to whereas before you might have way more of the third nine, third and 10, third and 11, much more of the negative plays. So why aren't you getting those conversions? That's, that's where there is a little more, I think, validity behind the folks that do then talk about that with Gino and saying, here, this needs to be better than that. And that's where there's some validity to say, he's got to get better, Randall. But that's also where we go. He's got to get better. But let's say that without saying, and that's why he's got to be benched adding on top of it. Let's just, let's just insert the first part of that statement, get to the final conclusion of this year. And if he's not played better, then we can make a final ultimate determination about who and what Geno is, especially if we find an offensive line that's pass protecting well and a run game that's operating with some efficiency and Waldron finding that same kind of creativity that he had and utilized today. Because I think Waldron called one of his better games of the year. But uh, thank you, Randall, for that $5 donation. I think it's an interesting discussion. And, you know, uh, evaluation of quarterback remains, I think for all of us, myself included, one of the tougher reads uh, and determinations to make in the sport. We can see a cornerback get beat. We can see a running back miss a hole. We can see a wide receiver drop a football that he should have caught. Sometimes with the quarterback, it can be a little tougher to make the determination about what's going, why things are going wrong or not going right, or why not a player is not playing up to the, you know, his full capabilities. But uh, thank you, Randall. Shout out to the wife as well. Tell her I said hey. Adrian X, thank you for the $2 donation. Appreciate you for that, Adrian X. Uh, says, I don't like my girlfriend, so I keep her because no change. I don't, I don't like my girlfriend, so I keep her because no change. <laughs> I think I missed something on that, <laughs> Adrian. I don't like my girlfriend, so I keep her because no change. Ah, so you want... <laughs> <laughs> is Gino Smith like your girlfriend? Um, Mr. Kane, my brother from another mother in the house. What's up? Thank you for the $2 donation. It says Witherspoon's defensive rookie of the year campaign is on full tilt. I don't know how it can't be, Mr. Kane. What, what does the kid got to do? He hits. He gets picks. Should have a couple more picks than he's got. He got his hands on so many balls. He jumps routes. He can blitz. He can tackle. And then today he's like, I'm not done unveiling all I can do because today he ripped the ball out. He took advantage of Hal trying to extend the play a little bit too long, got his arm in there and ripped the ball out. The kid's an absolute dog on the football field. And he's got to be the front runner for defensive rookie of the year. He absolutely has to be. I don't care about Carter with this 35% of his snaps and only playing on pass rush downs. This guy has been the best playing almost 100% of the snaps when he's out there. Um, you feel his impact and effect every single game and oftentimes in a variety of ways. Uh, I hope he gets it. 
You know how these awards go, Mr. Kane. For us out here in the wet Pacific Northwest, you know how it goes. They're, they're not easily handed out to us. If Witherspoon's going to beat Carter out, he's got to beat Carter out and then 10% more, 10% better than that to actually pull Holden the ward. But right now he is kind of playing at 10% better than that. So give it to him. Give him it. Give that man that ward. Kasra, thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you for that, Kasra. Says, being able to go to SoFi makes me okay with not being able to go to Seattle for home games. SoFi is a home game. I get to have the full experience. It's been my experience. I'd, I'm sure you can say in the, down in the chat on that, Kasra, that we did, um, from what I've heard, for when we do go into that stadium, Hawk fans, there seems to be an indication out there that we are... Um, that we do take over that stadium. That we there's more Hawk fans in there than there's Ram fans come game day. And I would love if you Cosra take some note if you can when you're looking through. You know, just do a basic eye test when you go in the stadium next week. Give me the uh, percentage breakdown numbers when you come back in the chat on the discussion next week of how it breaks down. Like, do we get up to 45 percent? You know, 50 percent? Do we get do we get in that area of things? I gotta imagine it's it's gotta be close to something like that. But uh, Seems like a pretty cool place to go check out a game. Uh, Five billion. It's got to be something cool to, to go look at in that stadium at that price. But uh, thank you for the fiver. And I hope you have a, a great time there next week, Kazra. Get that full-throated voice going. Get the tea drunk this week, you know. Get everything nice and opened up, right? Practice opening the diaphragm. Get that full, full-throated voice out there and on display there for that, that game. But... Uh, Help our team bring home a win. We need that, like you say. That's a must win. Got to get that one. No doubt about it. Especially because you're there. But uh, it's the second best thing. Second best thing to go in Seattle is to get down to SoFi. And uh, next year, for sure, I think I'm going to get something scheduled, something figured out. If I can. Because it is an awesome experience to be able to go check out a game in the stadium. No doubt about that. Take your 610. Thank you for the $2 donation. If the season ended today... It'd be the Hawks versus the Saints. Good match. Yeah, that'd be a good matchup for sure. Saints, uh, once again, having Derek Carr go out to a concussion in this game. Sometimes he's been in and out of the lineup. Jameis Winston got out there today, though, and breathed a little bit of life into that offense, as Jameis only can. He made one throw where he was rolling to the far left-hand side of the field down in the end zone, in the red zone, throws the ball back across his body all the way across the field to the back right end zone just throws it up for grabs his receiver makes the catch but you're just going Jameis it's just a pure Jameis throw like you you ballsy son of a bitch it's just so good too gutsy too gutsy Jameis he just he takes he lets it rip on some throws where you're just like buddy no 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 but uh Saints got a good defense still they can put the clamps down on just about anybody. It looks like they did lose Marshawn Lattimore. He was carted off the field in this game, so that might weaken them down a little bit. But uh, overall, that has been a very strong defense, and Kamara's given them a little bit of a shot in the arm at the running back position since he's come back off of his suspension. But uh, I'll take that as the opening match. That sure beats the hell out of having to play the Niners in the first round, doesn't it? I'll take that all day, every day over the Niners. Proper says we could have had Mahomes and Micah, but chose Solomon Thomas and Solomon Thomas and Lance. Yeah, it's tough. But we all got those on our books, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you got an organization that's at least smart in most of its decision making, you can afford to have, you know, certain mistakes that don't, you're not climbing up on me. So no, nope. Not happening. 
You will after the show, I promise. But you got to chill. Not yet. No. She's in one of those moods where she wants me to hold her up at the top. Okay, come here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She'll be allowed for a sec here. Give her a second to get out of her system. Um, but the Hawks versus the Saints, good match. I, I like our chances on that. Even going on the road, the Saints are typical Breeze, Sean Payton, Saints team that you'd be going in to face there on the road if you had to face them like that at that point. So I'll, I'll take our chances on that in the first round if that's the opponent that we get to take on, uh, again, especially if it's not the Niners. And proper, yeah, man, you know, Mahomes, Micah, we've got those all in our books. we got the Adams trade, you know, two first-round picks and um, two first-round picks. And uh, she's on it right now. Um, Third-round pick in addition to that. We're not getting the returns. So we got those on our books too. You know, you always, everyone's got a little bit of a black mark on the books, but you just, you're going to have some failures if you got so many more, you know, beneficial decisions that you make that offset that, then you can, you can deal with those ones that don't necessarily go right and go well. And uh, the good news is that you've got at least in uh, Brock Purdy, such a cheap quarterback option there. You've got your good offset now for the, some of those salaries that are on the books that are kind of impending and coming up and going to, you know, infringe a little bit on you guys in your Super Bowl window being so many guys being paid like they are. But uh, it happens to us all, man. We got a couple of those ourselves. Herb Sizes, Daniels, Knicks, Leonard, I think will be our choices. Those are good choices. Will you stop? <laughs> I know you aren't up. AI, Knicks is lighting up this year. Fast decisions. He makes quick decisions. It's an offense that's really preset in a lot of ways for how it has him play the position. But he's executing how the offense is asking him to execute. Ed says, who would I, who would you want the Seahawks to draft a quarterback? I don't really have a guy yet that I'm completely sold over anybody else. I think looking at the the mix, the mix between Daniels, Leonard, and Nix is one of those three guys I think would fit, fit the bill. I don't know if there's any one of those guys at this stage in my mind of it that truly separates themselves far beyond the others. And, you know, they've got their both in, uh, some of their individual pluses and minuses to all their games, but they'd all, they'd all check the boxes enough that they would, I think, be good selections into that third round. Maybe you got to trade up into the back in the second round or something like that to get them. Mike Skinner says, I trust John better than your general manager Schneider. Remember the guys this dude wanted to draft when we had Russ. Yeah. I think he's done a good job at the quarterback position and, that's one of the positions I have a lot more faith on him than maybe even others on this team in his drafting ability. Definitely had a pretty good track record overall, I think, with the our, our outlook in the quarterback position over the last 12 years here in Seattle. Uh, Jared Morris says, is Matt Stafford playing against Seattle or is he still hurt? As I understand it, he is hurt, but I have not gotten a full-on confirmation if he's going to play. Azaban McIntosh was inactive in this game, so he did not play, unfortunately. Proper says, if the Raiders moved to LA instead of Vegas, they would have had more fans than the Rams and Chargers combined. Dumb franchise. Yeah, they're, that's what happens, Proper, when you also have an owner that's driven to make decisions like that more at the forefront of money and, and that being the thing that's driving their purpose more than it is what is right for, best for the fan base.
Crutch525 says, can we move Brown to guard next year and start Olu? Um, there's been some folks that have mentioned that as a possibility, Crutch. The one thing I would say with that is just that Brown himself has said that he's a better center, and the team has said that they view him as a better center than a guard. So I don't know if you get the level of consistent play you've gotten from him at center that you would get for him at guard, just even from his own, right from, you know, his own lips. And proper, I hope there's more Hawks fans and Rams fans at that game. I know the Niner fans take it over when they're there. Gene D, when's Lucas coming back? And it does seem like he's been gone forever. It's a week-by-week affair, Gene. So I think they're just maybe a little bit this week. Maybe they try to get him, you know, with his toes wet in the water a little bit before they have him do the full cannonball jump next week with the uh, Niners on deck. But um, hard to say. I watch, I'd be fine with cutting Diggs, Jamal, Disley, Belor, and Gino next offseason. You could do so. You could save a, you cut all those guys at once, depending on how you do the, the post-June 1st designation. If you were to do it on a guy like, Jam, like Jamal, um, you could save probably, you get yourself probably 35, 40 million under the cap if you moved all the, made all those moves. I don't know if they're going to make all those moves. I don't know if that's going to happen though. Sure, it's a surprise people were down on Stroud. I thought he was the class of the quarterback draft last year. I liked him a lot too. I had him as my QB1 as well. I think that Ohio State quarterback curse thing just kind of loomed in people's minds. They just think they're maybe system guys more than anything else. Robert says, what the happened to Russ? He used to be scary to play. Uh, Russ was one of the more quarterbacks in the sport that really leaned on his natural ability. And I know for a guy that's 5'9", you wouldn't always necessarily say that, but it was the mobility, the scrambling, the, the big arm to make the throws down the field. That's how he wanted to play the sport. And most quarterbacks proper, when they get into being 10, 11, 12 years into the sport, they reach a place that I call, you know, they're, they've got their postgraduate degree, their doctorate in quarterbacking. They've seen every blitz. They've seen every protection. They've seen every, every uh, coverage on the back end. And so you see this a little bit with guys like, for instance, Kirk Cousins this year or the last couple of years. Why is Kirk Cousins playing his best ball at 33, 34 years old when theoretically he should be rounding out of his prime? At the same age that Russell Wilson went into the tank, Kirk Cousins played his best football of his entire career. And the reason for that is because Kirk Cousins reached his doctorate level of quarterbacking. And the problem with Russ is from the neck up stuff, he never got to that doctorate level. He always stayed down at that rudimentary level of quarterbacking where I can always get away. I can always scramble out of harm's way. I can always be a magician. And it ended up catching up to him proper when he lost a little bit of arm strength and when he lost a little bit of his wheels. And he couldn't fall back on that anymore. And he didn't have the neck up stuff to lean on like a lot of quarterbacks would have who had played 10 years in the sport. Why Kirk Cousins mastered it is because he never had to have, he never had the scrambling ability to go back upon that built up maybe some bad habits. He had to play the position true and right and real throughout the whole way, which then allowed for the progression to come forward as well with it. Gene says, we just, we just need a dominating performance on both sides of the field. That would be nice. I definitely could go for that. Proper, are you guys wearing your throwbacks on Thanksgiving? Nope, nope. We're only going to be doing on the Cowboys game remaining, as I understand it. As I understand it. 
DVD Forever, Gino's still coming through for us and he doesn't have the LLB on the other side. True. True. Gene D. Charbonnet goes north and south and pounds defensive players like he's a wrecking ball. He does, man. He is a wrecking ball. It's so fun, Gene, to watch him finish runs just with attitude and purpose and anger and, and kind of mean. Kind of mean. James Peters just can't open lanes for the running backs with our interior linebacker. A little disappointed he holds the running backs. Yeah, there was a couple holes in there. They need to get a little more consistency there with it. That's for sure. But got a little bit better day. Proper says Caleb Williams is New York and the NFL's dream. Probably. Yeah, they'd love him to probably land there most. Dean D says, yeah, Mafe's on fire. I respect Jamal. He makes no excuses and he calls himself out when he makes mistakes. I'm glad to hear that as well. He's not making excuses. There's some, there is some bad plays on his tape this year. Last week with the Mark Andrews poor tackling attempt and today with a couple of poor tackling attempts, but it's good to hear that he's at least owning it. Rich Coleman, I'm not going to pay you to state the obvious. Gino is not going to win the Seahawks' Super Bowl. You're not, out, you're not allowed, alone on that outlook of things, Rich. You know? And uh, you, don't have to pay, you don't have to pay on this one. I try to respond to everybody as I can in the chat. Suggest I wouldn't mind seeing Justin Fields in Seahawks jersey. I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with it. Brandon says, hell yeah, Witherspoon, Rookie of the Year. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, man. I hope he gets it. What's a guy got to do? Legas Jackson looked good out there today. Showing a little fire early on. Keeping his feet and working hard on those bubble screens after the catch. It's good to see. Space says, dude, 800 more subscribers for 15,000. I know, man. We're cooking along. That was the goal this year. We're going to blow right past that goal, it would seem, if we stay on course, man. And uh, I love it. I love it. I couldn't ask for more from you guys. And as far as the growth, the, the support, it's been just amazing. Amazing. I dig docs. Technically, Bevel cost is a super bowl pass play. Okay, but not over the middle, close to the goal line. Ouch, that was out. Sorry. <laughs> Gene Deez's Hawks Nest put in mad hours for us Hawks fans. Mad respect for him. Thank you, man. Much love to you guys too. Adrian X says, my guy isn't Bleacher Report paying you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Giddy. Mitchy here. James Peters, I think we need to roll Gino out more like we did with Russ. Getting him on the movement seems like a good thing, especially off play action passes. Devo says, I have a good feeling about the Eagles game. Just saying. All it is at home, man. It is at home. If we can come out of those four-game stretch with two wins, I'd be feeling so good. Tony Wright, good evening, Brandon, and congrats on another Seahawks victory. Well, it looks like the stars are aligned to see who is the supreme superpower in the NFC West between your Seahawks and the Niners. It is. Like two big superpowers go into battle and you've just knocked out all the little guys, right? Everybody's been knocked out. We got the battlefield where you knew the two great opponents are going to meet each other and they're like hacking their way through each other's other enemies as they can see each other across the field and they're cutting apart and cutting apart. And, you know, it's only a matter of time before the swords are going to clash. And that's how it kind of does feel, Tony. We knew this was how it was going to set up. 
We knew the lay of the land was going to play out this way, and it indeed is playing out justly so. Uh, Randall McDaniel, thank you for the $2 donation. Appreciate you for that. Says Boye, best young edge rusher in franchise history. Let's think this through. Let me think this through. Hold on, Rand. Let me take a look at something. So... I think Randall, he's right in alignment with this guy I'm going to mention, but I think that he's having the same start to his career pretty on point with being pretty equivalent, actually, of Jacob Green. Jacob Green in 14 games, his first year in 1986, sacks, uh, defensive rookie of the year, I believe, that year too. Um, was he defensive rookie of the year? Or he was maybe in just in the voting... Let's see here. What do you want? Okay, so sixth, my bad. So sixth in defensive rookie of the year voting that year. He came back the next season with 12 sacks. Um, we don't have his tackle numbers, but he was a pretty good dog down there against the run too. So Mafe's probably right along with him. He might be kind of going past him, Randall, a little bit, but it's it's kind of they're they're kind of I would say neck and neck more than Mafe's really separated him past what Jacob did. But Jacob went out and had a career where he had 115 sacks. So if this is also an indicator of him matching up to Jacob Green and him going out there and putting together the career that Jacob Green did, uh, we're going to be mighty happy with that from this team in the future, I would say. But I can't think of anybody else absent Jacob Green. I don't think that there's been anyone that's been even in the neighborhood, even, even close. Uh, Mega Lucario, 22, has become a member of the channel. Thank you, Mega, for becoming a member of the channel. We're getting the uh, PFF scores out from this game out to you on Monday in the Community Post board, as well as doing the Community Post member-only streams, where I'll be putting that out there. So be on the lookout on your Community Post for that, as we'll be doing a Thursday stream this week. Uh, we've got a good game on deck, too. But thank you for becoming a member. Appreciate you for that. MJ Seahawk, thank you for the $5 donation. I was surprised by the refs. I've been in so I have been so shell shocked. Every time I saw a flag, I thought it was on us. <laughs> Can't blame you, MJC Hawk. We've had many great many games where when the flags come out, they seem to always go in just one direction. And uh, I can't blame you for feeling it was going that way in this game. We had more flags called on us than the other team did. You had times where you thought a flag should be called on holding calls on our defensive line or DK early in this game running a nine route where he got molested by the defender on the throw and still no flag. And you're thinking, okay, so I see where this is going today. And I don't want to make it seem like the officials were slanting it in any great direction. Just It didn't seem like we were going to get a whole lot of calls in our direction. So yeah, to get that one, especially at the end on DK Metcalf for the uh, P.I., was uh was huge and uh good that we could get a couple calls switched back in our direction at that point it was nice but uh, i got the same shell shock ptsd thing you got going of when i see a flag i just always go okay it's on us okay let's get a little more uphill now <laughs> that's automatically right auto automatically 
Uh, Randall, thank you for another $5 donation. I appreciate you for that, Randall, very, very much. This is gonna, I got a bit of a man crush on Jaden Daniels. Got a pro comp? Some see Goff and athleticism of a young Dak. Probably faster in the open field than Dak, less power. Yeah, I would say, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, mobility is a different, different lay of the land between Dak and Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels will run like a four five forty. He'll run like Russell Wilson 40. Um, and he's got that escapability in the pocket as well. He's not quite rust necessarily of when he was in his prime, but still so much escapability there. I, I, it's notable. Uh, Goff. No, I don't think that he's got quite Goff's arm strength. Um, I don't think as well that he relies Goff is a, is a, system quarterback that can operate within a system when he's got a supporting cast and be very proficient within that. Jaden Daniels is showing you this year, Randall, that he can operate without much of a supporting cast and that he can operate off script. I love Jaden Daniels quite a bit. Uh, he has gotten himself risen up into the Heisman discussion, might even win it. For me, a little bit of my worries come into a size level, you know, size and how thick he's built. Is he going to be able to sustain the punishment the NFL, considering especially Randall, he is going to be a mobile quarterback that's going to rely on those legs. Can he sustain? Can he hold up to take those hits? Because he's going to want to utilize those legs in the open field. That's going to be a big key for him. When it comes to a comp, uh, it gets hard for these quarterbacks with these kind of Randall, because you know there's not a lot of these guys at 6'4 come out with the mobility and the arm strength. You know, So when you go to like, who's the guy that that fits to? Um... I don't know if there's there's somebody that stands out. I think maybe a Hendon Hooker last year's draft. I think I have to look for more of a recent comp for a guy than, than go to find some historic comp of a guy that's been really good back 10 years ago. These kind of players just didn't roll around 10 years ago. They were Robert Griffin and Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick. You know, now they're going to start to really become more of the um, common the common element now as we watch these teams play and, and that you, this is the requirement for the position. Uh, I like him a lot too. He's right in the mix with three quarterbacks in this place that I think, you know, be it Knicks, Jen, Jaden Daniels, Riley Leonard, Brandle. Those are the three guys for me that get affixed in my mind of liking right around that third round period of where they were, will be due to, I think, be available. I don't think Knicks will be maybe in the third round, but if they want to move up and go get him, that'd be fine with that. All three guys, I think, will be able to operate behind a very strong supporting cast that you'll be able to provide them. And they could be able to have that set up in a way to be able to replicate a little bit of what you got from Russell Wilson and his productivity initially out the gate. Not that they play the position the same way as Russell Wilson, but that you have the team so well stacked up ahead of them that they come in and they're able to flourish and flourish on a real low end contract at that point, not highly paid. So now you can build a much better team out and around them. But um, I would, I, I don't have a great comp outside of like a hooker on that hen and hooker. I can't think of somebody else though, that stands out to me because he is such a unique talent. And there's just been so few of these guys that have come down the line in recent years. Um, don't like the Dak as much because I think he's a fr more free and easy thrower than Dak. And I think he is way more athletic and fast than Dak is though. You're right where Dak's maybe a little more of a stronger, stronger runner of the rock with it. And I can't go with the lock, the golf thing either. Cause golf's just a golf's a jugs machine with feet. <sighs> Who would be maybe. I'll try to think Randall, if there's somebody that maybe jumps out to me as far as, you know, somebody else that's, that's in alignment, but you know, Maybe a cross between Hendon Hooker and Anthony Richardson a little bit, maybe. Something like that. Probably closer to Hendon than Anthony. <laughs> He's got a good throwing motion, though. 
pretty clean delivery. His, uh, his velocity has taken a step forward this year, Randall. He's improved, which you're looking for these quarterbacks. Get better through your college time, which will lead me to believe that you'll get better as you get to a pro, which will lead me to believe that you've got work ethic, um, that you're not just relying on pure natural talent. And he's been doing in the SEC with a lack of really much of a supporting cast, Randall. So he's got a little bit to a lesser degree in dealing with what we saw with Will Levis in Kentucky in his final year. He's kind of dealing with some similar stuff out there, and um, he's not being necessarily hampered by it. Instead, he's got himself risen to a Heisman Trophy candidacy-level season. And um, <clears throat> he's definitely growing on me. Thank you for all the donations today, you guys. Very, very kind of y'all. I really appreciate it. Randall coming with like five, five donos himself. Very awesome of you, brother. Appreciate you for that. SE Wolverines, Russ ran in the sacks, drove me nuts. He definitely would. I think he's done a good amount of that at Denver too. Gene D says, Wallen and Witherspoon won't get much off of them if the front line can get more pressure. They would be unstoppable. Agreed. Proper says, were you guys rooting for the Eagles in the NFC Championship last year? Just curious. I'm one of those people proper that have a hard time of doing the go root for another team when your team's out of it. I, I reach a, a bitter, almost kind of bitchy-like phase of things where I get in my feelings um, I'm like, screw the NFL. Who needs it anyway? It, it lasts for a good couple weeks after my team becomes eliminated. So that more proliferates my thinking at that time. I can't think I was really rooting either way on that one. I watched the game, but I was, you know, at that point, just, you know, just being bitter and sitting there just like, who needs football? Stupid Super Bowl championships. Dumb. Adrian X says, I don't even live in the U.S., but I made the Hawks game. There we go. Uh, Tony Wright, as far as my squad, the Falcons are nothing more than an 8-9 team at this point. Our last three games are an embarrassment. It's been a rough road here this, this year for you, Tony, because you guys did look like so much of this of, of stage was set and the start of the year you had kind of confirmed what you and I thought the team could be as we came into this year, a wide-open NFC um, South for you to, to go over there and take. It's been weird watching a little bit of the usage of, and I know that this is a, a common thing being talked about, but the usage of B. John Robinson to take him in the top 10 and then not to seem to have a real strong plan put in place to get the most out of him. It's not been him as the reason, of course. You just, Desmond Ritter didn't develop and take a step forward. Now Heineke's out, it looks like, and you're back to Ritter and you're back to that tough part and that place that, I mean, we very well ourselves could find ourselves in where you just, who's your quarterback of the future? Where's the answer at quarterback? We got a good team but we, you may be looking at the future of the quarterback position, holding it back, and there's no easy answers out there to be found for, if not this guy, but then who? If not him, but then who? And uh, it's it's tough territory to be in as far as a team goes, Tony. I, I feel for you on that because the answers are not easy, and you got to get very creative with the the solutions at that point to find the answers. Somebody was joking the other day, uh, Randall or Tony, that, like the J.J. McCarthy game where J.J. had seven attempts and like and somebody's like somewhere, you know, Arthur Smith is 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 getting a chubby. <laughs> I was like, oh man. <clears throat> Mike Skinner says, Russ is the definition of an A-plus quarterback, always a top-end quarterback, never a bad year. However, from the neck up, 
he did not have the same intelligence as Breeze or Manning or Brady. That's true. Yes. Maybe never that bad year, but never ability to once the once, you know, what made you dynamic and so productive. And I'm one of those people that says that Russ for a three, four year period was one of the top three, four quarterbacks in the sport. But that thing that allowed you to be that with the, the dynamic ability to move your legs and throw throw in a, a million miles, you lose just a little bit of both those parts. And now you not now you need to offload, you lose a little minus here and a little minus here. You need to gain then on the neck above stuff. And that needs to go a little bit more to the plus side if you've got a minus side here. And he didn't get that plus side on here. And he still has struggled to come forward with it. This is the problem of Hackett not being able to onboard him and Peyton still kind of struggling to find the right way. I mean, they've kind of had to really define the success of Russ in Denver. They've It's not that they've driven to complexity or driven for him to play on an on-script offensive attack. It's that they've gone back more to the machinations of the Hawks offense in the late 2000s. And it's more of the play action and him under center and limiting the pass attempts, you know, that type of thing. And um, it just kind of does remain. Uh, Swedish Shinobi, I have one big worry about the Eagles game. If Carter does anything, announcers will be insufferable about us passing over him. Be a great game for another spoon pick six. Boy, would that shut up the whole debate right there, wouldn't it, Swedish? And uh, I'd hope he's done enough at this point where no one can really be saying much about Carter at this point. Spoon's been so good. It's there's no way that anyone can really make the case. They may try, but there ain't much validity to it if they do try on saying that that was the way they should have gone, which would have been way better. I think Witherspoon's given us a uh, way more impact over there with he's, what he's brought. But you're right, they may. A DVD says, but the quarterback has to be just right for Pete, coachable, positive, and already had the fourth winning mindset. Yes, sir. I mean, that's where I go. They'll target a certain one. I don't know if it'll be the one we're thinking of, but I think they'll they'll probably fall in love with one. Tony Wright, two weeks ago, we lost our rookie second-round quarterback, making his first start as my Falcons defense, which had played well up front. That made that point. Uh, two weeks ago, we lose to a rookie second-round quarterback, making his first start as my Falcons defense, which had played well up to that point, made Will Levis look like an all-pro. Lavis did look really good out there, Tony. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, he lit it up in those first couple of starts there. Um, tough. Lavis made some legit throws in that game too, man. He made some some upper level top notch throws. But strange season for your Falcons. Strange season. And you know, you can have an offensive scheme where you you scheme up a lot of creative runs, and you know, you you limit your your play call, your passer. If you have to, because he doesn't have necessarily the talent you can lean on, but you can only take that so far. Eventually, you need a guy that can make some of those throws over the course of a game. Um, you can lower him down the number of times he has to make them, but he's got to make them at some point or another. And that's where, if you're Tony, your Falcons team's face going into the future of how to deal with that, how to how to find resolution on that, you know. Stewart says, I'm just hoping we can get lucky and split with the Niners because the bizarre brain fog they keep displaying isn't going to work against a truly great defense as we saw against the Ravens. True, Stuart. Very true. Preach. I'm with you. You you put that kind of effort out. You're going to get beaten the same way the Ravens beat you if you put that same game together. You know, that same inconsistency. Mega says the Vikings are 6-4. and four. Should we be concerned of them taking our wild card spot? Josh Dobbs has been playing very well, and they get J.J. back soon. Let's take a look at them where they're at right now. So we got the Vikings at six and four. 
the rest of the upcoming schedule for the Vikings is they're at the Broncos, home against the Bears, at the Raiders, at the Bengals, home against the Lions, home against the Packers, at the Lions. So they've got two face the Lions twice, the Bengals once in there. Those, those would be the, the toughest games that are remaining on there. They've got some winnable games on the schedule as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a team that could maybe give you some, some issues on that side of that. I think they have a couple losses there still on their schedule. I think that's still a team that should be 9, 10 wins in in the best case scenario, which we should be able to at least match that. The 177 asked George Hughes says we ran the ball. We ran more with Russ and throw more with Gino. Mm-hmm. But the reason for that is because you know Gino can operate more of an on-time offense, on-script offense. If I can't trust Russ to run the offense, then I'm going to want to limit the passing attempts. Where with Gino, whether he's running successfully or not, you trust in his ability to at least operate the stuff on time. The on-time stuff, the three and the five-step drops, hit your back foot, get the ball out of your hands. That, that was never really Russ's game. It's never really been Russ's game. Corey Coleman says the defense is better now than in, it was in Russell's last years. Yes. I agree with that. James Peters says, I think Waldron called a horrible game. Where are the mid-range middle routes and catches? Two tight ends making $14 million together. And how many targets they have down the seam? Zero. James not feeling not feeling Hawks offense today. I thought Waldron had a bit of an improvement today from where he's been, but just just my outlook. Gene uh, James, sorry. Ud says his one keeps getting back into his old form by week ten last year. It'll only benefit Spoon and the defense more. Amen. David Geese says, don't think I've seen one Carter highlight all season, and I live on football social media. Yeah, I can remember maybe one little pressure or one fumble he caused, but uh, not a lot other than that. Brian says, also more plays with pre-snap motion. I saw more pre- and post-snap motion today. I saw more of a utilization of the run plays to the outside on pitch plays and outside zone. The bubble screen was still being factored in. I still think you could have used the tight ends better. But there were some improvements across the board, the balance, the utilization of the two running backs. I thought there was a lot more good in the approach here, stylistically in this game, for sure. Tony says, last week my Falcons got smoked by a young quarterback, young journeyman quarterback who was just traded and didn't know his new teammates' playbook, nor did he know the players on his new team. It's tough, Tony. It's tough, man. I'm trying to give you a little bit of a light with it. Let me, let me look at your team here. Let me look at you. Four and six. You play the, uh, you got the Saints, the Jets, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, the Colts, the Bears, the Saints. I mean, man, those are all winnable games. You could totally, I know you've lost three straight. I get it. You have. I know they're, I know it's looking pretty dark right now, but those are all winnable games. Those are all against teams that theoretically might not in all of them not make the playoffs, especially if you end up winning the division there. So there's at least some solace within that, Tony. It ain't going right at the moment. But you can get this turned around. Jeans is that DK needs quick routes to get involved more and use them in the middle of the field because linebackers can't help, can't help cover him. 
A little bit more of him getting featured in would be nice. I like that they got a few more touches. They got him a bubble screen in this game. A couple times where they were just making sure he was sort of the first option on the play if it was open to go to him. But certainly could do some more with it. Stewart says, was a bit frustrated with so many passes directed horizontally. A few worked, but they were throwing up most of the game and we kept throwing at it. Didn't make a ton of sense to me. I think they were a little bit sort of trying to make those kind of throws in those moments too in the blitzes. You've had the last couple of weeks, especially off Baltimore's success, Washington came in and brought the blitz. A lot of the way you're going to attack the blitz is sort of those bubble tunnel screens that they were running or just getting the ball to the hot route uh, out of Geno Smith's hands. And so there's a bit of a, that's going to drive that purposeful approach to that. It's hard to always just run the nine route to hit the, hit the hot route off of that throw when they do the bring those blitzes like that. And you don't have a lot of time to sit back in the pocket then when those blitzes are coming, especially when it's six, seven man blitzes. And there is going to be a free rusher that's running right up, sometimes right up in the A gap, right at Geno's face. Um, and so there was a lot of those side adjustments where they were going to the bubble screens or throws to the flat on the blitzes. And Washington played them well throughout the course of the game. But it's usually, that is going to be the adjustment you usually call upon as a counter then to those blitzes. Tyler says, it's not a Seahawks game without a heart attack ending. No, it is not. Proper says, the Rams uniforms look like they play for Ikea. Yeah, they do. I don't like the new logo either, Proper. I think it's, it's all kind of crap. Tony says, that brings us to days. We go out and lose two of the worst team in football with a quarterback in Kyler Murray that I don't believe is that good anyway. Yeah, it's 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 rough for you guys right now, Tony. I mean, there's no cut cutting it two ways about it at this moment. And I'm trying to give you a little positivity in that you got a winnable schedule going forward. So no matter what happens up in this point, no matter where you're at, four and six is the record right now. You're in a division with the Saints sitting on top at five and five. So, you know, you're still one game out of first place. Like us. And Tony, it's like we really are still in a microcosm level of your team at this point. We might be in a little bit of better shape as far as our record goes. But the bottom line comes down to the same thing. You know, are you a contender by how you've played so far yet this year? No. Are we a contender yet by how we played so far this year? Maybe not yet, no. And uh, But there still is the key on both of these two teams, which is that you still have everything in front of your team right now to go out there and take. No matter what damage is done that you mentioned of the past three weeks and the horrible losses and the bad losses, the backup quarterbacks and failed first round flame outs, you still stand right now in a position to be able to go still control your fate and not have to control your fate like we do where we got to go through a murderer's row. Eagles and Cowboys and the Niners twice and the Steelers at one point in this in this year. You guys are going to be able to get to go through some teams that are going to be really winnable games. So maybe there's a little bit of a bright crack there. It's going to be hard. Maybe pull it off. Power says, also, we ran multiple success, successful screens today. Brando, am I dreaming, man? What are we watching? Ooh, baby. The play calling was very improved. And yeah, to your degree, incorporating more of those, especially to counter the blitz, smartly applied by Shane Waldron in this game. Um, Randall, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you for that. Randall says, Jaden Daniels, Teddy Bridgewater, but athletic and a better arm. Just from a build standpoint. Saying he's built like Goff, tall and slender, I like him a lot. Okay, I can see it with that. With Goff, he's just so statuesque and so, he feels so rigid too, right? He, he's, 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 he's like the, the guy, white guy dancing on the dance floor, you know, with, with no rhythm, you know, kind of like that. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, body type, that seems, that seems a little more apropos to me, Randall. Thinly built guys, 
kind of in their in their makeup, you know, not necessarily really wide and really thickly built, but just kind of a little thinner than you normally see for the position. Um, I'm with that, but a, but a much better arm than Teddy. Teddy had that barely, maybe just barely, just almost almost kind of not NFL arm. Jaden Daniels has an NFL arm. He can make all the NFL throws. I also think, um, and your athletic, the athletic and speed standpoint, he's going to run much faster than Teddy, and he's much more escapable than uh, than Teddy Bridgewater was. But body style wise, I like your comp there, and I see what you're trying to go with on that. I think that part kind of fits. It does, but that's where we get to, Randall. Like you're trying to do, it's hard to put the comps together on these smarter quarterbacks because they are so unicorn-like in their makeup, from what we've seen in the past at the position. And it gets harder to quite fit them in, especially when they're not just necessarily true blue first-round talents, but yet they do have a lot of talent nonetheless. He's going to be an interesting case study, Randall. I look forward to really doing the deep dive into Jaden Daniels' tape and seeing really, really all the way down. I've watched a couple of his games, but getting into the game-after-game look to really get a feel for him and uh, who he is and what makes him tick. Thank you, man, for the donation. Another fiver from Randall. Randall killing it tonight on the donos. Appreciate you, brother. Jaden Daniels. Oh, uh, I think it just double dipped your dono there. Sorry about that, man. Uh, <laughs> he says, how about a mix of Teddy Bridgewater and Marcus Mariota? Teddy was accurate. Didn't have a cannon. Mariota, tall and open field speed. Yeah, I like that as a combination. He's got a little bit of Teddy Bridgewater's delivery, which is a pretty short, quick delivery. Ball gets out of the hand really fast. With Teddy, it was missing the velocity. This kid's got the velocity that it, the ball will, will jump out of his hand a little bit more. Um, so the, from a delivery standpoint, very much like Teddy Bridgewater. From a build standpoint, like Teddy. Bigger hands than Teddy, certainly. He's not going to need to put on the gloves. No, no uh, Jaden two gloves out here. But then Mariota in the open field. Yeah, I think he's going to run very similarly fast to what Mariota ran. He'll be a 4-5 guy, which is really fast for the quarterback position. That's, that's one where you're going to test teams and make force them to, to play you as a, as a escape artist. That's where you're going to get quarterback spies at times. So he can go to that. And um, when you want to go to the cheap young quarterback, Randall, you know, when you want to go to that guy that's, okay, he's not going to carry the day for us. He's not going to be the superstar for us. He's going to come in and just be proficient. Then to get that done, you also need the guy that can use his legs and use him well. Not just that he's got the legs, but he can go out there and steal 50, 55, 60 yards for you on the ground in a given game by using his legs. He can force them into having a quarterback spy, which makes him playing the position that much easier because one less guy in coverage, one less guy out there in space, much more open space in other places on the field. But I like that. You're, you're cobbling together more of a, I think a more of a closer representation there of him as a, um, as a comp at the pro level. Yeah, I like it. Definitely not Mariota's delivery, Randall. I'll say that. Definitely not the delivery of Mariota. That slow, slow wind up of Mariota. Thank you, Randall, man, for all your donations tonight. I appreciate you so much, man. Uh, Jeffrey Thistle with a $2 donation. Wally improved from horrible to bad. Let's calm down. Well, I uh, you set a season high for total number of yards in this game. So what 
We had uh, 489 total yards. So I, I think when, you know, a, a game game's called like this, you get 489 yards. You, uh, you get the yards you got on the ground, 120 there on top of what you threw for. I mean, it's, it kind of is what it is at that point. You know, now is it a bad, not a great defense you're facing? Is it a bad defense? Is it a defense you should be able to take advantage of? Sure, that's, that factors into it. But I, I intrinsically think that there was a, a well-called game by Waldron here today. I don't think it was a bad game called. Um, there's been some horrible game called. I'll give you that, Jeffrey, 100%. But it's hard to find where the bad part of the game calling would be in this game. Especially when you come to the struggles for me early in the second, first, second quarter and into the third quarter. There's a lot more of that that I can set at the plate, at the feet, to me, of Geno Smith and his execution than I would necessarily be looking at with Waldron. Where Waldron dialed things up for him to find a, an answer there and uh, he didn't go to the answer. I felt like a couple times. Thank you though, man. The $2 donation, I appreciate you. And as you can see in the chat, you're not alone in the outlook on even Waldron in this one. That's just my stance on it. Tyler says, but nevertheless, we do need to seriously address our O-line, at least the left guard, any good candidates for left guard that we can get via either free agency or through the draft. <laughs> I don't really see somebody through free agency that's going to work, Tyler. Uh, the three guys that I would look at in the draft would be Cooper Bebe, Graham Barton. Uh, I think Fontenu, uh, the kid from Washington who's a left tackle, but I think he's going to kick into left guard at the next level. Any of those three guys would be tremendous upgrades for us at the position. And they'll be picked somewhere between the late first round of the second round. So you'd probably have to, you know, trade up for any of those guys if you wanted to target them. But if the team did want to target those guys, they would be tremendous additions for this line. Tony says, last three weeks as a Falcons fan have been a total embarrassment and it's time for us to part ways with Arthur Smith, in my opinion. Maybe, you know, he's an offensive-minded coach that wanted this set up in the way. I'm sure he was the one who did go to them and say, I'll go with, you know, I can make it work with Desmond Ritter. You know, you, you sign off on that. You give it the okay. And uh, that then is on you a little bit. So there might be a bit of that behind him this year with if, if they continue in this trend in this direction. He might be one of those folks um, who's on the uh, the coach, the Black Monday from her coaches. Easy says, a bit behind on the stream, but I'd be against trading up if the Hawks make the playoffs again. I'm not a big guy in trading up either, Easy. Um, but I'm just acknowledging it's something they might do it depending on if especially they fall in love with a certain quarterback. And uh, I don't know if they will or they won't or where Schneider sits on any of these QBs. He may just sit and wait for the native pick to whoever comes to him. But uh, that is the part that I, I, I do wonder about is if they do fall in love with a particular guy, would this be a year that they would target a guy to go and move up for? It's all hard to say. It's all a little bit of a guessing game on this one. Um, but I'm with you. I don't necessarily need think that they need to be driven to have to do it. And if they just want to wait on their native pick and take a guy there like a Jaden Daniels or like a Riley Leonard, um, that's not the worst way to go. Some good players in there. Yeah, proper. Right? The Saints defense definitely plays strong. They play hard. Nicholas is out. will always hate Wilson and absolutely don't give two Fs about anything people claim he did for us. He is always fake. He's always been fake. Will always be fake. Let's share your opinion on that, Nicholas, no doubt. DVD Brandon, all this questions, Geno Smith or Zach Wilson, both have a couple of final drive wins. I'm Geno all day. I, I don't think Zach Wilson comes close to playing as well as Geno plays. You know, Geno's a far better quarterback than Zach Wilson, in my opinion. Um, but Zach's got a couple final drive wins. He does. Um, 
He's at, he's still at like barely touching, you know, Jesus is 65% completion percentage. Wilson's at barely 59%. He's got five touchdowns to six interceptions. Yeah, it's, Gino's a much better quarterback than Wilson, that's for sure. For sure. James says, we have to replace Diggs next year's caps 21 or $10 million dead money. He's gone next year for sure. I think it's heading in that direction, James. If he's going to constitute you having that kind of money in the books, you've got to feel that impact on the field. I, I don't know in the last two years if you can really feel like you can say that you have. Um, Diggs can play well. Diggs, Diggs has got some ability to be a decent ball hawk. But when you start paying these guys this money, I think it's fair to say the bang for the buck. We're not paying for past performance. We're paying for what we're hoping to get into the future here. And I don't know if the returns are necessarily have been there for the safety position, especially when you consider the overall investment of $50 million into the safety position if we're getting that level of play from what we're putting in. Stewardess, if the commanders had committed to running the ball against us a bit earlier, they would have literally run away with the game. They might have. We did a pretty good job early on a stop of the run when they did try to do it. But they did, to your point, bail on it very quickly. Very quickly. DVD says, Brandon, I know we aren't looking the best right now, but still good. Why do I feel like the Dallas game will be very close? I think it'll be close. Of those four games we're going to play, that's the one that definitely looks to be the tightest as it stands right now, being that I think us and Dallas are probably in a very similar place as far as the pecking order of the NFC goes. Um, I, it's a winnable game, but who, who knows on this stretch of four games, DVD, you know, what uh, happens. And you're right, it hasn't been the best. It's still a team with a lot of talent that hasn't played its best football yet that very well made before the end of the year. This could round into shape better. This could fall apart. This could stay where it's been and just be insanely inconsistent. I think in making any predictions as we stand going forward at this point, DVD is going to be hard to do because who knows? Who knows what we're going to get? We're 6-3. and three. We played good football overall. Are we more than just a one-and-done team in the playoffs? Are we more than just a team that's going to sneak into the back door of the playoffs and then get pushed out? We are going to learn when we go through that four-game stretch. There will be no guessing game. There'll be no, well, what do we think on, the, well, do we think it'll go, well, it could over. You're going to learn in that four-game stretch. There'll be no excuses. There'll be no, but this, no, but what about that? But it, it'll be what you are. Can you go through that stretch two and two? Can you carve out even one win? Do you just get the doors beat out of you in four games? You know, that it's going to be a very interesting Next metric for us to kind of see where in test where this team is at. Um, we got to get the Rams, get through the Rams this next week. But uh, that's really to me where we're going to get some answers that things are a little more certain at that point for me, man, when I look at it. Evan says, who is your favorite quarterback that we are likely to draft in this draft? Uh, I've got three that I kind of lock in on right now, Evan, at this point. Um, Jaden Daniels, uh, Bo Nix, or Riley Leonard. Those are the three guys that if we're talking about picking in the third round, second to third round range, who stand out to me that I like the best in my view tape, my viewing of the film so far. There's some other guys that I like too, maybe not quite as much as those guys, but I don't, it's not that it's just those guys are bust. This crop of quarterback talent, Evan, is a lot better than um, we've had in recent years. So there's more pickings to go through. But those three guys provide a full skill set, mobility, arm strength, accuracy. I think they give you kind of the full meal deal for what you could be getting third round, maybe into the second. 
James Peter says, I'd love to see Penix, but I believe he won't fall far enough for us in the first round. No, I don't think he will either, James. I think he's a top 20, if not a top 15 first round quarterback. So he'll be long off the board by the time that we come up. DVD Forever says, predictions for the next three games. Uh, my predictions for the next three games would be a Hawk win against the Rams next week. I'd expect them to play up to snuff at that point. Uh, I would go a loss against the 49ers and we'll go with a win against the Cowboys. So two and one in the next three weeks. I'll, I'll have the Cowboys as when we sneak out a win here. That'll be our steal win of the year there. But uh, I think the Niners are in just a bit better shape right now as it currently stands. Rich Coleman says, this is, this is when a win feels like a loss. I don't know. It still feels like a win, but it just feels like you wanted to come out of it with more confidence. I mean, me too as well. And uh, we can't quite come out of it with the confidence we were hoping we could. I watch your Ewers, Knicks, Rattler. Ewers has got a lot of love out there. A lot of love. Tyler says, remember John Schneider liked Patrick Holmes and Allen before they got drafted and had success? He did. I got a lot of faith in John in looking at quarterbacks. I think he'll find the right guy. Proper says, how has Metcalf been this year? I haven't even paid attention. He's been solid and solid to good for us this year. I, we have a hard time at times of getting him um, into the offense. It's like we forget he's on the team at times. But when he's been targeted, he's made his catches. When he's got a catchable ball, he'll catch it. There's been a lot of errant throws at times when he has been targeted by Geno, including this past game. But he's been a monster in his own way. Big Docs, is Brown really big enough to be a starting guard? I don't know if he's big enough to be a starting guard. I just don't think he'll be a good, particularly good one. It's mentioned a lot about Evan Brown. I don't, I don't understand. There is a little bit of a slight fixation with putting Evan Brown at guard, and I, I kind of don't get it. When the man himself has said, I don't play guard as good as I play center, and when the team has told you that they see him more as a center than a guard, why would our natural predilection be in that we feel like he's going to be good if we put him as a starting guard now? That's not, I don't logically come to that conclusion on that one myself. No, I can't. He's a center. That's what he'll be. If we don't sign him here long-term as a center, he'll go somewhere else and, and probably be signed as a long-term center else, elsewhere. Dicted Pumpkins loving the chinitches. She always loved the, the, the scritches. James Jamal isn't going anywhere. His cap hit is huge. Diggs only has a 10 or $21 million cap hit. Uh, Jamal Adams actually can go somewhere. You can do what's called a post-June 1st designation on this, James. And what that means is that you take his dead money and you chop it up into two seasons and you spread that dead money hit out over two years. If you do that, you cumulatively save money on next year's cap and you could do it in addition to a digs hit. The team has a lot of flexibility and money that they can foreseeably open up or free up off the books if they're not getting the performance that they're trying to pay for. Diego says there was a lot better balance today, but we still need to clean up the penalties and run it more. P.S. Let Gino sprinkle the cupcakes, not freely cook. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, man. Well said, Diego. And yeah, it's a step in the right direction on the play calling front today. So it still could get a little bit better, but it is definitely a step in the right direction. Ton, Fom, why didn't we address our O-line needs in the trade deadline? Because offensive line is one of the more valued positions in the entire NFL, and there are not teams out there that are offering good offensive line assets up at the trade deadline or even in the offseason. It's hard to get yourself a good offensive lineman. So there just wasn't the available trade out there to be had. Uh, 
Lord Boom says, can't cut digs. Nino Brown, we should keep and let him play out his years here. Jamal, well, I'm a fan. I always have. But if he continues to play the way he is, I would be down to trade. I don't know if there's going to be a big trade market for Jamal. It comes down to either post-June 1st designation or letting him ride with the team, I think. Um, and we'll see on digs. It is a lot of money you can save. And, and we got to keep in mind with this that we are currently allotted to only have $7 million of cap space as it stands right now. So when we think about like what we're going to have to do this offseason, we're not just going to be able to stand pad and be like, well, we'll just do sit with what we got and then we'll just add on to what we got. We're going to have to make some cuts in certain parts in certain places. And we might have to make some major cuts in certain parts in certain places. So it, it might include both of our safeties back there. Um, I'm not saying it will, but it's, I think it's, everything's on the table in that as a possibility. Black Sacks, Dibs, uh, flipping Flapjacks, Diggs is just out there. I haven't seen any impact play from him. I think when he gets replaced, we'll get better. I'm, I'm not seeing a, a ton from him as well. I know he's keeping things cleaned up over the top and his PFF grades have been relatively decent this year overall, but you are spending a lot of money at that safety position and you want to try to kind of, where do we, how do we feel the impact of that investment into that position? DVD forever, Brandon Cousins, Russell comparison spot on. Thank you, DVD. Appreciate that, man. It's been a going theory for me for quite a bit of time and watching Russ and paying attention to these older elder quarterbacks as they grow, watching the Breezes, the Bradys, the Mannings, the Romos as they get into that 32, 33 years of age. They played for 10 years and seeing how their mental aptitude expands on the football field with it. DVD Forever David Wyman was drooling over Zach last week after he said downhill violence. He does have downhill violence. He brings it, man. That guy is arrives with an attitude. Snap out of it. Russell also got distracted at the end. He did. He did. I, I, part of it, I think, is too many irons in the fire with Russ. It's not that he doesn't have the mental uh, uh, aptitude to be able to increase the neck up stuff. He absolutely does. It was more of a commitment issue. And it wasn't a commitment issue because he doesn't have a good work ethic. It was a commitment issue, I think, because he probably got too, too much with his attention splayed in too many different directions and you just couldn't put in the time and effort that you need to put in. You know, you want to be with the best of the best as a quarterback in the NFL. It's already a position you got to work hard at. Now you got to work extra hard at it to be beyond that. And hard to do that when you've got, you know, this foundation here and we're jet setting throughout the off season across the world. And I've got this commercial here. I want to, and then we'll go over here and do this over there. And, you know, as uh, Sean Payton said this off season, you know, can you just quit kissing so many babies? You're not a politician. Mick Arley, I'd like to Drew Locke to have a starting game. You're not alone, Mick. A lot of folks feel that way as well. Kelly, the fact that we had zero turnovers today was huge. It was a lot cleaner game and it was good to see. Not even any real close turnovers, right? Kelly. A clean game and a fully clean game in the way that they played it. Kelly says, Jamal was getting in people's faces. He doesn't usually do that. And he did again during, possibly before the half. It was hard to see. He's definitely, definitely letting them know. Yeah, he was feisty out there. I like feisty. At least they care, right? That part's good. Raj Hill says we should work on the run game. Winter is coming. Nothing helps going through a winter environment than having a good ground game you can call upon. That's for sure. Flippin says, eh, I just think the way Earl Thomas played safety was the way. Laser beam of destructions. Diggs is in self-preservation mode. I think that's fair. It's fair. Radu, I hope we don't get Penix like the skills, but the age and injury prone is a no for me. Yeah, I like Penix as well, but I can't, 
I can't sign off on a Penix to Seattle because you're not putting the conditions in front of Penix that's going to allow him to be what he needs to be. Penix can be a really good quarterback in the NFL, but there's going to be one large requirement upon that. And that is that you have an offense that's going to be preset to get the ball out of his hand quickly and that you're going to have an offensive line that's going to keep him clean. And if you don't have those two parameters in place, you shouldn't draft him. And we don't have those two parameters in place, so I am i don't think we should draft him. Dig to the Hawks. Brandon, thanks for the post stream. Looking forward to the next B&G. B&B, you mean? I got to crash 12s. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, man. We'll be hitting it back on Tuesday. Got a couple shows coming behind enemy lines in the B&B show. B&B show. I watched Rufus Porter was a savage on teams his rookie year. He got sacks. Rufus was great too. Rufus was great too. He was, he was, he was, uh, for stats. So in his rookie year, they got him selected to the Pro Bowl in his rookie year, but they don't have him giving any credits for any sacks. I don't know why that is. He must have had some. But Rubens was pretty cool too. Second year, 10 and a half sacks. He was a good one. He was a good one. Uh, Thaddeus Sexton, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you for that. Thaddeus, would you trade out of the first round, get a second and more picks and take a nose tackle like Tevandre Sweat for the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I would, if, if I had a guy like Cooper Bebe sitting there, you know, my first round pick at wherever we're sitting at the end of the first round, um, doing that or trading back for more picks, I would prefer to go get a Bebe who I, you know, you, you far away can take the best left guard in this draft uh, at that point where you're picking in the first round to get that kind of value at that stage of things for what also is a dire need on the team. Accomplishing all that would outweigh for me moving back in the in the draft. But if they took that supposition and moved back in the draft and got a Tavondre sweat and picked up the extra picks, I'd be perfectly fine with John taking that approach here. I'm, I'm much finer with taking that approach than moving up. I don't think that there's any players in this draft that I would look to package picks to move up for in a first round in this given draft. So much more would like to Thaddeus go in the opposite direction of that. Um, Tevondre Swift's all right for me. I, I don't know if I'll be as high on him as other folks. I love that he's developed his pass rush into place. He's a very large human being out there um, and a good player at that. I wouldn't hate the pick. I don't think I'm as sold on him quite, I think, as others are quite at the moment in my outlook of him. But he's had a fantastic year, one of the highest graded um, defensive tackles by PFF out there in college football. And uh, absolute monster in the ground game. No doubt about that. You're not running into Andre Sweat. You're not double teaming him or getting him pushed out of the play. But uh, <clears throat> I'm kind of, a, either way, okay, whichever way they want to go with that, Thaddeus. You know, surf or ski on that one. But if they just want to hunker down and just take the best guy on their board at that point, especially a guy like Cooper, where if you're talking about trading back in the second round, um, you're picking up future picks maybe to move back, like a future next year's pick. Now you don't have another second round pick maybe, or you just have that Devondre Sweat pick. And now you don't have a way of dealing with the guard position until you get to the third round. And you know one of those third rounder picks is probably going to be a quarterback. I think that there, the more I talk this through, the more Thaddeus I would lean towards take that great guard you can go grab in this draft at that point in this, where you'll be picking. You know, Take the Cooper Bebe, take the Graham Barton, take the Tony Fontanoa uh, from University of Washington, invest in that offensive line. Uh, and, and invest with a quality pick. 
But either way they want to go, I'm not going to poo-poo on this. I'm not going to be like a hardliner that this is what they need to do. They don't do this. This is dumb. You know, I won't be like that with it. But either way, I'm good with it. Uh, Jeffrey, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, not a fan of the danger witch. It's dangerous. Oh, that is dangerous. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to try the danger witch. Kind of sad about that. I was going to give it a shot. And I hate Subway now. I don't even know if what they make is real food at this point. I'm, I'm kind of convinced it's half cardboard. James says, we, need, we may lose both safeties next year with the money they're making. They may. Mr. Gain, you didn't miss nothing. You didn't miss nothing. Tyler Jackson, my pro cop for Jaden Daniels, at least from the game I managed to watch, looked like Lamar Jackson. So I can see some shades of Lamar to his game. Some of the stop, start, suddenness to what he does, which is right out of Lamar's book. Uh, he's got a little more of a free and easy throwing motion than Lamar. Lamar always looks like he's kind of fighting himself on his throws. <laughs> Seems like it comes out a little more free and easy, a little more, more of the spirals coming out of his hands at times than some of the ducks you might get from uh, Lamar from time to time. Do you need two more years Arch Manning's available? Let's see how he looks too. That's right. Arch on deck. Tan fam, I'm tired of all the tackles too, man. Missed tackles as well. Yeah, Brooks was missing tackles. Adams had a couple misses. Good. UD, can you imagine if KC makes it again this year? T Swift will be shown more than any scoring replay. Yeah, I'm already Taylor Swift. I didn't, wasn't even a fan of Taylor Swift, and I'm completely wore out on that one. Nicholas says, I can't. Uh, Walker also ran backwards a couple times. Sorry, I can't get behind that ballerina BS. Give me Charbonnet. <laughs> Give me getting, nothing but business. <laughs> no dancing here. Uh, yeah, I do agree, Gene. There's a lot of times, I don't think, I don't see Walker in a lot of times when he's bouncing outside where there is an available yard inside. It's It, it seems to me like it is forced. Like he's got to do it. Jimmy Cruz, I agree. Shane Waldron doesn't want to run much. I wonder if he's tired of telling everyone telling him to run more. He's trying to prove we have passing. We do have to keep uh, the mind. DK makes a lot of money. Yeah, I don't mind them too, Jamie, looking at where they want to throw more than they run. Just that they do find a commitment level to the ground game, which has been missing in the past couple of weeks at times, where you just bail a whole wholesale off of it, um, surprisingly so. And I, I think the team can be driven by the passing offense for sure. And I think there's even an idealized approach by Waldron. And that's the way he wants to run it to your point. But uh, it's just finding some of that semblance of balance out there a little bit. Holy angry did you have yourself a great night, man. Thank you for checking out, hanging in. New DJ and Hyatt's being wasted. What if we get him on a trade demand? I don't, we don't, do we need a receiver at this point, DVD? I think we're, I think we're pretty good stocked up on wide receivers. I think we're pretty, pretty locked up. Brian A. Wilson B., what's up? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Jamal's got to go. The dude just not cutting it. Huge whiffs and big plays that follow. Just done. I get it, man. Um, he's definitely not looked at his best here in the last couple of weeks. 
and you're paying them this kind of money, it's valid to approach, valid to ask, you know, look, we put a lot of money into you. We've been waiting for you to get back to health. You can't stay healthy. Now you're out here and you're not giving us a high level of play or anything approaching that either on the other side of it. Uh, criticism is justified at that point. Deviant Hawks nest, if it makes, me, makes him feel better, we lost five or six games after being six and three. We got killed the second half and the gauntlet we faced last year was easier than this year. Still plenty of ball left. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point by DVN there, Tony. We might end up joining you guys yet at the final record when it's all said and done. You never know. <laughs> Brian E says, I saw more pre-snap motion, but not a lot across the formation. More motion from H-back position to strong side and a bunch of our three wide receiver sets. Yeah, there's a little bit of post-snap motion on some of the plays. They worked in a lot better than they did last week, but it still wasn't necessarily a common element to what they were doing. Prop versus Chase Young seems to have unlocked our defense. Yeah. I think it, it certainly absolutely helps you guys. you got two vibrant guys coming off the edge, and that was something that was, was missing. Um, and you can see the Niners kind of seek it out, especially with how much double teams Bosa pulls to his side. Chase is going to get a lot of one-on-one -on -one opportunities, and he's going to get a lot of quarterback hits and sacks with that on that side. It's a tough defense to play, man. Very complete defense, rugged as hell, fast, physical. Not a lot of weaknesses to be found, if any. Rome Dubsetta, what's up, man? One uh, thing I do trust about these Niners is they show up for rivalry games. They played the Cowboys like it was Super Bowl. I expect the same against the Hawks. I did too, especially on Thanksgiving night proper on, on national TV. I bet both those teams, it's going to be a bit of a bloodbath game. I'd say. I watch Yes Disley by far a blessed boy, but at a price, he's just not worth it. Yeah, I don't know if Disley's as much on the cutting block as some of the other players we're talking about here. Um, you can save money from him. You could move off from him theoretically, but the other thing to consider here is that Fant and Parkinson are both free agents. So, you know, Disley may be the guy that just remains because you want to have some kind of point of steadying there as you're probably not planning on retaining those other guys or bringing them back. And as some are hyped up on Colby Parkinson, he has yet to really show you what people are kind of hyping up in him to be. You know, I like Colby, but... He is going to kind of arrive at he is what he is at one point or another here in this discussion. Um, whereas Disley does provide you an upper level blocker. It's expensive as hell. You would maybe ideally not like to be paying that kind of money on him, but this decision might go a little bit beyond just purely whether Disley's worth it or not. And also the consideration of what you're going to do at the position. If you do move on from Disley, what's the direction you're looking to go? Uh, Jimmy Cruz says, I mean, I agree, man. Gino looked great towards the end, but he hesitated a lot. Uh, if you see these young quarterbacks are just slinging it quick, just this new generations of quarterbacks, very quick reads. Amen, man. And uh, it was an up and down day, down, down day for Geno. Jamie, I'll say that. Overall, I think he, he capped it off right. He got the game-winning drive. 369 yards passing, 103 rating. You know, your day is what it is at the end of the day, and it's a good day. But was against a bad defense. There was a lot of this game that there was some struggles from Geno in here. Can't really put it on other things like we could in weeks past, like the offensive line or a poor running game or an unimaginative offensive attack from Wolverine. Nope. Those things were in play today, I would say. Very much they were in play.
Um, I watch in Zach Wilson in, on a rookie contract. Gino's on a $35 million contract. He shouldn't be compared. He should be compared to Cousins, Goff, Stafford, et cetera. Uh, I don't know if I feel that way on that why watch. Um, first off, um, the cap hit on Zach Wilson this year is $10 million, and that's going up into the future. So the cap hit between Geno Smith and Zach Wilson this year is exactly the same. So if we're just taking this year, and we don't know if Geno's going to be on the books next year. If not, we don't know where the escalators will kick in on Geno or not. It looks like he'll be about $32 million um, where he's standing when this is all said and done. Zach goes up to almost 11. He goes up to $11 million next year. So Zach Wilson isn't cheap by any respect on this Saint on this Jets team. When you talk about the money that we're looking at, uh, let's say Cousins making, Cousins is going to make $60 million this offseason. 55, 60 on a new contract. Stafford's about to sign a new contract. He's going to probably sign it for 50, 55 million. Um, Stafford just signed a new contract for 55 million. So I don't know how where you, you go to Gino at 35 million, which Gino's not set right now. He's going to be set to make about 32 million. So how would we hold Gino to the same standard of a Goff, Cousins, and Stafford if he's going to end up making half of what those guys make? I, I think that that's not... I don't know if that fits for me as well on that one I watch. And this year right now, there's a million dollars difference between what each of them are costing on the cap. It's not really about necessarily what an average year per deal is being made on a contract. It's what the deal costs over the couple of years of the contract. What is it on a yearly basis? You know, because there's a lot of funny numbers that can be put on the back of an end of a contract to kind of push it up. But even this doesn't have any funny numbers to even push it up past it being half of what those top end guys are going to make. And uh, certainly he's giving you more than half the performance of those players in what he's producing from. 17th highest paid quarterback in the sport this year, Geno Smith. That's where he's at. Where Boom says, seriously, Proskett and Lamb are the only two players in that Cowboys offense worth a damn. I think they have big problems with our three-headed monster, Brown, Spoon, and Reek. We win a close one. I like it, Lord. I'm, I'm going to make the same prediction on that one. I'm going to call the same thing. Let's get it done. Jamie, come on, guys. We got this. We're 6-3, and three, and we just fired the offensive coordinator, hire a new one. Uh, I did say that aloud. I'm not a part of that tribe yet, but you can tell that the D is questioning. Yeah, uh, maybe. Defense has got to answer for their own questions on their side of things here the past couple of weeks. I do think Dallas has some other things that are good. Ferguson's, as I watched, has been pretty good. They've got an align with a couple of parts on it that are pretty decent. They're not stacked as they've been in the past. Mark Silveris has just woke up. Good news this morning. Good news indeed, man. Isaac Wesley, hey B, once again, I saw a few plays like last games, caught the final drive. Gino's numbers look sharp. Defense kept, kept us on. Team win today, Isaac. Everybody did their part when you needed to do their part, including Gino at the end. Good game. Good win. Team's in a position here to make some noise if they can get the, the last bits of this team together to get it to really round into shape. Round into contender status. 
Gabriel, I remember getting very aggravated when I found out Russ had a podcast in 2020. I thought in my head, OS, MVP campaign over, focus on football. Nobody is dying to hear Russ's thoughts and views. Yeah, he just, he got too, too much stuff. You know, and Russell does this whole thing of I only need four hours a night to sleep, which science has told us is not the case. There is no superheroes out there that go out and have four hours of sleep and operate at the same efficiency of a normal human being. It's one of those things where there's diminishing returns for trying to get that efficient with your life. But, you know, you're be a husband, you're be a father, you're going to do this, you're going to go do that, you're going to go jet set, you're going to do a podcast, you're going to do commercials, you're going to do the foundation, you're going to set this thing up over here, you're going to post football career over here. Let's go. It becomes too much. Considering again that to be a great quarterback in this sport, look at the look at Tom Brady through the years. He took some of the advertising deals out there and everything else, but he was locked in on being a quarterback and being the best quarterback he could. He understood this is hard enough to keep this greatness up to this line. I've got to be on my P's and Q's to make it happen. You know, and he was militant in his outlook of his training and his preparation in that way. That's part of the reason Tom Brady's game grew through his late early 30s. That's why he got to that doctorate level of his play. Um, but that's what it takes as well. You can't do this. I can do everything everywhere. I'm just so great. My stuff doesn't stink. I'm just so awesome. I can just walk on the field and just, I float on high above everybody else. No, it doesn't work that way. Isaac says, if we can build on it and keep pushing to something positive, one game at a time, go Hawks. One game at a time, man. That's right, Isaac. We're building up here. It's a process. And we're not to our final form yet. We're still that caterpillar in the cocoon. Butterfly wings are growing now. James says, Russell Superman, he may be down with Jay-Z and win a Super Bowl. James says, I, I guarantee you Drew Locke starts next year unless Gino wins a Super Bowl or Snyder pulls off some amazing quarterback draft or trade for a young quarterback looking for a second chance to compete with Drew Locke. It's possible. It's possible, Jamie. Marco says, fell asleep during the game last night. Remember, I wrote from Italy. I do. So Gino was strong enough to win against a game in the last seconds. Are we sure he's a problem? Go Hawks. I'm not sure he's a problem. He's got to play better. He didn't play thoroughly consistent throughout this game. He hasn't played thoroughly consistently throughout this year. But um, at the end of the day, 369, game-winning drive. Did enough to get it done. Drew Branley says, the offensive line is the biggest problem with this team. Definitely a strong argument to be made for that. Tan, I don't know. Drew Locke gets a lot of love, Tan. He gets a lot of love out there. I watch his uh, love to Vondre Sweat, 350-pound dancing bear, but yes, baby from Kansas State before him. Solid OG, second round, after trading back, of course. You might have to go to the first round with him what he's done the past couple of years, but uh, if it was that we could trade back and pick him up, I'm with that too, I watch. Part of that's going to be on the assessment of the general manager knowing where this particular player is going to fall in this draft. And guard's a tough position to predict. Sometimes the top guard can fall, can be pulled in that first round at the end of the first round. Sometimes they dip into the top of the second round. But usually the top of the second round tends to be their ceiling for as far as they're going to drop. I watched Cedric Van Pran. I'd be okay with him too, I watch. He's got, a, to me, a very similar grade at the center position to what you got at Bay Bay. It's just, for me, an investment in the offensive line first and foremost that I'd like to see. Boomi says, inconsistency is going to be our downfall. Seahawks are too inconsistent. I get it. Brian O, thank you for the $5 donation, Brian O. Nothing on your chat uh, mentioned in there, just the donation, but uh, thank you for that. Don't know. I appreciate you for that. You know, I guess the Subway is horrible. I won't eat it. I, I eat McDee's. I won't eat any fast food no more. 
That stuff is half, I don't even know if it's real food anymore. Jersey Mike's Kahuna Steak and Cheese I watch. I might have to try that. That sounds good. Sounds real good. Wolverines, we should draft quarterback every year until we find someone that, that was a mistake. We should uh, be trying to find some. Schneider said he'd love to draft one every year. To your point on that, Wolverines. I do think this year will at least be the start of a year where you draft. I don't know if they'll continue in the future, but... We'll see. Mike Skinner, the real question, does Russ make the Ring of Honor? Probably brings the Ring of Honor. I don't know if he gets his jersey retired, but does probably make the Ring of Honor. Have a good night, DVD. Appreciate you, man. Sleep well. Do you not get no Russ will make Ring of Honor? Too much bad blood? <laughs> Hashtag Swifties. Uh, TC, TT Fly, would Russ even want that now? Sure, it'd help his legacy out. And we know Russ likes to have his legacy helped. D-Nugget Howell was pretty sneaky good in this game. He played good. Tyler says, funny enough, Sam Howell, I had a second round grade last year. I don't know why he didn't get drafted until the fifth round. Two big reasons that held him back that were outside of his control, Tyler. He lost all of his playmakers to the draft the previous year. Two running backs, two receivers. He also lost his coach. New coach came in in his final year and had him running the offense like he was Tim Tebow rather than more of the you know downfield passer that he was in the prior year. And teams really knocked him for that. Oddly, especially considering how much he's shown himself to be a pretty good player here since he's gone out and been asked to play. Uh, so Val Ramos says a win, a win, a win is a win. That's my opinion. I love it, Val. I'm the same way, man. There ain't no style points in this league. DVD forever, but it's Jalen Hyatt and Lockett is getting up there in age, but also we could have four instead of three. No offense to Bobo. EK though. I mean, I guess it's possible. I don't think the Giants are looking to move on a guy from one year after, especially with him at times getting open and it being inability to pass protection, inability of quarterbacks to get him the ball. I, I think that they would look at like, man, we're selling low on an asset that might have some high-end value to it that we just didn't get the most out of. I'm not a big Hyatt guy though either. I, I did see him as a guy that was like that Ravens big play wide receiver that they had during their Super Bowl era where it's like he basically runs nine routes. And that's all he kind of does. And I don't think that that's a very wide skill set, you know, to be brought to bear. James Gordon says Russell Beck was cheated out of a Super Bowl win. Russell just throws him away. Oh, shots fired, James. A Lord Boom. Brandon, I know we had a lot of missed tacos. I'm going to call it tacos, but I know you mean tackles in this game. But how about Bobby Wagner throwing that offensive lineman through the hole to knock back the running back laughing out loud? Hall of Fame highlight. I'm going to get it up on my channel for sure, Lord Boom, when I get to the L22. It was a play not many people noticed that I did as well, where you had the running back who saw a hole, kicked up his gear to get it into full speed. Bobby sees him processing through and kicking it up to full speed. And Bobby is locked up with the blocker and Bobby throws the blocker at him, knocks the guy off of his feet to a complete standstill and shock the hell out of the running back. He's sort of on his butt looking up like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> but yeah, it was awesome of Bobby on that play, throwing him into the blocker. That was, that was tremendous. I saw it as well. 
I watch this point. We don't uh, throw the tight ends anyway. Pointless to spend money there unless we start using them. I'm with that. I'm, I'm okay with keeping Disley at his contract and then going cheap with the other two. Um, but I'm, I do like Disley with what he brings, at least as a blocker and as a, as a proficient pass catcher. I know it's a little bit of money there at that point, but there's some other guys I think you can cut out to clear space that would have better beneficial effect on the team overall to, to go that route with it. James uh, Gordon says, what's Aaron getting? Uh, Aaron next year is on the hook for, well, he's only got a $17 million cap hit, but he'd have a $66 million dead money hit. So some of that's about the long-term future of they're going to be paying Aaron for some years there, kind of no matter what. Benelli says, Dan B, going hard, I see. You know how I do, man. You know how I do what I do. WTC says, how many sacks will Boye Mafe get this year? I was probably not going to keep up a sack a game uh, approach. We'll go with 14 sacks on the year for Boye Mafe. My bull prediction. Uh, Brian O says, I wouldn't take the four hours of sleep a night. Seriously, DK also said he only eats Skittles. Like, obviously, it's not that case. You're great, Brian. It could be just adding sort of something they say to add to the mystique of things. It was always something that drove me crazy when Russ would brag about it and like lean on that with like it was a good thing. You're going, you need your sleep. Everybody would, anybody that's a doctor or any person that's an understanding of the science of the body understands that sleep is a requirement. You can't short circuit it. You can't shortcut it. You've got to get your sleep. And to think that you're going to be at your maximum without doing that over years and years and years of time, that always kind of blew me away that he would talk like that. But it makes sense, like you say, Brian. I remember Griffey used to do the same thing where like Griffey's whole thing was he never lifted weights. But then you would, they, I remember they talked to the trainer. It's like, no, he's lifting the weights at home. He's working on the exercise at home. He just wants the mystique of like he doesn't even work out. He's just such a freak, you know, getting in the heads of the opponents kind of thing. Well, the King, Geno's INTs have been mostly... Uh, about wide receiver quarterback not being on the same page than bad throws. That can definitely improve. There's been a few of those, that's for sure. Long live the king, yeah. Quite a few this year of his picks. Val Ramos, what's your name? My name is Brandon. Brandon Kane. You're all good. No, Val, you're good. We got we had some Niner fans. We got Kelvin. We got a few Niner fans coming to chat tonight. So all welcome here, brother. All welcome here, man. It's good, honest discussion. We don't have to have just Hawk fans in here. James, I've had plenty of hate for Brady when we lost the Super Bowl of Patriots. I'll let it slide now. Dara, three dumb mistakes by Gino, but no turnover. Can the team keep it up on offense and defense? Need to clean up the tackling. Well, Dara, if it's the questions comes down to your question, I think just add on to your question a little bit. Can the team keep it up if they want to be a contending team? No. They can't be this level of inconsistent if we're going to go out there and compete with the likes of the Eagles, the Niners, and the Cowboys in this conference. Can we be a playoff team? Have they shown themselves to be good enough to be that? Yes. 
But to get to the contending status, consistency, consistency on defense, consistency from Geno Smith, consistency in the way you play, you call your games on the offensive side of the ball with Waldron, consistency in your commitment to run, and then how well you run the ball. We've got to get these things figured out and figured out fast if we want to reach into that state of things this year. The long-term future looks bright. The long-term future looks great on this team. But in the, in the, the micro, in the, in the moment of this year and looking at the here and the now, certainly there's a lot of things still left to clean up to get to that state of things. Johnny uh, Pedrosa says, Brady had to deflate his balls because he got old. Yeah, you know, it's, he's got to take, take off a little bit on that elbow, man. The elbow got dodgy with those fully inflated balls, you know. S. Wolverine, love had a hell of a hit on special teams. There was a couple of big hits today. Ballore got a hit. Uh, Jarek Reed got a hit. There's a couple, couple dogged hits out there. It was cool to see. Noob Noob, what's going on with Diggs? That was a huge win. Washington has beat us home the last four games. Do you ever go to a game with a YouTuber named 247Seahawks? Did you ever go to a game with a YouTuber named 247Seahawks? Uh, I never went to a game with a YouTuber named 247Seahawks. Um, not that I'm aware of. Um, but, but, but that was a huge win. Um, Washington beat us at home the last four games. That's a cool little fact, Noob. And that's right. They have beat us at home the last four games, strangely enough. Uh, including, a, including a Kirk Cousins-led team back about seven years ago. Uh, I don't know what Diggs. I don't know what to really fully kind of make of Diggs' season in the grand scheme of things. The, the hard part about this becomes that the Seahawks defense in so many ways does fit to what it's done from historical norms. And what I mean by that is that you are running the soft zone coverages. You're running the, the, the free safety as a single high safety oftentimes, and he's running to depth. His PFF scores have been about 58 this year so far, so he's not been well graded. PFF doesn't tend to give him a lot of good grades. I think PFF just kind of has a hole in grading single high safety play because it's harder to measure their impact on the field when so much of what they're doing is just protecting against the deep ball. But he's not jumping a lot of routes. He's not being instinctive out there. He's not doing a lot to make you feel his impact for what you're paying him. And it is a little bit, as I said at the time, in paying digs. The Hawks did right by digs. His foot went sideways in the final game of the season, and he's entering into free agency. I don't think there was anybody else offering the kind of contract that we were offering him. But I think it was a kind of a, a do-right move by Quandre, who's been a good soldier for you. It was a, a move to indicate the locker room of commitment. Um, doesn't mean that it was a smart or good move, just that that was a lot of what drove that more than, I think, the performance into the future of what you thought you were going to get from him coming off of that major injury, heading into his 30s as a player. But um, it has been a little bit rough of a road here from Quandre. I thought he was going to be a lot better this year with so much surrounding talent around him to be able to have some moments where he could you know, pull the trigger, jump surrounds like he did even last year. Not seeing any of that coming to the forefront, though. And Tan Fan, yeah, we got a good deal on, on the Geno deal. He gave us a, a very good contract, especially with the fact that so much of it is performance-laden. Tyler Jackson says, probably didn't, have, probably didn't help Sam Hell comparison by most people was unironically Baker Mayfield, who just came out of a bad year on the Browns prior to the 2022 draft. 
it's true. This stuff can kind of affect you if that's your comp and people go, well, if this guy failed at the same skill set, then why won't you too? Um, strangely enough, I like Sam Hell better than Baker though. I really do. I think he's got a stronger arm. I think he's got better mobility. Mason Dale, I think a lot of the Swift-Kelsey phenomenon has to be due with the colliding of polar opposite worlds, kind of like the buzz that came from Barbie Oppenheimer double feature. Yes, that's right. I think that's probably true. It's kind of a, captures the imagination a little bit. Boy, have they beat it to death. Captain Kelly, welcome to the Hawks Nest as a Pro Bowl member. Thank you for becoming a member of the channel and welcome on aboard. I'll be getting the PFF scores out to the members of the channel tomorrow morning and uh, we'll be doing a members only stream as well on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you to you too, Val. Appreciate you jumping in as a Niners fan and checking it on out in here. I'm looking forward to that matchup in a couple weeks. Looking forward. Megan says, we are 12s. Hear us roar, hear us roar, Megan. Let's go. Uh, and have a good night, Megan. Appreciate you. We will uh, we will be going ahead and kind of putting a bit of a wrap up here on the show here as we get closing in on four hours. So we'll kind of probably start to put a bit of a button here on the show. Go over and start working on my uh, post-game reaction breakdown on the game a bit. Tyler says, who says we can't who says we can't trade into the second round or trade back? Anything's possible, Tyler. And the team's got a lot of ammunition and to make moves. They've shown a willingness in the past to move out of the first round back to the second round. You could package the two third round picks to get back up into the second round. We saw that the cost this last year, last couple of years to move up into the draft hasn't been quite as exorbitant as it's been in other prior recent years. It's a little bit more economically feasible. You don't give up quite as much to move up in cases like you would have in the past. They can pull that off if they want to make that move. If there's a guy that they really lock in on. You know? Tyler says, my issue with Penix is his consistency sometimes plays super good. Other times he just doesn't do anything. I trace a little bit of that inconsistency myself, Tyler, to the the playing with pressure. And and sometimes when he's he's given such a clean pocket by the Huskies so often over the past couple of years, he excels in those moments. But when the pocket becomes dodgy and the protection doesn't hold up it quite as well, the decision-making gets a little bit dodgier with it. Um, and that inconsistency then starts to prop up a bit. But um, I like Penix. I just think that he's quarterback, rookie quarterbacks already. It's very important the kind of environment you put him into. Look at the uh, you know Colts this year with Richardson. You know you put him out there and he feels like he's got to scramble around every game to win you the games rather than giving him a line where he could just sit back there, develop and go through reads and not be flush from the pocket more often than not. You know how you set the quarterback up for success is so very important and giving him the line is very important. But this is the quarterback that will be the quintessential to me, example of that, where if he's given a real top-notch line and some, sp- and some skill, pl- skill position players to throw to the outside, he can be dynamic and dynamic from day one. Put him behind a failing offensive line with miserable options on the outside, and he'll look like a guy that shouldn't have ever been drafted in the first round. There's a, a huge fluctuation there on Penix, but I think so much of it is going to be based upon what he's put into, how, the, how he's set up for success or set up for failure. Dara C says, Gino and Penix are the same type of player. I think they do have a very similar skill set. Um, I think that there's some, 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 some very good comparisons between the two. Mobility, um, arm talent-wise, making ability to make all the throws. I do think Gino's got a little bit of a better ability to sustain and handle hits and pressure and that type of stuff. I don't have those questions with Gino like I have with Penix. I think if Penix got blasted about like Gino did through the early part of this year, I don't think he remains upright. 
And again, I think the Huskies have done a good job of really protecting Michael Penix in the program with how they've set up the offense and how they have pass protected. But they're much more compar- they're much more comparable, Dara, than they are different in their skill set. Even though Penix does have that weird left-handed sidearm delivery thing that he does versus Gina, who's a clean over-the-top righty. James says, Gino better improve soon or he'll be making dangerous subs soon. <laughs> Val, Bo Nix, I think is a real option for us. I think it's a real option even for you guys in, in the first round. So uh, I think both of our teams are going to be looking very closely at that guy. I mean, Nix is exactly the perfect kind of quarterback to me for uh, Shanahan as a backup guy to, to uh, Purdy. Um, being a guy you call upon, got the the mobility, has shown that if you you know pre-set up your offense in a way to tell him this is where the read's going if you see this, this is where the read's going if you see that, he can execute that. Maybe he doesn't have some of the improvisation, but absolutely can execute an offense on time. Uh, Marcus B28 says, Brandon, Got to push back on the sleep opinion. I'm a third generation insomniac on my mom's side. The last four years with my work schedule, I only slept three hours twice per week. The other days were four hours of sleep twice a month. I did get eight hours of sleep, fully functional, and the average daily amount of caffeine. There are those, there are those outliers, I will say. Maybe Russ is that outlier on it. It, it is mind-blowing for us that do need our sleep, Marcus. You know, I get eight hours, I'm cooking. I'm at six hours and I don't know where my brain is at. It feels like it's fallen out of my ears sometimes. And like just the tiredness hangs over me and I can just feel it like a, a fog over the top. And to think that you do that for days on end, but I'll, I will allow, I mean, allow, but I mean, we'll acknowledge like my grandpa was that way. He was renowned for just barely being able to sleep through the night. And there are those certain kind of people that are that way, but it also does factor in too, Marcus, to not just the mental stuff, but the body recovery. I don't know. I don't, it just, man, they, everything the science says is you got to get to sleep as an athlete, especially athletes. The body needs it for the recovery, you know, but you're right. I should acknowledge there is those, those folks like yourself that are able to just, my goodness, I don't know how you guys can do it, but it's just a natural wiring too. I'm sure it's been that way for your, most of your life with it. At least it was that way for my grandpa too. Chad says Myers is the MVP. Maybe so, Chad. Him or Dixon, right? Which one is it? <laughs> is it the punter or the kicker? Darcy says Nick's played for like 20 different schools. 54 started games, Dara. I remember we had Russ started for a couple of, uh, Russ was an older prospect. Russ started for a couple of uh, different programs before he came to Seattle. It is true. But uh, he's gotten better and better and better. Man's got like a 75% completion percentage on the year. He's playing phenomenal football. Might very well end up having that Oregon team in the playoffs when they end up matching up potentially with the Huskies down the road in the conference championship. Drunk says, why didn't we, why did we get beat with a check down screen, second chance play to Brian Robinson all game? Why do we struggle against mobile quarterbacks? I don't know, Drunk. Uh, you, would, you would say at a time where you, you know, blitz a, blitz a mobile quarterback, he gets free. There's a lot of open space for him to go operate. You don't blitz a whole hell of a lot. Um, you throw to a check down on a running back drunk, right? You think, okay, we brought a six-man blitz. They hit the check down running back out in the flat, and he ran it for 80 yards. Okay, well, you could explain it by a blitz. We're not doing those things. You're, you're dropping your guys into coverage. You're dropping your guys into coverage with depth. You're dropping your linebackers into coverage so that there's 
that there's not guys staying stuck to guys or closing down those passing windows like that, I don't know. I, I usually have a good answer on this one, but I just don't understand or get it. I could if the blitz part of it was brought into play. And it's been why at times I've banged so hard on the willingness to blitz. You're going to get beat on this stuff already, running your soft four-man fronts and your soft coverages on the back end, which are supposed to prevent the very thing that is then occurring. What is the point of running that, very, that style of defense? I have banged this drum years on end now. And the answer still seems to be we're going to keep doing the same thing. And uh, I'm flummoxed by it. I don't have answers to it. It's weird. Wolverine says he looks small. Penix in a weird delivery. Very weird delivery. I think he's good size. I think he's got a good 6'3 build on him. He's got enough there with it. But the delivery is a little weird. Comes out like this sometimes when he's throwing. You watch him on the tape and you pause it. And the ball will be like, I'm a lefty. It's like he's throwing like that. (laughs) <laughs> look at the cat. The cat thinks I'm trying to do something with her. But so it can look a little bit strange coming out of his hand. I'll give you that. Wolverine says, uh, that's how I'm sleeping with exactly the same hours. I'm a machine. Six hours, I'm sluggish. Yeah. I mean, that's where it blows me away when people go, I can I can, don't need that. I'm like, man, I I can tell the difference. And the whole thing when you're on there, like, as you get older, you'll need less sleep. No, I don't. Eight hours, I need every night. And there's you can just tell the difference. But I, I got to acknowledge, I mean, Marcus is right. I've met a few people that have been able to do it, you know. And it's like you guys get a whole extra life because you don't have to sleep. It's like you get a whole extra like 10 years on your life and doing stuff. Proper says, why didn't Pete Carroll run the ball? You mean on the proper, do you mean on the touchdown? You mean on the, the Super Bowl in 2014? I watched Didn't Bo Nix play at Auburn like five years. Yeah, he's setting a college record with 54 starts. Most college starts due to that whole COVID season than uh, NFL hit in uh, college history, I believe. I watched his man. I really wanted Richardson last year. Happy with Spoon, though. Kid is an animal. Me too. And me too, man. I watch it. I think if Stroud or Richardson slid down to our native pick, we would have jumped on him and we wouldn't have waited but one minute into our uh, pick status to go out there and run up to the podium and grab him. I don't think there would have been any hesitancy on those two guys at all. Tyler says, hope we can get Kyle Pitts in the offseason for Atlanta if we can't keep Nola Fan. Sign me up to that, making that deal. I'm with that. Val says, Nick is an Oregon guy and Seahawks don't want him now. Want him? Wow. I don't know. Maybe they would. Oregon's kind of in our zone here, Val. Technically within the Seattle area, basically, as far as the fandom area goes. Snap out of it. I love sleep. I love sleep too. I love getting my eight hours. I don't like being one of those guys like, I just just feel like I'm wasting time. And I'll sleep and I got two cats that nestle all up on me on either side, right? They nestle right in on. It's like winter now. So it's a little bit of a chill in the air, but then you got the warm cats. You're sleeping in the bed. It's like, get, get out of here. It's too good. Tyler says, yeah, the cap's going to change. So who knows how much cap we have to play with next year? Probably going to increase 10, 15, maybe even $20 million. It's possible. Um, and proper, let me know. Oh yeah, proper. So proper, there's, you know, the thinking on this, it's a long said sentiment out there that should have run, should have run. We would have the run. Um, I've done a video on this. I've done a lot of research on this. I, I know that for the folks that believe that we should have run the ball, there's not a lot I can say that convince those folks that believe that you should have given the ball to Marshawn Lynch. But let me give you just a couple of things that happened on that play. Number one, proper, if you ever played Madden, you know that in Madden, 
you have the offense first call the play, and then the defense counters the offensive call. Offense goes three wide, defense counters with a nickel, right? And the NFL works the very same way. Offense calls a play, calls a personnel package, the defense counters with a personnel package. And this happens so that the defense can react appropriately to the personnel package called by the offense. On that play, the Patriots came out in front and did not wait for the Hawks offense to call their formation. They came out with a goal line formation. So now the Hawks are being given an advantage there by the defensive coordinator of the Patriots. They can just go goal line and fit up to what the Patriots are and let them kind of, or they can dictate to the Patriots and they go to a three wide receiver. A three wide receiver set should be an advantage to the offense over goal line. So Seattle went to that. That would be a smart thing that you would want your offensive coordinator to do if the defense seems to make a mistake by calling the goal line before you've called your offensive play. So the other part of this comes into Marshawn Lynch would have absolutely scored 100%. There's no doubt he would have scored. That's what all the fans nationally want to say. It's beast mode. He would have gotten a one-yard score. But proper, there's actually some stats on this if you look at it where there's a 10-year period of Marshawn playing through the 2010s and the backs through that time period who got goal line runs. Basically, they're going to run it from the goal line. And what was their success rate? There's about 20 backs. I think it was like eight was the minimum runs from the goal line you had to have to be included in this group. Marshawn Lynch was the least efficient running back through the 2000 teens running from the goal line in. So this whole thinking that he was going to just get in there automatically, no doubt about it, is incorrect. Or that the run play was just absolutely just 100% the easy call to be made is not correct. Um, was there a better call to be had? Sure. Um, do I like the, the, the rub route play you're calling in a timing base rather than let's say play action rollout or something like that? Sure. That's a valid, that's a valid, you know, point to make, but the thought process that there's this hundred percent certainty that Marshawn Lynch gets the touchdown if he's given the ball there is incorrect. And the, and there's a lot of statistics that don't back this up. Take even just outside of that tenure period, that season, Marshawn Lynch was the least effective runner running it in from the goal line in the entire NFL. And, there's the, and you want your offensive coordinator to be aware of these statistics when he's calling a play, especially when he's calling a play where he's anticipating the defense already coming out in goal line and providing him, him an, an advantage from a personnel standpoint and how he could call it. So um, it's, it's maybe not the best call to call there, but the worst call of all time and the blah, 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 you know, way overstated. Gio says, if uh, you wait one and a half hours after you wake up to have your coffee, no crash later, science. I've heard it's a half hour, jail, but it's so hard to wait that hour. It's so hard to wait for very long after you wake up. You have to be in the state of sleep as you do that. Drunk says, I've noticed that the defense over years has been struggling versus check downs and dink and dunk. Maybe playing the big plays too much has something to do with it. Well, I, I've been, I've been post, I posted this uh Comment from Eric B. Enemy Drunk Squidward. I don't think you were probably in the stream earlier, but I'll post it again. You can see it up over my head. You know, it comes down to simplicity. The Seattle Seahawks are one of the most simplest defenses that you will play in the entire NFL. The simplicity is based upon stopping the run, turning the opposition into a one-dimensional attack, and then preventing the big play deep. Now, the downside of that's going to be dink and dunk city is going to be open all day long. And there is nothing anyone can do about it because that's the nature of the defense that they have set up. I'd love to see a change. I'd love to see a difference. I'd love to see attacking defense. I'd love to see a blitz-heavy defense. I'd love to see complexity. But at this point in this time in the stage, over halfway in the season, two years now after you've changed this defense over, that is just not what we're getting. And we're not going to get it anytime soon. So, you know, why it becomes a problem, why it becomes an issue, why it's an ongoing issue, why it's not changed. Hawks aren't changing. 
If the Hawks aren't going to change the parameters by which causes these results, we can't expect different results. Jason Schumacher, I wish I could sleep eight hours straight. I'm at about four hours twice a day and it isn't working out very well. Oh, Lordy, man. Hang in there, Jason. Melatonin, maybe? I heard that works good. I watch if we got pits, Pete would want him to become a blocking tight end. Facts. And uh, yeah, it looks like Derek Young re-injured his abdominal. Feed me. Unfortunately. I watched his Levis at 20. Would have been nice as well. That might have been a good pick. They certainly weren't in on Levis. You could say that pretty firmly at that point, passing on him at 20. I wouldn't have hated that selection though. Uh, Wolverines, I wasn't feeling Levis later. That's just my IMO. He has a nice arm, just poor decision maker in my opinion. Things change though. I think that's what he had shown at Kentucky. For me, it was a little bit of the supporting cast was so poor and bad around him. It was, I think, causing, I felt some of his, um, some of his poor play there out there at, at, at Kentucky, but that's a totally fair assessment. Tyler, I was so confused why people questioned C.J. Stroud at the draft. I had him as the second best quarterback in the draft, but I thought he would go number one overall in the Panthers since Frank Wright loved pocket passing quarterbacks. Yeah, the Ohio State black market quarterbacks kind of pushed him out a little bit on that one. But he's playing awesome, that's for sure. Wolverines Levis is the later round. Levis in the later round didn't think he deserved a first. We'll see. I'm a Penn State fan, so maybe watching him play just rubbed me the wrong way. We'll see on it. Um, loved his talent. And uh, I know that a lot of the Penn State fans, you're not alone Wolverines. I've seen a lot of Penn State fans that watched him there and said, you know, he's he's trash after what we saw from him at Penn State. I, I can't speak to the Penn State time. I can only speak to what I saw from him with Kentucky. He had a good year. Uh, prior to the year he was drafted out, he lost a lot of offensive talent. Um, it, it it really went in the garbage tank as far as that Kentucky team. He's playing in the toughest conference in the lound. It's the part that you got to really take into account there with those SEC teams. If you have an SEC team, SEC team with a quarterback that's an actual quarterback prospect, and they're getting waylaid every snap. I mean, they're getting browbeat all the hell, and they don't have a ground game, and they don't have playmakers to throw to, and they don't have a defense on the other side that is able to hold back those hellacious SEC offenses, then at that point in time, it's going to make the quarterback look like crap. And it's the, it's the thing, and this is not in regards to your post on this, Wolverines, but it's the, the number one thing that has started to emerge for me as I watch the evaluation of, of folks when they look at quarterbacks is that, and I see this with Gino all the time, and that's that there's this thinking that they, they're sort of derived separate of the supporting cast, that if they're so good, if they're so able, if they're going to be a pro quarterback, they should be able to overcome that lack of talent around them, overcome the shitastic nature of what, they have to work with around them. And my argument to that is, especially when you're operating in the SEC, when you're playing Alabama and LSU and Georgia every other week, that in fact, no, no quarterback put into those kind of conditions is really going to be able to excel. And, and so it doesn't mean that they just get a freebie pass, but it does mean that the evaluation becomes harder and more difficult to evaluate fully at that point. And I thought that that was the case with Levis. We'll have to see where he ends up landing out but I did feel like he didn't get necessarily the fairest of shake by fans in taking into account just how bad that Kentucky team was. 
And especially in that final year where he just didn't have a lot to work with. He'd make money throws down the field. He'd put absolute dots down the field. The guy would not only drop it, but he would tip it up into the air and then the defender would catch it. And it happened multiple times over to him. You know, Captain Kelly, thank you for the $5 donation. I thank you for that, Captain. Says, hi, Brandon. Where's my promised top five offense? It's going into week 11 and I'm running out of excuses why we're not making progress. Well, uh, I, I would say that you're right on the front end of this, Captain. And I thank you for the $5 donation. I thank you for coming a member of the channel as well in addition to that. Um, so this team should be a better offense than they've been this year. Um, no doubt about that. I think having a majority of this year that you've been down as much on the offensive line as you have have been an inhibiting factor. You're right about the fact that in this game, three major things were working well that hadn't been working well that start to leave the excuses off the board here a little bit. You know, the play calling got better. The running game got better. Uh, the pass protection got better. Gino was fluctuating in his performance. But what I will say on that is what, when those things got better, Captain, what happened in this game? You put, up almost, you put up almost 500 yards of offense. You had your best offensive performance of the season when we start to remove the multitude of issues going on with the offense. It's one thing if we just got Geno Smith playing shaky, but those other parts are working well. It's another thing when all of those parts are shaky and not working well. And so when it comes through majority of the season, that's been the case. But I look at this as a step in the right direction, 500 yards of offense, getting maybe a little bit more closely aligned to attaining to that status. They should have gotten here early, Captain. I'm not saying that I, I, the offense shouldn't have played better than they've shown so far throughout the majority of this season. But the flashes are there. The improvements are there. It is a step forward. We just got to see if they can round this out into better shape. But um, they have underperformed. I don't want to undersell that either, Captain. I expected much, much better from this offense. And the amount of talent that they have out there, they should be better. They should be way more consistent. And I think um, if you're looking for a prediction of when we're going to reach that state and, and truly be consistent, how about when Lucas comes back into the play? How about when we're not, you know, floating out a rotation of Stone Foresight and Jason Peters at right tackle? And now maybe the whole line can kind of stabilize with his return and maybe now we can finally see the full top end of this offense. Maybe, Captain. <laughs> maybe. It's been frustrating for me too, though, brother. No doubt about that. Uh, Tyler says, uh, Malik Willis doesn't exist anymore. No, he's, he's, no longer, he's no longer there in the NFL. I, was, I feel bad for Malik Willis. The problem was he was always going to be a project quarterback and not working out in year two. Nope. Tough for him having Levis drafted there too, where it just does remove his, his option. Uh, JRD Sensei says, how do I become a member? Uh, JRD, there's sometimes some change up on this on, on what certain browsers display and how they display it in certain countries that display the browsers in certain ways on phones and on PCs. If you are subscribed to the channel, you should see an option to then hit the join button as a, as a member or become a member there on the, on the deal. So there should be a button on your phone that you see next to the subscribe button that allows you to become a member. It does depend on the type of browser, like Safari on an iPhone might not work as well as using just a regular browser. Um, but that's the method that's supposed to be. I have heard, though, that there are some, some browsers where you can't see it on there and certain restrictions in some companies, too, in addition to that. Drunk Squittered, who would you rather have, Will Levis or Brock Purdy? Will Levis. Will Levis. Brock's not bad, but I mean, I, he's definitely in a lot of ways legitimized himself this year off of his level of play. I think even with some of the up and down stuff that's happened at times, but um, 
I worry about Brock's ability to hold up in the long term, especially at his size. I think he does benefit from a really great supporting cast. Uh, I go Levis. And yeah, I would say proper Purdy's probably played better than Levis so far. You know, but Levis also doesn't have anywhere near the supporting cast to work with the Tennessee Titans that necessarily Purdy has. Uh, proper Purdy has multiple great deep touchdowns this year. He just has just had the typical up and downs of a young quarterback. Yeah, I I think that there's still arm strength limitations there with Purdy. I, he's made some really good throws, and I don't want to seem like I'm taking him out at the legs, but the the arm strength limitations are still the arm strength limitations there in him. Um, he may not need to have a big arm with this offense and how it's constructed either. But, um, you know, he's made a couple of throws down the field. I, I do feel like once he starts trying to throw it deep down and watching a lot of Brock Purdy, and I've watched a ton of his football proper, a lot of his games. And when he's got to push the ball up the football field is when it starts to get a little bit dicey overall. But he's got a quick trigger. He's got a real accurate pass. He throws with great anticipation. He processes excellently on the football field. He's got great quickness out of the pocket. It's a lot that he does bring to the table, though. I watch, I think Rattler is one of the most pressured and sacked quarterbacks this year, still doing okay. Yeah, it's definitely affected his production level there being on that, but he's under, he's in a, a kind of a shining example of a little bit of what Levis dealt with. He's out there at South Carolina and he's dealing under an onslaught. There's no quarterback in the top four rounds that's going to be taken who will have been under as much pressure as Rattler. And the question comes into play, what happens when he's not under that amount of pressure? Can he start to excel even better at the pro level, even going up another level because he's not being as, restricted by what he has as far as the supporting cast around him. And I think it's a, a reasonable question to ask. I'm not a big Rattler guy, but it is a, a very reasonable question to ask in regards to him. Kirian, how do we feel about Shane Waldron's play calling in this game as a whole today? I was spending half the game. What the F are we doing? And was not particularly impressed. Run game was better. Uh, you're not alone. Uh, a lot of people are out. I'm kind of surprised Kirian on Waldron being out in this game. Uh, you produced 500 yards of total offense. You found uh, some consistency uh, in the ground game, a good mix between Charbonnet and Walker. You utilized pre- and post-snap motion. You utilized the bubble screen game. You had some counters to the blitzes, which you haven't had in prior weeks. I felt like there was times where it was not a matter of Waldron not calling a good game. I felt like there was times in this game where Geno Smith did not execute the play as well as it should have been called. I felt like there was times where Geno didn't pick up the blitz, and it was a well-called play, and they even had a player running short underneath as a hot route receiver that Geno just didn't get the ball to. But uh, I... That's just my outlook on it. There's been others that have been in the stance of you on this, Kyrian, and the outlook of uh, Waldron in this game. But that is how I saw it for it. I thought he had one of his better called games. You had almost 500 yards of offense. It's really hard. It's really hard to go an offensive coordinator had a piss-poor crap game when he's putting 500 yards of offense up on the board. That gets tough for me on that one. Wolverine's Hawks Nest, that's fair. Kentucky line was horrible. We will see, I guess. Yes, sir. We will see. Well, we'll see. And he's going to be an interesting case study to kind of watch is going to be Levis there. But again, here, even with the Titans, you're not even putting him in a position at this point when you put Levis out there behind that lines, that, that Titans team where you're going, okay, here's a great offensive line for you to be successful. Here's some great playmakers on the outside. Is it, the, the, quarterbacking is a complicated thing that people always drive to simplification. And the more I go through this by the years and the more that I look in depth at the quarterback position, it is complicated. 
It is not simplistic. And the more that we drive to simplicity is the more that you get further away from a clear view of the position and what determines success at the position and what determines failure at the position. And people want to think about it in superhero terms. Is he a superhero or not? Can he blast freaking laser beams out of his eyes or can he not? And that's not really the question, in my opinion, at hand. So even with the Levis here going to an improved place in the Titans, an improved place from where he was from the Kentucky by the onslaught and by the miserable nature of that team. He still is against a comparison of other teams out there, especially a comparison up against what a Proc Purdy has to work with, working with a minuscule amount of items there. And so even if he's necessarily not, you know, out there um, flourishing in this environment with the Titans in this year, which he has so far flourished to a degree, he's still not necessarily being put in the position where they've set the stage ready for their next quarterback to take over there in the Titans. And that's a big thing that I harp on with all quarterbacks in all situations, with all teams that go to look to draft a quarterback is get the stuff set up first beforehand for the QB, but everybody wants to get this cart before the horse. Everybody wants to go out there and get their quarterback and expect them to save everybody's day when it's really about the team, in my opinion. Um, Marcus says, one major drawback that has happened as I've gotten older and my age is 45. Somewhere during games on Sunday, I may fall asleep during the second or third quarter, but not the Seahawks game. Also, I cannot stay awake for a movie either at home or in a movie theater. Anyway, go Hawks. <laughs> just relaxing, man. It's so dark and it's just so just those chairs are so comfortable, you know. Uh, the nap thing is starting to sneak up on me. I used to be an anti-napper all the way. And then now slowly but surely I've started at times to find myself, you know, I could just do a good hour and a half quickie here. You know, my problem is it'll turn into a three-hour nap. Sea Lord of Bravos in the house. What's up, Sea Lord? Man, thank you again for your earlier $200 donation. You came in so strong on that earlier stream, man. Thank you so much, very much for that. I really appreciate it. Sea Lord says, just turning in now. Been a busy evening and night. Not surprised you're still going, Brandon. Smile. You know how I do, man. You know how I do what I do. Especially after a win, I'm feeling good. Drunk, uh, it's good to see you in the house tonight, Sea Lord, man. Appreciate you. Drunk says, the, that Eagles game is going to be a pain. Hopefully we can upset them. Same with the Niners. They destroyed the Jags. They destroyed the Jags. Impressive win by the Niners. Very impressive win by the Niners. And they've had a couple of those these years, this year. Steelers on the road to open the season. What they did to the Cowboys at home. This game against the Jaguars, legit. Legit. Have a good night, Snap, out of it. Appreciate you. Go Hawks. TC Fly, slightly above average team still. Yeah, I think that's a good, you know, it's a good team, not a great team yet. Drunks with it. Wonder if Shane Waldron does leave for a head coaching job. Who would the next offensive coordinator be? Will it be somebody in Seahawks tree or somebody of interest we have? I think you'll probably go outside of the building. I don't think there's an in-house guy that stands out that makes a lot of sense drunk. Who would it be? I have no idea. I have no idea. And I don't know if Shane Waldron's quite done enough this year to cement himself in as a as a true head coaching candidate, maybe. But I I, I he's probably got to do a little bit more. Marco says, hi, guys. Got to go to work. Have a nice week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, man. Kirian, I didn't think Shane called it S game or anything. We're just really, we're just not exactly going up against a top five defense. Gino did hold the ball and missed, I think, at least one wide open TD. I'll give you that. And I'd certainly, some of this is not a finalized opinion, Kirian, until I can get to look at the all 22, which does give me finally a, a full tale of what's happening and what isn't happening. Um, what I can reference on this is that what I was asking for coming into this game from Shane Waldron was the following. More two and three tight end usage. 
more consistent usage of the ground game, more of a mix between your backs and Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet, more of a plan to, to deal with the blitz as blitzes have started to dial up in recent weeks and been more and more and more and more accommodating through. Um, all of these things, use of outside zone and pitch plays. I think we got like five, six of those plays in the ground game today where there's been times in games where we haven't run one. All of those things I just mentioned, all were utilized in this game way more than they've been the prior three and four weeks. So when I get to a stage from my standpoint on this carry and really feeling like Waldron called his best game in this game and not being borne out by the total yards, and you're right, that wasn't the type of defense that you've been going up against recently. But some of this is also that the past two weeks, you've had to go up against the number one and number two best defenses in the entire sport. So you've been on the other end of this extreme degree too. You know, and maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle a little bit with this. But I do go more to Gino on my feeling of this. I, I've been, a, and I've been an excuser, Kieran, and you know me. I've been a, a backer of Gino and I've been a supporter of Gino and I've been willing to say, look, when this has gone wrong, there's a lot of people that get blamed on this, not just Gino. This would be one game where I think there's more of a firm footing to apply more criticism on Gino. Hold on. Cats fighting with it. Can't start getting feisty. It's getting late. Um, but I do think that this would be a game where I do have a, f a few points in this game. I'm going to look very closely at Geno's decision-making, and I think he left a little bit of meat on the, on the play here. I watch, I agree, Brandon. Build the team first, then plop in the game manager, quarterback, or rookie contract. Thanks for the outlet, Brandon. Got to get some sleep for work tomorrow. Have a great day at work tomorrow, I watch. Thank you for checking out and hanging in all the way through the stream today. And yeah, I'm, I am very, very hard-lined on my approach with this. You cannot go get the quarterback first. And these teams make this mistake over and over and over and over again, where they go out there, Colts, let's go get Anthony Richardson. Let's go get Richardson. You know, Carolina and Frank Reich, you know, oh, Bryce Young. Oh, give me Bryce. Let's go get our quarterback. Get a quarterback. You know, get your team on point first, then get your quarterback. Because then not only are you setting the quarterback up for success, you're maximizing that rookie contract. And as we've seen from some of the Super Bowl winners in recent history, including our very own Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson, maximizing that rookie contract can help to get you to the mountaintop. So it's very important to take that route. Grandizer 12. What's up, Grandizer? Says Brandon Kane, congrats on your Seahawks win. Can't wait to watch your short video you drop on the game. Always look forward to those. Hit the like button, show your support, say it, say it. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, Grandizer. And I got that. I got it all filmed up. I just got to cut it together. I'm going to jump right on that. As soon as we end out today, we'll have that probably about five, six in the morning. I'll get that dropped out, but we'll get that kicked out. Jason Tudor says, meow. Meow, meow, meow. Cats do need to chill, Prism. She gets feisty at the end of the streams. I think we'll draft a quarterback and let Gino play one more year. Maybe if I had to guess, I think that's the way it plays out too drunk. I think Gino stays. You draft a quarterback, let him battle it out. Let the best man win and see how it goes. Um, Drunk says Bryce Young looks bad. I don't blame him though. The Panthers team is poorly made. Amen. That's the problem that you get into with this when you have this happen like you do because not only is it a bad decision on the forefront, not only do you set the quarterback up for failure, but then you also end up finding yourself with a quarterback a couple years down the line where you're not too sure about your assessment of this QB. You got to make a decision. Do you want to activate the fifth year option? Do you want to give him a contract extension? I don't know. We don't know if he's good. And why don't we know if he's good? Because we didn't give him the right offensive coordinator. We didn't give him the right coach. 
we didn't give him the right supporting cast around him. And so we can't make the ultimate determination of where he stands as a player because of it. And that's the problem with that kind of choice and making that kind of decision. Uh, Andre Russell says, what do you think about, what do you, what are you thinking about the quarterback after this year? Keep Gino or try to draft one? Uh, I think it's a yes on that, Andre. So what I would say to that is I think what you do is you bring back Gino for another year. He's not likely to hit all of his high-end incentives in this contract. So the cost of the contract would be next year, a $32 million contract hit on the cap, which wouldn't be crazy. Um, then what I would do is I would go and draft, you know, if I'm, I'm joining John Schneider, I go, John Schneider, you know, you're not going to get the top three quarterbacks in this draft. You have your pick of every other quarterback beyond that because you can go take the guy in the first round if you fall in love with the guy. Target the guy you want in this draft. Is the guy in the first, second, third round? Which is the one that you want? Which, where is it? Where are you going to go? Target that guy. Go get your quarterback and then let him and Gino battle it out next year to let them determine who will be your starter and who's your guy for the future. But competition's king here. Stack up the competition. Let the best man win. Also, what was a blown coverage on the Adiami Brown touchdown? I don't know, Drunk. You had, you had the corner. I couldn't make sense of what happened on that play. The corner went inside on a player that was already covered. I thought maybe he blew the coverage, but then it was also over the top. So you were maybe running like quarters, short quarters coverage, you know, where you're trying to have the underneath stuff go. I, I have to look at the all 22 on that one. I'm not sure. A miscommunication in zone coverage. Wolverines, that is a spot on assessment with drafting a quarterback on a bad team. Thank you, Wolverines, man. Thank you. It's one that's been honed over the years in watching these teams and do this and looking at our team and what's the timetable and the right timetable to do the right, these kind of moves, take your quarterback, when, when to add them. And uh, I've seen so many failures from teams getting so jumpy to make the decision to just go get the QB before setting the stage for them and seeing so many quarterbacks who had the stage set for them find initial success. And uh, it's, it does stand out. Brandon, uh, Jana, Brandon, you go hard. Makes me that much happier to be a Seahawks fan. Much love to you in the 12s. Good night. And let's have it go Hawks. Let's go. Drunk says, I forgot about uh, Deami Brown until today. He's not been able to recapture that uh, UNC spirit, even though, of course, he's got Sam Howell there, a guy that he was playing with back at college. But um, he's been a little bit behind the depth chart with your Curtis Samuels. And, of course, Terry McLaurin's going to play ahead of him and even Jahan Dotson. So, um, especially Dotson's pick last, this last year, that was really kind of an indictment on Deami Brown and what the team kind of thought about his development, sort of, you know. Brandon, John, thank you, man, for the kind words on that. And I will uh, go ahead and I think I'll wrap it up on this one. Got a good four and a half hours on the post-game discussion today. Do me a favor, folks, today and smack that like button if you could for me, please. It helps the channel out and helps the channel grow tremendously. I want to thank as well the sponsor of this channel. Sponsor of this channel throughout the course of this season. That's going to be Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy right now. You can click the link down in the description below or use my code NEST. That's NEST. And you will get matched up to 100% of your first, up to $100 of your first deposit. So $100 on the Hawks Nest and you show some support back for the channel. Go out there. They've got some great ongoing contests throughout the course of the season. They're giving away $200,000 a year. You can get into a weekly fantasy where you pick a new team every week. You can go up against other real players rather than going up against, let's say, the house. Um, I like the over and under picks. Uh, that's really the place that I've been loving, just trying to pick what player is going to go over and under the yards. It's like adding a little extra layer and watching the games. But you can click that link. You can get it now as far as $100 back in your pocket right now. Go out there and win some money uh, and support the show. But thank you to Underdog Fantasy for sponsoring the show throughout this up this season. 
Shout out to uh, Bleacher Report as well for having me on there as the post-game discussion on that side of it as we will continue to be doing that. Uh, thank them for having me over there. You guys were absolutely tremendous and awesome. Zillion Shen, thank you for subscribing to the channel. Zillion, I appreciate you for doing that. You guys were awesome as ever in the chat tonight. I expected there to be a little bit more turmoil, but everybody kind of, I think, taking this win and this team and this where we're at in the season in stride and understanding a pretty clear view of where we're at. Feeling overall optimistic, wanting to see some improvement, understanding that we've got work we've got to still do to get there. But the team is at least somewhat coming together. The team is at least controlling their fate to the point of, we're going to get into the depths of the season and we're going to be able to control where we go and how far we go. And we're not going to have to rely on this team to lose here and that team to lose here or this team to have and things to break in our right favor. We control our destiny. And what I mean by that is not just the division. What I mean by that is not just the first round by you can go out there and capture. I'm talking about you can go as far as your imagination can take you this season, but a lot's got to come together for us to get to that place. And time is going to start to run out here. But step in the right direction. Offense put up more yards this week than they have throughout any point in time this season. Defense is searching for that consistency, but they're showing you some moments of being able to shut down offenses, of being able to tighten things up. So just find now the consistent element. We've got, the, we've got all the makings. Now we just got to bake this cake. So let's bake it. Sound good to you guys? Appreciate you guys for watching. Please hit that like button on the way out. Sub up if you're not already. We're on the road to 15,000 subscribers here, and we're cooking along fast that mark. Thank you to all the new subscribers that joined up today. Appreciate all of the donations on the channel today. So many to speak of. Uh, I can't even name. I appreciate you guys for all of that support. You're unbelievable every week, unfailing in your dedication and support to this channel without fail. And uh, I hope you guys know that I am very, very thankful for that. You are tremendous in every way, shape, and form. You guys are amazing. You make this the the funnest thing that I can imagine to be able to go out and do. I just love doing what I do. It is just such a, a blessing and a gift to be able to do this with you guys every week. And uh, it's not lost on me. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys, my fellow Seahawks faithful. On to the Rams this next week. Let's keep this mojo rolling. Let's keep the momentum going so we can get into that four-game slate ready to crush it. Sound good to you? Sounds good to me. My name is Brandon King. This is the Hawks Nest. Hit that like button. Sub on up. But please, my fellow Seahawks faithful, I shouldn't have to remind you after a win. I'm going to let you know anyway, though, just to make sure, because there are a few people that might be a little bit waffling. No wafflers in this house. No waffle cones up in this mug. We're believers here. We're believers. You can call it empty belief if you want, but it's belief. We're going to get this. We're going to turn this around. We're going to get this team together, and we might be able to just make some big-time noise this season. My Seahawks fellow faithful, it's a win. I shouldn't have to remind you, but I'm going to do so anyway. Don't you ever forget. Go Hawks.